Patricia, my darling Patricia I can see all my dreams in your eyes Your smile is as gay as a bright summer day You're much fairer than Aaron's blue skies Oh, Patricia, my lovely Patricia You could make all my dreaming come true My heart is just drooling, Patricia, no fooling I'm falling in love with you Patricia, my darling, Patricia, I can see all my dreams in your eyes. Your smile is as gay as a bright summer day. You're much fairer than Aaron's blue skies. Oh, Patricia, my lovely Patricia, you could make all my dreaming come true. My heart is just drooling, Patricia, no fooling. I'm falling in love with you. Patricia, my lovely Patricia, you could make all my dreaming come true. My heart is just drooling, Patricia, no fooling. I'm falling in love. I'm falling in love. I'm falling in love. And happy St. Patrick Day, everybody. It is March the 17th, year 2018, a Saturday. To a nod to our Irish heritage is Walden O'Shoes. And over there in Florida is Patricia O'Florida. Hello, Patricia. With her Irish heritage. <laughs> I do. I do have Irish heritage. I do, heritage. too. My great-grandmother and my great-grandfather were from Ireland. I, I know you are. That's why both of you are kindred yeah. show. We have Irish blood flowing through our veins. Oh, yes, we do. Yeah. <laughs> and I, we, we are blood brother and sister. That's yes. right. I Hi, have, everybody. It's Saturday. Yeah, <laughs> I had corned beef and cabbage tonight. And Did you real? Oh, oh, I love corned beef and cabbage. Oh, yeah. Mom, boiled cook, potatoes. Yes, we had boiled potatoes and carrots. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Mom. Mom cooked and, that. And horseradish and mustard. Yes, yes. Uh, and we went to Madonna, uh, and we went to Madonna Hammer Shamrock Shake. Oh. Uh, uh, see, my. Do you know my, how much the Shamrock Shake in calories is? No. It, it, I, got, I have all of, all of these little tidbits. I just happen to have that one. The small one is 400 calories. The large one is 800 calories. I had the 800 calorie one. That's the whole dinner. That's you okay. had the what? You, I had the 800 calorie yep. one. The 800, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was oh, good. Oh, that's a whole dinner's worth of calories. That was good. Anyway, but it's yes. It's more than a dinner, yeah. 
Yes, fam, we, we are here live. Yes, it's been forever since Patricia been live. We are live at 714-545-207. We're going to be talking to Barbara O. Smith at 8 o'clock. Get her... 2071. <laughs> <laughs> Saturday, it's I so didn't. Good. Last Saturday was a was a recorded show, a best of Patricia, and the phone rang off the hook. I I I was at dinner. Who called me? It's over there. Somebody called us. I can't reach that. Oh, hey, what? Hold on, somebody's calling. Did you fall off your chair? Yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> Hello there. You've done this from the floor before. One call. One. See, but somebody was trying to call during the show. What can I say? 714-545-2071. You can give us a call. The phone working? Come on. Yeah. Yeah. And I've got a whole bunch of St. Patrick's Day stuff. So you finish, and then I'll I'll talk, and then I'll finish. And then maybe somebody will call. I think somebody was trying to call because the phone was tied up. Hold on. There we go. I don't know Yay. why. Now you can Yay. call again, everybody. We have, to, we have to call Bubbles at 11. Yes, yeah, 714 Very hard on a poem for everyone. 714-545-20. The phone lines. Boy, I don't give the phone numbers out. That's why we don't give any calls. 714-545-2071. There we go. Yay, it worked. There we go. Thank you. Hello there. You're on with Patricia. Peekaboo, you two. Hello, David. How are you? I'm fine. How's Patricia? I'm fine. I am so fine. You would not believe it. She. They got her. They got her out. That's that's that. That's the good news. Oh, very cool. All right. Well, well, you know, I told you, you get off of good behavior. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. I know. I'm still here. But yeah. I have to. Can I tell? Uh, I, I bore everybody. I don't mean to, but I'm really excited about this. I walked all over the place outside the other day without my walker. I'm up and down stairs with both legs, and I'm almost finished with my limp. Wonderful. Yes. Oh, that's terrific. Terrific, Patricia. That is wonderful news. Are we have I Oh, it really is. And you know. So anyway, I'm a happy camper. How are you? Going to work for? Who's the walker going to work for now? <laughs> Well, like, I have it tonight because I, I can't. I thought you had a, I have to be a little bit. I, I have it with me tonight because I have to be a little bit careful when I'm walking all by myself out in the hallway, and I can't carry a computer and a pad and a bottle of soda without my walker. So I piled everything on the walker and I brought that upstairs with me. Do we need to get you a so, cur- do we need to, do we need to get you a carrying bag? Would that be helpful? I have one. I never even thought about that. I can do that. Okay, okay. Thank oh, you. Okay. You're going to carry all those items. That's we great we, idea. We might, we might have a carrying bag for crying out loud. You know. I know. I know. And it's one I used to put, you know, my computer and books and recorder and purse. And you know, it's one I did just sling over your shoulder. And yeah. it's really cool. Thank you for the reminder, Dave. How are you? 
I'm better than nothing. That's what I hear. <laughs> so uh, I'm doing okay. How was your trip to San Francisco? Well, that's, that's the last time you and I what? talked when you were up hey, in... there. Right? Yeah, yeah. It was great. We went to uh, Billy. Our son Billy was in... Um, um, oh, boy. I'm going to forget the name of the play now. Um, oh, South Pacific. What's the matter with me? <laughs> uh, and he was in South Pacific, and he had the lead. And uh, so we went out there to see that. And um, we got a chance to visit for a while. We had a very great time. Yep. Oh, that's great. Mm. And uh, now we're back. You sound... we're... Yeah. Huh? I, I sound what? Say you sound a little froggy. Do you have a cold? <clears throat> well, I just did a show, so I'm a little... Uh... Oh, okay. I just got off stage about an, less than an hour. Oh, oh. That's a big one, yeah. Yeah, and so I'm a little froggy, but I'll be fine. So have you um, have, have you booked out your new show yet? Have anybody? Yeah, I, actually, I did it tonight. Yeah, we've been yeah we've been doing sort of a it's sort of a, a trial run on this thing, but it's uh, taking on a life of its own. People are loving it, and so you know it, it's we're having a little bit of a shakedown cruise. You know, take this out, put this in, that kind of stuff. Okay, and uh, it's doing very well. Yeah, doing very well. What's the name of it? Jokes my and, Irish father told me. <laughs> I love it. And tonight was the perfect night for it. Yeah, it was. Can you tell one? Great crowd. Yep. Would you tell one? I can tell one. Let me see what I can tell. Well, there's a story of three Irish men, and they're in a boat on the Irish Sea, and they're fishing. And then a, a leprechaun appears in them. And a leprechaun says, boys, mm-hmm. you're, you're wonderful men, and we, we like you very much, and we're going to give you any... Any one wish you like, one wish at all. And one of the guys said, oh, my God, one wish. He says, well, we're on the Irish Sea. Turn the Irish Sea into Guinness. Leprechaun <laughs> <laughs> turns the entire Irish Sea into Guinness, and he disappears. And his friend, he says, look at that. Look what I did. And his friend said, you dumb SOB. He said, what do you mean, dumb? He said, I had the whole Irish Sea turned into Guinness. And the guy says, yeah. He says, now we got to pee in the boat. <laughs> a good one. <laughs> I never saw that one coming. No, no. Oh, out of a room like that, you don't see coming, and so. Never. Yeah, you did. That's a good one. I'll tell you. I'll tell you one other one because this is one of my favorites. Uh, there's, there's two 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 leprechauns, and they go to a convent and knock on the door, and the mother superior comes out and says, "Yes, can I help you?" And the leprechaun says, "Mother, can you tell us, please?" You tell us, are there any midget nuns? <laughs> and 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 the mother spirit says, no, no, there are no midget nuns. No, in all, there's no midget nuns. No. Well, how about in some of the other convents around? Are there any midget nuns in the other? And she said, no, no. He said, well, well, how about in all of Ireland? In all of Ireland, is there any midget nuns? And the mother spirit says, no, there are no midget nuns. And he turns to his friend and says, see, Sean, you're dating a penguin. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. These are all nice and scrubby clean, too. This is yeah, good. Yeah, they are. Yep. I like that one. Yep. And so like the show one. has been getting reactions like that every night. And tonight we had a great night, yeah. with, uh, St. Patty's Night. And we did it for a Catholic church. And uh, they had a wonderful time. They made some fun money and they had a great time. Great. I have to tell people who we're talking with. This is Dave, our friend we introduce so often. 
He is up in Rhode Island, and he has a radio program on Saturdays that he invites us to periodically, and I love doing that, and I'm so glad you're here. Yeah, it's about time we did that again. And he's an on-air personality, and and you're an on-air personality. That's a matter of opinion, but <laughs> I'm doing my best. That's what you told me. I, I, you told me that. Well, yeah, that's what I how I refer to myself. Yes, of course. Yes. Somebody else might you, listen, you and did. I'm just boring as you know. Well, you know. You did told no. me that. Yes, you're a personality. That's for sure. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> one of my several ones. Yeah. Um, now you say that you're Irish, but nobody knows your last name. Your maiden name. This is true. I, and yeah, I, we, we, she's making her maiden name. We, that, that. I've mentioned that. Uh-huh. Well, what was your maiden name? <laughs> You're not going to believe it. Who <laughs> is okay. Smith? Smith. Smith, yeah. Oh. There's a story that goes with that, too, though. A story, yeah. Are you, are you interested in the story? I am. Well, yeah. When my great-grandfather was coming over, he was the first one over, and it was during the era where no Irish need apply when it came to jobs. And one of the passengers was British, and he had a job lined up, but he died. And my great-grandfather took his papers and reported for the job, and why in heaven's name and how in heaven's name he got past anybody. But they gave him the job, and that's how he started working here. But because McNally obviously was clearly Irish, and that was his name, he started referring to himself as Smith, which was the name on the papers, and it sort of stuck. My grandfather's birth certificate had McNally, but everybody went by the name of Smith, and that's where it came from. How about that? So you've lived your life as an alias. This is true. That's pretty cool. So, so Patricia, was was your dad on a certificate as Smith? Did, did your grandfather yes. eventually uh-huh. have it legally changed? It, I don't know if he had it legally changed, but he went by senior and my father was a junior. Uh, as a matter of fact, you know what? I remember now that he went to Ireland with my uncle, and they couldn't get a passport for him because his birth certificate said McNally and everything else said Smith. I don't know how they finally resolved it. He got one, but it, it was just an awful dealy um, for him to go through that. So, I don't know. Well, well the names are always was. tough. I mean, people coming to, to Ellis Island always had their names butchered anyway. Right. You know, I mean, it, it's, it's, they it's pretty hard. wrong. It's and, pretty hard to get Smith out of McNally, though. Yeah, well, who knows? You know, <laughs> sometimes they just... <laughs> Anyway, that's that's my story. And you're sticking to it, I know. (laughs) I am. I am. One of my cousins went to court and had his name legally changed to McNally. Oh. He was just... Yeah, because it's known as a a legal alias, you know. If you you use a name... (laughs) This is what a lot of people in, in... show business do broadcast etc uh as long as you are known by that name whatever that name is uh and you present yourself like that out in public and it's not for a nefarious reason then it is Uh considered a legal alias and it's it's and it's read that before thank you for reminding me yep 
it's, so maybe it, maybe I'm not illegal after all, huh? No, no, no. You're not. No, no. as long as people uh, know you as you present yourself as that, without into uh-huh. defrauding. Do, 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 okay, but yeah. let's just say, do there, are there any situations you have to prove both names? In other words, you know. Oh sure, sure. There would be many. Uh, the passport. Passport, for, for example, right? You would, you would, yeah. You could show you. You have to give them both both versions. Yeah, now see, like me, with me, my 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 name is Kane. Yeah, my my name is not Dave Kane. Right. I have a a name of a famous celebrity. Right. And so I had to name switch it to Dave Kane. My my real name is Helen Hayes. <laughs> and <laughs> so so she went and got Helen a passport, Hayes. Helen Hayes. So <laughs> would you have to present both Helen Hayes and Dave Kane to the passport? That's good. There you go. There you go. Yeah. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, it gets very iffy. And nowadays, I guess things may have changed a little bit because of all the fuzzerai about illegal aliens. Yeah. Well, right now, at least in California, you know, if you're going to fly in 2020, you got to go through a lot of rigmarole to get your uh, ID updated with ships and everything else. I don't know if that nationwide or a federal thing, but um, anybody's going to travel by plane in the next, in, in two years from now, you have to get a special ID card to make that work. And so uh, that's just another another hurdle to well, go through. It's also another way to make money. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Way to make money. Yeah. Uh, yeah you know, so I, I don't know. We would just... The world has changed, and that's one of the things I found out in writing the show or doing this new show, picking material that isn't so dated that it doesn't work. There was a great joke mm-hmm. that I can't remember now, but it had to do with a guy who was trying to make a phone call, and he says to his friend, are you going next door? He said, yeah. Well, he said, well, go next door. He said, Call the operator and tell her I can't get my finger out of the dial. <laughs> my finger's stuck in number seven, or <laughs> I forget. But I mean, you know, nobody, there's no dial phones anymore, and there's no really no operators no. anymore, and there's no, you can't do a joke. I used to do this joke about how my fan club would meet in a phone booth on the corner, and there are no <laughs> phone booths anymore. So there's somebody no. that you can't do the joke anymore because. The points of reference are not there, and the younger people in the audience will. So, yes. so what that Clark can't go change into Superman now? That's exactly. He used to run down an alley. He can still run down an alley. Yeah, no, he's, he changes he psychologically. Get before he got out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he does it psychologically. He's in an alley. Yeah. So see how things have changed? He used to change from Clark Kent to Superman. Now he changes from Superman to Lois Lane. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. <laughs> oh dear! Yeah. Oh dear! Um, oh dear! Anyway, well, I, that's two out of three. <laughs> you got two out of three. Oh okay. I got, well, that wasn't in it. That was just an ad yeah. I don't. Right? Tell me we with talking, the uh, with the program. Tell me, tell me with the program that you did tonight, the show that you did. How many jokes did you actually assemble for that night? You know, I I haven't counted them. I haven't counted them, but I do. I do an hour of jokes. Some of them are shorter. Some of them are yeah. longer. Um, what 
What do you do in between them? I wait for the laugh to stop. <laughs> this is well, good. Well, this it tells good. you, it's like, I read an article one time, and I expand upon it, on a 30-minute radio show. How many jokes do you think Jack Benny sh- shot for in a 30-minute radio show for Jack Benny? And how many did Bob Hope shoot for? So I want you guys to get the numbers. Well, well Hope, Hope, I'll tell you, Hope was higher. <laughs> Much higher. Number was higher. Yeah. Much higher. Higher. Yeah. Because Benny used silence a great deal. Right. His yeah. timing was slower. He had a slower timing. Um, so I don't know. So what, 15 for Hope. 15 a minute for Hope. Okay, so if you go, it, you went, it went with a thirty-minute show for twenty. So you would say three hundred jokes, right, Patricia? That'd be about what you would um, shoot for. He well, he had stuff in between, so I would say two hundred in a show. Two hundred in a show, okay. Yeah. And how many you think for Benny, Patricia? For Jack Benny, I would put five a minute. So. Maybe maybe 120 to 150. Okay, Dave, what do you think? I I'm not going to venture a guess. I I would have no idea. Okay, but I'm interested in what you. This is what the research show for for Jack for his entire show with 35 jokes. You're kidding. For Hope, it was 135. That I believe. Got to remember, yeah. We got to remember this. I want to tell you, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I mean, let I have. Let me a, ask you all. Go ahead, Dave. No, yeah, I, I, I was going to say that as an example in my show, I have a couple. Of, I have several one-liners, right? Uh, as opposed to telling a, a story that's mm-hmm. more animated. And, yeah. But I have a one-liner like the guy's guy says to his friend, "How's your wife?" He said, "Oh, my wife's an angel." He said, "You're lucky. Mine's still alive." Mm-hmm. You know, but a boom, boom, you know, um, and 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 then you have a more elongated joke, um, sure. what they used to call shaggy dog jokes that went on for shaggy dog jokes. <laughs> yeah, they went on for a while, so they used to call them. Why, where did that, where did that name come from? I don't know. I don't know, but but Did I, you know I was going to I, ask? I think it had to do with an elongated joke. That had to do with the shaggy dog and the punchline somewhere, and that's why they they referred to it as a shaggy dog joke. Hmm. But you know, she think of hope delivery. It was always that rapid fire shotgun approach, especially mm-hmm. if you look back at his early days, especially the monologue. You know, yeah. to think. I want to tell you, yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Bam, bam, bam. Yeah, yeah. And, and hope and and let's face it, Betty was always the setup. Set up with the biggest part of that whole operation for many with the setup, then, then the punchline, you know. So, uh, I have, I have a question for you in yeah. that when they talk about Jack Benny having 35 jokes within the show, right? Did that include Mary Livingston? Yes. Did it include yes. Phil Harris? Yes. Geez, Phil Harris could come up with 35. I know, I know. I'm really surprised. But that's. I, I'm really surprised that he could sustain. And yeah, but you got to remember, you're talking about two different things. Uh, Hope was a comic, yeah. and Benny That's was true. a comedian. And and exactly. the difference is that it, Hope was doing stand-up. Benny is doing a sitcom. Benny is doing a story. 
Yeah. So it's going to yeah. be less jokes because of the setup to get to this, the, you know, and and hope is da da bum da da bum da da bum. But he's a comic. He's he's a he's a joke teller. He's not a comedian. Mm-hmm. He was a comedian. Well, I mean, the, Big cl- difference. the classic example is the first Benny show of the opening season, September eleventh, nineteen forty nine, where you did not hear Jack for the first twenty seven minutes of the show. It was it was always this bus was going and it this tour bus was going through Hollywood and it was dropping into all the cast members and they were just talking about Benny and you didn't hear Jack at all for the first twenty seven minutes until they got right. to NBC and he and he said my this is my stop and that's when you heard him I mean he spent so much time on the setup to deliver the punch it, it, it didn't mean much to Jack to. Yeah. You go for numbers. Well, but you know, because he knew that it was about the laugh. Right. Sometimes in in whether it's misgivings or my other, this show now, if somebody in the audience decides they want to be famous and don't chime in or whatever, if they if they get a big laugh, I let them have it. I don't make any attempt to top it mm-hmm. because the audience got the laugh. And they'll have a good time. I don't. It, I don't care who gets the laugh. Right. That, I learned that from watching Benny in my life. And he didn't care who got the laugh as long as the laugh was cut. It needed to be him. That is true. That is so true. We, uh, as you know, it was sort of the branding. He didn't, everybody would think of the Benny show. It didn't matter to him who got the laugh. It, It was always referring to the Benny show. And he was smart enough to know that his being the brunt of the jokes was where the humor was. Right. You know, his being the brunt of the jokes. Um, and so I'm, I'm now I'm going to go and count the jokes in my show. Now I'm wondering how many are in there. <laughs> I'm going to have to go. <laughs> when you finish yeah. counting, would you let me know? I'll give you the yeah, phone number where I am. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll, 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 I'll drop you an email and, and tell okay. you. Yeah, it's interesting. Now I'm going, to, but then I'm, what's going to happen is I'm going to decide I need, I want to round it off to a certain number. I'm going to add jokes. And so, so I, I uh, well, I, I'll, I'll let you go. I just wanted to say hi to you guys. Hi, Dave. I'm glad you called. You sound tired. You sound, you sound yeah, thank tired. You so much. I'm a little. Yeah. Thank you for the. I'm, I'm yeah, yeah. Thank you for the jokes. You're very welcome. Next time I'll give you three that you like and Perfect. just two. All for the same price. Oh. Three out of three next time. <laughs> oh. Thank you, Dave. You have a okay, quiet okay. night. Thank you. All right. Good night. Good night. We're going to get Barbara on the Skype line, so if you want to call, you can. But we'll get a, we're going to get Barbara up on this one. I can keep going here while you're doing that. Patricia Office. Yeah. I have Plan. information, Plan. and everybody else might have it too. The first known St. Patrick's favorites. Day celebration. Barbara Smith applications. Context. Send us invite the group. Enter. Walden News added. Barbara unloading job. Cancel. Okay. Enter. It was in Boston. However, it was a group of Irishmen who walked down the street in Boston to get to a pub. Hello. Hello. Well, hello, everybody. Hello. This is Bubbles, my sister. Is it, mm-hmm. is it, <laughs> is it Bubble or is it Barbara or Bubbles or you know? 
Uh, whichever you choose. <laughs> or is it, is it Barbara? Is it, is it Barbara, Bubble, or Smith? You know, whatever we can do, right? B Smith. <laughs> B Smith, right? Okay, B O Smith. Okay, this is good. This is good. Mm-hmm. Well, you have a poem for us today that is in keeping with your Christmas poem, and or actually, it was after Christmas poem. No, it was a Christmas poem, wasn't it? No. Yeah, it was before Christmas. It was before Christmas. Okay, that's uh-huh. right. That's right. And Valentine's and Day. A Valentine's Day, and now you're here on St. Patrick's Day. So well, I was you... ordered to do so. <laughs> yes, yes, this was part of the lineup, and, and Walden has your next assignment all lined up for you tonight. Oh, my goodness. Okay, go. This is go? a St. Patrick's Day poem. Go. Okay, I'm going to put you on speaker. Okay. Okay? Sure. Okay. Are you ready? All right. Yes, we are. Okay. It was the night before St. Patrick's Day, and in a cottage by the sea, the leprechauns were jumping with shamrocks to give to you and to give to me. From Cork to Killarney, it was the wearing of the green. Could the leprechauns be planning some little tricks of mean? A thatched roof covers a cottage gracing the seascape on this emerald isle. Anyone lucky enough to visit will have a heart that will smile. From County Clare to County Kerry, every pub presents all that is merry. Men wrapped up in green like a bad Christmas present. And jolly as they were, into Sullivan's pub they went. Said the tender in the pub, I was going to give them a crazy look, but they already had one. Party they did as they drank their green ale, <laughs> lining their patty caps on each rusty nail. The door opens up, and who walks in? Father O'Malley with his wide Irish grin. To the tender, he said, line him up, Danny, with good Irish cheer. The ale that's green, but the Yanks call it beer. All the pub's people chuckled and raised their glasses. They started to sing to all the pretty lasses. When Irish eyes are smiling, sure it's like a morning spring. In the lilts of Irish laughter, can you hear the angels sing? Well, me friends, O'Malley said, I had me my one beer for the year, and that's me chancer. Any more of this, and those pesky leprechauns will have them a dancer. As the sun shined in the new morn upon the meadow filled with shamrocks, a rainbow was pointing downward toward the sea and past the shipping docks. No tricksters in sight on this good Irish morn. Only the emerald green in the meadow does it adorn. The leprechauns are knackered from working hard for this day to give shamrocks to everyone who show they're here to stay. Whether you're uh, you <laughs> whether you are on the island or very far away, everyone is Irish on St. Patrick's Day. Very good. Oh, wonderful. Happy. Happy St. Patrick's Day to you. Oh, thank you, and to you too. So, oh, thank 
Thank you. So, so how how much effort did that take you, Barbara? Um. Well, when did you ask me to do it? <laughs> uh, February the fourteenth. So you had thirty. Let's see. Thirty-three days. Okay, it took me thirty-three days. <laughs> <laughs> Now I have your yes, I have a I have a new assignment for you, my dear. Oh my goodness! But I talked it over Go with ahead. your I talked it with your sister, and mm -hmm. because uh -huh. you're, you're such a beloved personality on the station, you get to pick. We get, we'll give you three choices. Uh huh. <laughs> 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 they just so how happen to fall on the same day. Easter, April Fools, uh -huh. April Fools, or the uh -huh. or the opening day of baseball. It all happens in two weeks. Well, you can nix the baseball <laughs> right now. <laughs> is that not okay, an I, S word? <laughs> I do. Yes, it is. I suggested that you do one poem and make reference to all three things. Let's not say we did. Uh -uh. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was a pretty good idea. Do you know it's Maureen's birthday, too? Well, okay, you can add that, too. <laughs> there you go. That's my daughter's That's my daughter's birthday, Walden. So, you see, you only got, you got two weeks to get it done, my dear. Well, um, <laughs> being that I like bunnies so much... <laughs> And I had a bunny. We're going to do Easter. All right. And we'll, we'll have a warm-up we'll have a warm up act just before we bring you on. Because, oh, goodness. Because your sister, well, I, your sister uh -huh. is going to interview, uh -huh. going to be interviewing, uh, you want to announce the, your special guest in two weeks, Patricia? did the special guest we are going to have on March 31st, Marion Ross, who was Mrs. Cunningham, Marion Cunningham on Happy Days. She was the mother on Happy Days. Isn't she wonderful? I am just so excited about being able to talk with her. I think we're going to have a great time. She has a book out. It's um, a memoir and autobiography of sorts. And it, I'm starting to read it, and it's really quite good. I have mm -hmm. some questions. I'm only <laughs> through the first chapter, and mm -hmm. I already have a mountain of questions for her, so I'm going to have to put a leash on myself. <laughs> please put that in your calendar that Marion Ross will be with us on the 31st. So we'll have Marion mm -hmm. Ross first, then we'll have Barbara with her poem. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Wasn't she wonderful, though? Yes, yes, she was. I, I just, we, so many of us loved that show, and she was, she was a pinnacle in that show. Everything, although it should have been Richie Cunningham and all of the boys. She was really the the, the center, the glue that of kept all it of together. Yeah, she kept it together. Mm -hmm. She yes, knew she what was. to do, and with she was so ladylike too. Uh huh. Yes, Isn't she, she now Arthur? <laughs> I don't think his name was Fonzie? Arthur. Oh, that's Fonzie. right. Fon <laughs> Arthur Fonzarelli, yes. 
Yes. Now Arthur. Yes, Arthur. <laughs> so, so that's what we're going to be doing in two weeks, and I'm I'm really excited about it. So, and in the meantime, okay. Well, you know what, be... Walden? Go ahead, Barbara. It's gonna be a bunny poem. We'll take the bunny. Will it be chocolate? Well, we're emphasis on bunnies. <laughs> okay. We can do that. Okay. Perfect. Okay. I I like that. And eggs. Yes. And colored and eggs. Yes. And baby chicks. Yes. And flowers and daffodils and stuff. It sounds like it's, stuff. it sound like um uh the lyrics from oh gosh sound of music. You know what? Oh, what are the what? Alive? Yeah, what? Are, yeah, what? What? Are, what? Are, what? Are, or is it? Or very similar to what a little girl's made of and what a little boy's made of. What? Uh-huh. What? What's the? Uh-huh. What's that from the famous poem? Girls are made of. Oh, I don't know. oh God, P- Patricia, sugar help! Sugar and spice and everything nice. Yes. What are little sugar girls and made spice of? Sugar and spice nice. and everything nice. That's what little girls are made of, and. Little boys are made of rabbits and snails and puppy dog tails. That's it's right. a terrible thing to say to kids, you know? Sheep willikers. Uh huh. It is puppy dog tails. That's terrible. I thought so too. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm gonna let you guys go. All right, Barbara. Okay, Congratulations. Well, that was a wonderful poem. Thank you for the entertainment. I really did. <laughs> you we did well i'm glad you both liked it you're and the, i'll give somebody else a chance to call you're okay? the po- you're okay. the poet lawyer of yesterday usa all right barbara take care oh, oh one more thing yes yes yeah could i send a bunch of shamrocks to the kitty hawk yeah of course okay everybody I mean, I think... in the kitty hawk yeah I, I think you're sending St. Patrick's Day. You're not going to send them shamrocks, right? Yeah, St. Patrick's Day shamrocks. Yeah. Oh, happy St. Patrick. You said you wanted to send them a bunch of shamrocks, and I'm thinking, say what? <laughs> yeah, shamrocks. Okay. All right? Okay. <laughs> okay. okay. Okay, we'll so, talk to you. All right. Okay. Bye-bye. Hello Bye-bye. there. Hello there, Carl. You are on with Patricia. And that was that was a wonderful conversation you all had. Well, Celeste, you know, when when Barbara, the poet laureate of yesterday USA, Barbara, Patricia's sister, has a poem, we have it on. What can I say? <laughs> <laughs> My father's father used to always, I hope I get this poem right, uh, what he, or his, it's not a poem, it's a saying, which is uh, the... English always uh, brag about the fact that the eye of God is always, when he's awake, it's when, when there's daylight, there's always an English something, an English country or an island or something that, like that that's possessed by the Englishman. And, of course, all the old Irishmen would always say, yes, that's because God doesn't trust an Englishman in the dark. Oh, <laughs> jeez. <laughs> Yeah. So oh they my used to always say that the sun always shines on the English Isles. That's right. And the Irish say, yeah, God wouldn't 
take his eye off of of an English port. But I call Patricia mainly to say, tell me, uh, something was wrong with your heart. Are you okay? Oh, I'm fine. No, nothing was wrong with my heart. Basically, what happened two weeks ago, Patricia couldn't get on the show. You want to explain what the flu, the flu epidemic. I think that's what people... we had we had two cases of flu on the floor I'm on, and we were told, yeah, flu, yeah, influenza, mm-hmm. and we were told not to congregate and to stay on our own floor, which we did do, and we were turned loose after that weekend. But I wasn't allowed out to play on March third, so oh. that's how come we weren't here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, how are you feeling, huh? Oh, I'm doing really well. I did my whole rundown before. I'm walking all over without my walker, and I'm walking up and down stairs, and I'm, most of the time I, I, you couldn't tell that I have a limp. It, it's that slight. Oh, that's so, good. I'm really doing well. Yeah, I heard him mention it last week, and I thought, well, I hadn't heard anything about you, so I better call you tonight and get a rundown. <laughs> Oh. Well, oh, you're so nice. Yeah, because last week, <laughs> last, last last Saturday, we didn't do the show live because we had the Spurvac event, so you heard the best of Patricia, and then, of course, she was gone yeah. two weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, that was good. Well, just to say I'm an Irishman and proud to be one, and the proudest thing I've done as an Irishman, uh, I didn't grow up as a Catholic. I, I changed uh, to be a Catholic after when Paul and I got married. But my first uh, teaching assignment was at a little um, beautiful little church here. It has a, an elementary school attached to it. And we really got, uh, we really had a lot of problems because the Texas public schools wouldn't allow undocumented children to attend school and so i had got one of the i got one of the chores of going down to austin all the time to to make them see that no matter who you are what you are you're paying taxes no matter if you rent or if you buy clothes food or whatever well it dragged on and on and on and finally a wonderful judge named william a justice isn't that a good name? Uh-huh. Said that everybody who lives in this state pays the form of taxes, and you can't deny them the right to go to public schools. And I was really proud of that. Wonderful. Oh, really glad about that. But, you know, if we just take a little time, we can always reconcile our differences, I think. Oh, yeah. You know what's missing with all people, and I think the United States is probably the most spoiled one. But we want what we want right now, here and now. Mm-hmm. Have you noticed that? Mm-hmm. Do that tomorrow. I think it's, and I think it's more true today than it has been years ago. I just think we're we're more in a hurry today, yeah, than than we used to be. Yeah, and the other thing I would say about that would be the fact that. When you rush something like that little law we had here in Texas, when you rush something and pass a law or do something uh, without giving it enough time, bad things have come out of it, and you have to kind of start all over again. Mm -hmm. So 
I just always try to think when <laughs> when I'm talking to my family, be patient, be patient. <laughs> and well, I am so glad that you're feeling well, and both of you. And I'll hang up. I enjoyed your sister's poem. <laughs> That was was good. Yeah. That was really good. She always comes up with a funny one. Yeah. Well, good night, you two. All right, Celeste. We'll talk to you soon. Celeste. Take care. You keep keep going, girl. Keep those exercises. Sounds like you're doing real well. (laughs) Thank you, Celeste. Happy St. Patrick's Day. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So how's your refrigerator holding up, Patricia? You still have items in your, fr- your fridge? Oh, yes, I do, and people haven't guessed for weeks. I so know. we better toss this out again. Hello there, you're on with Patricia. Is this Patricia that's on the lamb now? <laughs> uh, yeah, I went over the wall. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was finally fessing up. I, I, didn't, I didn't go... I actually didn't, everybody. I'm still here. But four or five years ago when, when I had heart surgery, I got sent to um, a rehab that was anything but. And I went over the wall. I thought, I'm leaving. <laughs> and I did. So, yeah, I'm practiced in that, but I haven't done it here. Tied, you tied bed sheets together and went over the wall, huh? Oh, sure. Oh, so, yeah, well, you know, it's hard to hard to... <laughs> Climb down a sheet when you're on the first floor, but <laughs> yeah, it was easy to go uh, over the wall. Mm-hmm. A lot of possibilities. You on the lamb, I'll tell you that much. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. So how are you? Happy Thanksgiving. Oh, happy Thanksgiving. Happy St. Patrick's Day. Are you giving me the bird here or what? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> that is a yes. How are you doing in the snow department? We have been getting some snow, but there's been more around us. Uh, Lexington mm-hmm. got eight inches, and Louisville got more like, uh, you know, up to about two inches of snow. But it, uh, last weekend we had snow on, I believe it was Friday, and then again on Sunday, and then Monday. We, we've been getting these storms coming out of like uh off of like uh lake michigan they've been dropping down here and then heading east out to yeah. uh, virginia and then they're they're creating the nor'easters up in like boston you know uh oh i know yeah, boston was getting three inches of snow with 40 mile per hour winds and then the outer bands i mean basically it's a snow hurricane up there off the uh Mm-hmm. North East Coast, and then the Outer Bands come back and feed the next bit of a uh, storm that comes down through here, and it's just been a vicious, you know, circle. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, our friend Tom in New York, who always signs his emails, I listen, but I do not call, he has a house <sighs> in the Catskills, and he's pretty high up, and he sent me a picture of his house, and it's under snow. Today he it was nice out. He was going to climb on the roof and shovel his roof. <laughs> yeah, now, he was out this afternoon shoveling his roof. Roof. We we had a we had a uh, warm front through 
central Kentucky today. And uh, at Bowling Green, it was 77. At Nashville, it was 77, about 4 o'clock. Oh, we were heaven. at 55. So that's just how that's cold. That, well, that, I just want to remind everybody, spring is next week, so hopefully the snow will be all gone by, by Thursday, right? I think it's Tuesday. Oh, are they, are they saying March 20th this year's first day of spring? I always wasn't too sure the 20th or the 21st. I think it's Tuesday, okay. but I could be wrong okay. about that. Well, today's the 17th, so it's in three days. The 20th of March. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Today's the 17th, 18, 19, 20. Would be Tuesday. Oh, he says. So, so, right, so, so, so you, you see, you see the... The flower blooming in your front yard, Dan? We have a daffodil here, there, and, you know, uh, there's a few things. Dry, uh, well, the uh, forsythia is starting to bud out. Mm-hmm. Of course, uh, we were up to 82 degrees, uh, I think, the uh, third Tuesday of February. That's we've had good. quite a roller coaster. We, we've, we've been, we've had a temperature differential of about 90 degrees during the first two months of this year. That's enough of a change to get sick. That's enough of a change to really get sick, yeah, yes. Yeah. Maybe that's why why we've all been, you know, maybe that's why we still have the flu. Yeah, it could be. I had negative, I had negative six in my house twice in January on the uh, 2nd and on the 5th day of January. And uh, that's... In your house, um, a, minus six? Huh? In your house? Yeah. In well, not house, in my house. My house. At your house. Yes. Oh, I, I okay. was looking online at a weather um, website, and they had uh, all of these um, uh, weather stations, you know, throughout different areas, and I found one over on the neighboring cul-de-sac where I live. And at okay. that weather station, it 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 you know records all the statistics. And I was looking, and it mm-hmm. was on the second and on the fifth, it got down to negative six. Yeesh. Then Yeesh. the third the third day, the third Tuesday of um, February, it got up to eighty two in Louisville. Now it probably wasn't that hot in my house. I haven't looked to mm. see how hot it got that day, but. In at the Louisville airport, it broke a record for the hottest uh, day in February in 150 That's years. Amazing. Got up to 82. Just amazing. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh. You're really getting battered I, with all of this. I doubt if you've been that warm down there. We had some cool days, yes, and, and it's been in the 40s at night. But um, it's been in the 80s during the week. Let me see what we had today. Don't go away. Like next Tuesday, they're saying, you know, we're going to have another cool front come through. And they're saying very possible possible that we'll have another round of uh, uh, snow flurries at least. And, of course, we could get, you know, a good one or two inches of snow. Yeah. Wow, it was 80 degrees today. Sounds like fun. 
83 tomorrow. That's what it says. I heard California is getting pretty warm out there. Seems like when the West is warm, we're cool. Well, I still got my sweatshirt on, even though probably was in the 70s today. You know, I'm just... Yeah. I'm the sweatshirt kid. I like... I love wearing a sweatshirt. It's just very comfortable that way. But now... That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So, did you you do anything to celebrate St. Patrick's Day, Dan? I worked. Oh, that's one way. So, did anybody check... celebration. Did anybody check out any green books or anything from you? Uh... No, not really. No, no, they they were just asking questions, and I was just finding the answers. So did you wear green today? I did wear a green sweater. Okay. Good for you. I, I didn't want to get pinched. That's, oh, you know that, right? That's exactly, one of the I didn't want to <laughs> So one of, one of the myths and superstitions is that People have to wear green on St. Patrick's Day because the leprechauns can't see you when you're dressed in green. And when they can see a person, they pinch. So it's right. to, to protect yourself from the leprechauns, you have to wear green. So how tall, how tall can a leprechaun be? I don't know. They're pretty <laughs> tiny. <laughs> I'd say they could be as tall as a pot of gold. Okay. How much? Oh, I have that too. How much is? How much gold do they have in their pot? What is the actual value of the the pot of gold? I don't know, and I couldn't even venture a guess. I don't believe. Where is she? Walden. A pot of gold. Uh huh. Okay, so well, she, I, it would be. I'm going to yeah, say as opposed it, to. Yeah, I'm going to say mm-hmm. it can a pot of gold can carry three pounds. And so, let's see, 16 ounces a pound. Gold is going for $1,700 or so. So, let's see here. So, I think you're putting too much work into this. <laughs> no, he comes out pretty well when he's I would say it, it'd be about seven grand. There, seven grand worth of gold. So, I would say... Uh, seven. So... Uh, 36 ounces, Patricia, of gold. Ah. Well, there are 1,000 gold coins in the leprechaun's pot of gold. And I'm guessing that they may be St. Gardens because they're pretty big. So, <clears throat> excuse me, St. Gardens um, dollars. They're gold dollars. It's 1.4 million for their 1,000 gold coins wow. in their pot of gold. A lot of dollars. I have a lot of numbers oh. too. I'll go through them when we're finished talking with Dan. Okay, so what? What? Why? Why do we associate the uh, rainbow with a pot of gold? Isn't there something over the rainbow? It's or? magical. It's, yeah, it's it's part of the. You have to get to the end of the rainbow and find the pot of gold, but the leprechauns know how to get there. So how many colors? Never find the end of the rainbow. So how many colors can a rainbow have? I don't know. That's a good question. It runs uh, in a prism, and each little bump in the prism is a pixel sort of thing. I don't know. It runs many, many colors. Dan, how many gold? Many how many colors. colors in a rainbow? 
<laughs> Is there anybody out there? I, I wonder if we lost Dan. I heard his phone. I think we lost oh, no, I, I hear it coming back. I'm right here. Yeah, we hear you, Dan, keep, sort of. Keep walking around. <laughs> okay. Dan, we're, we're coming down close to the end of our conversation. We've only got about a half an hour left on the show, and we need to take some calls, too. So, there we um, go. Oh, boy. Are you there? I'm right here. Okay. Yeah. All right, Dan. Just about. Yeah. Five. Yeah. Five. Okay. Five. Yeah. That sound right? Sure. Sounds good to me. Okay. Okay, sounds good. You know, that you can have a reverse rainbow, too. I've seen those, um, you know, underneath, like, the other rainbow. Oh, the and the colors are, yeah. are reversed. Isn't that very rare? Isn't that also called a double rainbow, where you have mm-hmm. two of them inside of one? Yes. Mm-hmm, yes. But, and but for years. A, the, the second one is a mirror image of the first. Oh. I didn't know that. I didn't know that the colors were like they were in a mm-hmm. mirror. But for for years, meteorologists insisted that it was impossible to have a double rainbow until people started circulating pictures that they had taken. And they had to sort of say, mm, maybe we were wrong. <laughs> so I'm really impressed. I'm really impressed that you saw one because apparently they're very rare. Yeah, uh, I've, they've shown footage here. Uh, w- there was one that came through here all three, four years ago uh, with a uh-huh. storm, and, uh, and a lot of people got, uh, you know, camera footage of it. Uh-huh. So, wow. there's something to That's see. Really so, yeah. Well, I'm glad everyone's doing well. Uh, Barbara, good job on the poem. Yep, I agree. Yeah. All right, Dan, I'm glad, let, I'm glad you're safe. Go. Terrific. Y'all take care. You too, Dan. Thank you, Dan. Take care. Take care. Mm -hmm. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. St. Patrick's Day. Bye-bye. You too. Bye-bye. 714-545-2071. You did it. I know. I had to slow down. You (laughs) did it. Oh, you're so good. 714-545-2071. One. Well, I have some St. Patrick's Day information here. By golly, in between calls, I'm going to let you know that more than 200,000 people marched down Fifth Avenue today. And, of course, that's in New York City. Mm -hmm. And there were 3 million spectators. Woo-hoo. Wow. That's a lot of bodies. That is. 3 million. That's 50% of the population of New York City. <laughs> I mean, obviously, people came into the city sure, to do that. Sure. But the, the temperature was in the 40s. Uh-huh. For, for New York, I guess that was fairly reasonable. I was only at a parade, a St. Patrick's Day parade, one time in my life. I thought I would die. It was so cold and windy. <laughs> so, but something everybody has to do once in a lifetime. Who's on the phone? Hello there. You're on Patricia. Yeah, this is this is John. John. Hello, John. Happy thank. Happy, I keep saying this. Happy St. Patrick's Day. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to say Happy Thanksgiving to everybody. I, I noticed that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm catching myself at least. 
So you reminded me. You reminded me when I was back in the hospital, and uh, I wanted to escape from that place. <laughs> well, I remember you told us the story when you kicked the Barney Stone. Yes, I did. I, I, oh. I. You, you might as well explain to us. I had no idea how you do, how how it's done. You want to explain how how in the world did you catch the Barney Stone? Okay. When we got to Castle Barney, there was a real long line, and I paid my admission, and I waited in line until I got to the top. Then you had to walk around the perimeter, and then a, a, a man comes up. And there's person, of course, there's a person that's heading you that they're holding down by their ankles. And and this, there was a girl in front of me, and of course she had slacks, and they held her down, and she came up smiling. So they put me down in there, held me by the ankles, and uh, my wife and, and our friends said they saw me. They were looking for me, and they saw me going uh, the Barney Stone. <laughs> but it, it was an experience. I didn't think I'd ever do anything like that in my whole life. But I, Probably not. John, how deep was the crevice between where well, people were standing and the other side? It wasn't, it wasn't far. No, it wasn't too far. You could break your head if you fell on it. <laughs> But when, when I got done, I got in another line, and they said they will send me a certificate that I kissed the Barney Stone on this day. It was only a couple. Oh. So I got it. And uh, it's just something that I didn't think I would ever do in my whole life. <laughs> oh, gosh. So what, I, what kind of, what kind of, brave. what kind of with the Barney Stone? Was it green? No, it was like a, it was like a piece of granite. Okay. And uh, he held you down, and like I say, and, but there was awful lot of people waiting in line. Wow. Did you learn anything about the history of the Blarney Stone? No, I didn't, but I learned things while I was over there. That uh, the, uh, the symbol of Ireland is not the shamrock, it's the harp. Huh. Ah, interesting, yeah. And the natural color over there is blue. That's it's, the official kind. started out the official color of blue. You're right. So, uh, I, I just learned that today. I never knew that. You know, I harp, didn't either. Not the shamrock, the harp. <laughs> and uh, they don't have corned corn beef and cabbage. St. Patrick's Day, like we do. Okay. Mm. I, think, I think we ran into uh, uh, Madison Avenue. <laughs> I think they create all the high. That's but, true. So when you were in Ireland, what was the best food? Were, were there a were, were there a certain meal that was very good in Ireland that you liked, or uh... like the shepherd's pie? Okay. Shepherd pie was good. It was it was like our meat pot pie, but the whole cup top of it covered with mashed potatoes. And I had a, a nice uh, bowl of uh, soup, bean soup, bean soup. It was good. But all 
and all, their their um, selection of uh, foods in a restaurant is is uh, not very not very big. <laughs> so, did you find any shamrocks on the island? No, I really didn't look for any shamrocks. I didn't think about it, but uh, we did get on one of the on the hop on hop. Okay, you mean the bus thing? I didn't get that, John. Would you say that again? Bus. The bus. He got on the hop oh, on. Bus. Yeah. The, the hop on, hop off bus. Uh huh. The uh, cable car is so it doesn't stop. It gets slow and you jump. Oh. Oh, so it's always moving. Yeah. And we got. Oh. Uh, um. I'm afraid I wouldn't do it. How many people break their legs doing that? I could never do it now. I'm still struggling to walk two, three feet. <laughs> yeah. But I'm going to... Wow. I didn't realize that they had trolleys there. But these were buses. They were buses that always moved. I thought it was like the, the cable car in the San Francisco. They don't stop. Okay. Yeah. Are you going to leave on Saint? On we're missing. Yeah, your cell phone just a little bro broken up, John. So are you going to leave on Easter or just before Easter? Uh, we've we've lost you, John, on your cell phone. I'm sorry. It must have it must have discharged completely now. We'll just wait ten seconds and see yeah. if John comes back. If not, John, you can always call back. Maybe we're better. Cell phone connection, or the guy has to plug it in. Oh well. All right, John, if you can, just give us a call back. I don't know what's happened to the cell phone. So, yeah. call us back. It sounded like it was dying yeah. because it was breaking up a little bit yeah. first. So. Well, John, thank you for calling in, and I hope you have a wonderful night and happy St. Patrick's Day. 714. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Go ahead. You you do it, and let me see if you can do it again. 714-545-2071. You did the whole thing. I'm proud of you. I'm practice made I perfect. I am proud yeah. of you. Yeah. Okay, well, I've got I've got other St. Patrick's stuff. Can I give you some St. Patrick's Day stuff? Please do. Please do. St. Patrick's Day in Ireland is a religious holiday, which I did not know. And it falls in the middle of Lent. We're in Lent now. Uh -huh. All of the drinking was canceled. No, they passed a law requiring pubs to close on March 17th because it was a religious holiday. They finally rescinded it or repealed it in 1961, but it was years that nobody could go to a pub and have a glass of green beer. How about that? Amazing. Hello there. You're always Patricia. 
This is John calling back. There you go. Oh, sounds okay, better, John. There you are. And I wanted to tell you something else about Ireland, but trying to get back on the phone, I forgot where it was. <laughs> oh, gee. <laughs> oh, gee. Oh. I can't remember well. what it was. Well, we were talking about transportation, and we were talking about food, and you talked about the Barney Stone. Yeah. And and you didn't find any any uh, cam rocks. No. Uh-uh. Did he see any leprechauns? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if I was right. You had to wear green, or the leprechauns would pinch you. But there was a. Okay. There was a, an incident in, in the hotel where I stayed, uh-huh. and I was walking out. I don't know if I was going to get a, a bucket of ice or something. I don't remember what it was. But there was a man in the hallway that said, he asked me if I was a yank. <laughs> and I, I told him, yeah, I'm a yank. Uh-huh. And uh, he said, well, come in the room with me and drink. Uh-huh. I didn't do it. <laughs> I went in. Yeah. And this bottle of scotch out, and he pours me a drink, and I'm, I'm not a drinker. Uh-huh. So I fungled around with it a little bit, and a little bit. He's now, isn't that smooth? And he says, I got this at the supermarket. He said, if you're a tourist, don't go to the liquor stores about it. Just go to the supermarket and get their regular scotch whiskey. Wow. I thanked him, and, and then he says, here, take the rest of the bottle. <laughs> Oh, gee. I walked back in the room, my wife. I said, guess what? I got a bottle of scotch. <laughs> but that was so dumb, you know. So, anyway. What a story. That's just another of my travel stories. I got a lot of them, too. But... Perfect. Well, I know, Patricia and I, hope, Patricia and I hope you have a safe trip here in a couple of weeks. And let us know how it all turns out when you get home. Well, I'll try to call you when I'm down there. Perfect. That would oh, be great, John. I'll be down there a couple of weeks, and I'll try to get through to you. Okay, that would be great. You can be our, our roving Texas reporter. Okay. <laughs> All right, John. Bye. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I didn't do it. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to see if Patricia knows the number. What's the number, Patricia? Seven one four five four five two zero seven one. She knows my number better than I do. She's had my number mm. for a long time. No, I say the whole thing. You know it, but I say it. <laughs> <laughs> There's a difference. Anyway, There's a difference. Well, anyway, Patricia I, had I my have, my mm-hmm. Patricia have had my number for many many years, so she knows what she's talking about. Yeah, boy, I have your number. Yeah. All right. In traditional Irish folk tales, there are no female leprechauns. There are only little boy leprechauns. Oh. I knew that, but it's interesting. Okay, so wrote it out. So I think you should write a story about a female leprechaun. <laughs> I should. Sure. How, but that there are none. How do you know? Well, because it says so here on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the best I can do. It sounds right. I've never seen a little girl leprechaun dressed up in a dress or anything. 
always been the <clears throat> the little boy leprechauns with the big buckles and yeah, but, stuff like that. But she, but if you write a, a leprechaun story, you could be mm-hmm. the trendsetter. You could start a whole new thing for female leprechauns. You could be the right. voice. You could be the voice of the female leprechaunist. <laughs> Uh, oh, a voice in the wilderness. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I can do that. Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to. But get, think, of the, think, <laughs> think, think of the notoriety. Think of all the national talk shows you'll be on. You'll be the female leprechaun historian of, of, of Ireland. Mighty short book. Mighty short book. <laughs> I have something to write. It would be nice to, to yeah, to make us a, a kid's story about no lady leprechauns. I have to figure out why. She, I don't have lady leprechauns. Yeah, a lady. It, boy leprechauns. It, well, I see the lady leprechaun c- could be riding around the town on a kitty cat. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. I think we just better put this one on the shelf for a while, okay? <laughs> okay, I'm just trying to be creative, trying to help you, to help you in your creative endeavors. All right, somebody hung up. Okay. That's okay. There's a little blurb here from 1999 to 2007. The Irish village of Dripsy proudly touted that it hosted the shortest St. Patrick's Day parade in the world. The whole route ran for 26 yards between two pubs. Wow. I know, that's cute. They went from one pub to the next. 26 yards. 26 yards. My, my brother, <laughs> my family wanted to go to have uh, Irish breakfast this morning at an Irish pub. But my, uh-huh. brother had, my brother had to work overtime, so he was late. So the time when they got to the pub, it was all full. So they couldn't have the corned beef and eggs this oh, morning. Uh, uh, Hello there. Who's yeah, there? Yeah, I'm a Patricia. Am I really on? You are. Hello uh, there. Ren, hello. How are you? Oh, boy, have we missed you. Well, I... I got a wizard to you. Happy St. Patrick's. Oh, uh, you too, Ron. Happy St. Patrick's Day to you, too. Well, yeah. Did you have any? Did you have any green beer? <laughs> no. <laughs> how about gre- no. How about how about green eggs and ham? Uh, maybe. Maybe, yeah. Well, you and I would know know if we're eating great green eggs. I know, but you know, what can I say? Well, anyway, have me in You too, on. How's the water in Hawaii? How's the water in in Hawaii? Is it nice? Green. Green, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everything is green today. I guess it's okay. Oh. Well, anyway, I'll be, I'll be listening. All right, Ron. And I got a, I got a Ray Bream interview coming up with Steve Allen next. So, oh, that's Yeah, so, so I know you'll enjoy that. Yeah. All right, Ron. Stay warm. Hi. I'm so happy to hear from you, Ron. Aloha. Aloha. Oh, well, I, I always look forward to hearing your lovely voice. And yeah, she is our uh, Irish laddie. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm your Irish lassie for today. Thank you. That was a very nice thing to say. Goodbye. Bye-bye, Ron. Goodbye. Aloha, Ron. Oh, that nice. our friend Ron in Hawaii. We haven't heard from him for so long. I'm so pleased he called in. Thank yeah. you, Ron. I yeah. know you're listening out there. The phone rings on Saturday night. You know, it has to be because Patricia. She's the magnet for phone calls, you know. <laughs> you are. I'm the magnet. You yeah. are. Yeah. You are. You want to hear some dollar information? Please do. $5.9 billion spending for St. Patrick's Day this year. So, no. so how, has, much, how, much did they, to, how much did you spend? <laughs> Goodness gracious. Heavens to Betsy. No, I did not. I did not spend. But we did have a St. Patrick's Day sort of get-together mm-hmm. on the patio yesterday. Ah. And in the strangest combination, they had pizza and cupcakes. <laughs> I had a cupcake. Not a pizza. Not, what, you know, you're right. I did. After a while, I said, yeah, I'll have a piece of pizza. Why not? I already killed my blood sugar with the <laughs> cupcake. So, yeah, I did. I had a piece of pizza. It was very good. So how was that pineapple pizza? It wasn't a pineapple pizza. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> I was really surprised. Do you remember the night we did the popularity of different kinds of pizzas and pineapple pizza was right on top? Nope. I don't, I, I've, it's been a long time. Let's get the list out again. I'll have to get my list out, yeah. Yeah. And pepperoni pizza, pepperoni was, and sausage, they were quite far behind pineapple, which truly surprised me. So, I thought pepperoni pizza was the universal so, top one. So where were the anchovies? Oh, it was down like number 10 out of 10. <laughs> <laughs> It was actually, I don't think it was all that low. I can't recall what was on the bottom of the list. It must have been anchovies. It's very difficult to find someone who likes anchovies. Patricia is the anchovy kid. If you haven't figured that out, everybody. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. I'm going to have to remember to pick some up at Walmart next time we go. We need you. I don't eat them on anything. I just eat them. Yeah, so we need to get an update on the refrigerator once before you go. So we need to find out. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That's right. We have not finished with the refrigerator. No. And I left my list downstairs. That's okay. That's okay. But it's still. I know it's from the heart. I think. Are, are there still some items in the refrigerator, or we have to worry about Walmart? Oh, good. oh goodness, yes. Okay. Go ahead. Is the refrigerator being put to good use? Oh, Mamma Mia, is it ever? Okay. I've got cheese and. And stuff in there. You Perfect. already guessed cheese. cheese. <laughs> I don't have any lettuce, but that was that was in there. Um, the the first week that we tried this, uh, Paul I think got lettuce yeah. on the second or third Saturday. And the third thing that has been taken is your soda pop. You put a couple what? of your soda pops in there. I did put some soda in there, right? Mm-hmm. So, what else is in there? That's all. I think that's all we've been able to figure out so far. Everything else been a mystery. Like? Everything else oh. been a mystery. Well, we know you like. O- I have had. We know you love your. Mm-hmm. Ver- we know you love your version o- olive oil. 
Yeah, but I wouldn't keep olive oil in the refrigerator. You and wouldn't? I have no place to, nothing to put it on. No, no, never keep, um, never keep it in the refrigerator. Well, we found out that you are the big controversy of the peanut debate. You're one of those strange people who decide the peanut butter jar belongs outside of the refrigerator. But <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> I just, I cannot believe you don't need a knife to. And a hammer to, to get your peanut butter out of a jar from the refrigerator. It's it's good. You probably have very heavy duty flatware. Yeah. If you had a plastic spoon, I don't think you'd no, be able that to wouldn't get help. It you might be able to scrape it. But good grief, good. I I just never heard of that before. And then who who was the second one? Who called in and said, "Mine's in the refrigerator too." There's several, I think. I, I, what's the, what's the, no, what's the it was only one. <laughs> <laughs> it was only one. Of course, you know, away from Chicago, that's where you keep the Cracker Jack is in the refrigerator. I don't think he does. <laughs> I think it was just something off the top of his head. Ray, where are you? He was on his way to Arizona this week. Ah. Uh, in Arizona. Okay. With some family down there. Yeah. So... By the, by the way, if you like to you. if you like to be in touch with Patricia, the other six days and hours, she's very available. She has email at floridawriter at hotmail dot com. She's there. She's very sociable on her email account at florida uh-huh. hot at florida writer. That's F L O R I D A W R I T E R at hotmail dot com. Alden is careful to spell out writer because someone one night when I gave out my email thought I had said rider mm-hmm. like a, a bike rider. Yeah. Motorcycle. No. I am not a rider. I am a writer. So that's my email. And I have some really sad news for the Savannah girls. And they've already found it out. There will be 200 soldiers, or there were 200 soldiers, in the St. Patrick's Day Parade through historic downtown Savannah. And it was the first year in 40 years that the girls were told they could not run up and kiss the soldiers. Oh. That's what they were doing. Apparently, it started getting a little bit out of hand. <laughs> so they, they prohibited this year, but for 40 years... Girls were running up and smooching the soldiers who were in the parades. I thought that was kind of a cute custom. I can, I don't, I don't know if I would like it, but you know, if I were on the receiving end, you know, just to have people come up and slather kisses on me, I don't think so. Well, <laughs> but you know, that maybe that was a good recruiting tool for them to get soldiers to march in a parade. I hadn't thought about it that way. <laughs> That's interesting. Okay. All right. Uh, 800 calories. Walden, you ate the 800 calories thingy. Woohoo! Well, it was, w- it was well worth it. It was well worth it. And I, we had soda bread. Oh, yeah. And we had soda bread this morning. That's Irish for sure. Yeah. Yeah. How many people do you think in the United States, and this was as of 2016, I don't think they have any more current numbers mm-hmm. than that, 
how many people in the United States claim Irish ancestry? 98.9%. You're too funny. No, 32.3 million people claim Irish ancestry. That's 10% of the U.S. population or so. Mm-hmm. Yep. Surely is. I thought it was larger than that. I would, too. Yeah. You and I are. In terms of. You and I are Irish, so, you know, at least we make up 10%. We, we can claim. Yeah. Sure. We can claim Irish ancestry. Mm-hmm. For sure. And I want you to tell me what chance, one in what number, of finding a four-leaf clover. And they do exist. One out of four. One chance out of four? Uh-huh. This is a four-leaf clover. This is really a precious doohickey here. One out of a thousand. One out of 10,000 chances. Wow. I don't know how they figure out chances. Um, if you just blindly pick a piece of clover mm-hmm. out of a meadow. I don't know. One in 1,000. One in 10,000 chances. I don't know how they measure that. Are you going to sing the song? What song? I'm looking over a four-leaf clover. A four-leaf clover. Um, I forget. That's all I know. That's okay. You, I'm you looking can, over a four-leaf clover. You can sing that. Yeah, you can sing that part. I don't think so. I don't think so. All right. How many types of marshmallows? This one really breaks me up. Lucky Charms cereal is mm-hmm. loaded with marshmallows. I love it. Yep. I didn't know that. Do you really? I do, do like this cereal. Yep. I, not very often, but when we do, I'm happy when we do have it. Okay. Well, for old time's sake, there are how many types of marshmallows? How many shapes are there? I would say three. How about eight? Wow. Can you imagine they've got hearts? If they have all of this in there, you must be eat, eating marshmallows with a little bit of cereal for flavor. <laughs> hearts. We've got hearts, stars, horseshoes, clover, blue moons, rainbows, and magical unicorns. That's why they're magically delicious. That's, oh, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Oh, dear. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Huh. Oh, let me see. Oh, how many? Let me see. I don't know who that is. We have a lot of prominent people who graduated from West Point. And I don't know 50% of the names here. Mm-hmm. Can I read them to you? Please do. Okay. Dwight D. Eisenhower. I've heard of him. Robert E. Yeah. And Ulysses F. Grant. I knew that. I heard it William Tecumseh. I don't know that name. T-E-C-U-M-S-E-H. Sherman. Oh, William Sherman. Uh, I don't know who okay. William, Sherman. William Sherman, yeah. Mm-hmm. Who is he? He was the one that marched through Atlanta. You know, the Sherman. Oh, that Sherman. Yes. Oh, boy. I'm. Yeah, oh, my goodness. Okay. Um, Stonewall Jackson. Okay. George B. McClellan. Okay. Georgie Pickett. I don't know Pickett. Yeah, the Pickett, uh, another Civil War general. I, I knew it was Civil War. Yeah. 
but I don't really know anything about him. James E.B. Stewart. James Stewart. Okay, don't know. Do you know anything about him? Nope, I do not. Mm. And George Custer. Yeah. Custer's Last Stand. John Pershing. Yeah. Douglas MacArthur. Yeah. George S. Patton, Jr. Yeah. The father, George S. Patton, did not, but Jr. did. Mm -hmm. Omar Bradley. Yeah. Mark Clark. I do not know Mark Clark. Mark Clark was Clark. one of the five star generals of World War II. Of the Navy. Ah. Uh, yeah, okay. Oh, no, of, oh, of Italy. Navy. Of okay. a, no. of Italy. He was the one that conquered Italy um, in World War Two. And he was a five-star general? Yeah. Boy, huh. Uh -huh. I never had him on my list. I thought we only had five ever. I ever, think we ever. do. Chief, my uncle only made four. What do you think, you know? Yeah. Oh, gee. You know, <laughs> missed it. Um, Max... Maxwell Taylor. I do not know that name. Mm. Apparently a prominent person, either in government or the military. Would, of course it would be the military, <laughs> silly me. But we might have known him in public uh -huh. office, like we, like people were introduced to Dwight D. Eisenhower. Sure. And then we have Creighton W. Abrams, Jr. Don't know that person. Mm-hmm. And Barry McCaffrey. I don't know that person. I think either. that's a fairly current general. Within the last 20 years okay. or so. Hmm. Well, there you have it. And I don't know most of these people. So, you know how many rooms does the White House have? 32? 132. <laughs> well, close. Only a hundred off. Yes, you were. You had, you had two out of three. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go through the rest of the White House next week. We are up to midnight. Are are you? I'm ready. in the towel. No, I got I got radio. I got Ray Bream stuff to play. So that's what I'm gonna do. While uh -huh. while you get ready to do your thing. And so just okay. remind everybody that Patricia. We'll be here next week at our normal show, and in two weeks, mm -hmm. her special live guest is going to be Million Ross. And that is so neat. I'm so glad you were able to get her to be with us. And it was so Thank you for doing that. And it was so funny that you and I talked about her before the book opportunity ever popped up, so it all worked out. Uh-huh. Yes. You know what surprised me, and it's not something that I'm comfortable asking her, Ron Howard, who, gosh, one of the world-famous directors now, and was Richie Cunningham on Happy Days. Um, he was mentioned, and he, I'm sorry, he did the introduction, he did the forward on it, and it was quite detailed and did such a nice complimentary job. I mean, it wasn't gushing. He used examples of why she was so special on the set and what she did for everyone else on the set, and he mentioned the boys and, and uh, yeah, but he never mentioned Fonzie with um, Henry Winkler. And I'm kind of surprised with that, but there were so many stars or, or so many people on the show that he did not mention, like yeah. Tony, Aaron Moran. Um, so maybe that was it. They were the ancillary actors. But um, it's going to be a nice book. She did a really nice job writing it, and, of course, with the introduction with Ron Howard, it was priceless. He really did a wonderful job. So and I'm, I'm eager to read, finish reading the book and uh, coming up 
with some good questions and to Patr- ask her. Patricia got a, a, a sneak copy because the book's not quite out yet. So it'll be about mm-hmm. another week or so before the book is out for the general public. But because Patricia had contacts in higher places, she got she got the gout. <laughs> I had you, yes. <laughs> you are my contact in higher places. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, everybody, I am saying happy St. Patrick's Day and good night to all of you. Thank you for being with us. You're always so good being out there listening to us. Good night, Walden. Good night, Patricia. All right, there's go the adorable one, and let's say our prayer. Dear Lord, thank you for the opportunities we have. Bless the listening audience. Bless Patricia. Bless the people who support the station. Help the needy, the poor, and the hungry. We ask this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. All right, Ray Bream time. Stand by. KABC Los Angeles, Talk Radio 790, the voice of Southern California. Hello, Americans. I'm Paul Harvey. You know what the news is. In a minute, you're going to hear the rest of the story. Hello, this is E.G. Marshall. When people of goodwill work together, a wonderful thing happens. With the help of Goodwill Industries, men and women with disabilities, people who once might have been thought to be unemployable, instead can train to do a job skillfully, to work dependably, to earn their own way. That's good for them, for their employers, and for our society. So be of goodwill. Support your nearest Goodwill Industries Center. Goodwill works so people can. When you want your battery-operated radio, or indeed your battery-operated anything, to work, you want it to work. You want to rely on long-lasting, true-value alkaline cells from true-value hardware stores. And my goodness, for emergency equipment, flashlights, smoke alarms, there you want to be sure to trust the dependable power of true-value alkaline batteries. Available in all popular sizes, these are true value. Now, the rest of the story. His name was William Jackson Smart. Bill Smart. He was born June 5, 1842. His only eventful years were those during which he fought in the Civil War. Even then, his accomplishments were not exactly extraordinary. Bill Smart was what you'd call an average fellow. He left us no philosophy, he left us no invention to be inherited by future generations. He established no business which blossomed into a giant corporation or into a household word. He never instituted a social reform. He never ran for political office. He never wrote a single word worth engraving in stone. Bill Smart was an average fellow. So unremarkable, in fact, that what you're about to hear is all we know about him. And yet every year we honor his memory. Every year we honor his memory. Each year you unwittingly pay homage to Bill Smart. The Civil War was over and with it passed a bleak era in our nation's history. The soldiers returned home to rebuild. Bill Smart returned home to a farm in Jenny Lind, Arkansas. 
Bill's property in Jenny Lind included a small coal mine. He and his neighbors worked the mine to their mutual benefit. Within a few years, Bill and his wife were the parents of four children. And then in 1887, a calamity for the Smart family. The crops failed. Facing the threat of destitution, Bill sold his property and his coal mine for $5,000. That same year, he and his wife and children boarded a train for what Bill believed was the new land of opportunity, the Pacific Northwest, Washington State. Shortly after their arrival, Bill purchased a farm in Creston, nestled in the rolling Big Bend Hills. The next 11 years brought two more children and much happiness, but the greatest challenge of Bill's life lay ahead. On a cold March night in 1898, Mrs. Smart passed away. Bill would have to rear their six children alone. With Creston tainted by a sad memory, Bill and his young family packed up and moved to Spokane. In a little house just west of the city, six youngsters grew into fine young men and women because of the man who took it upon himself to be both father and mother. In 1910, one of those children, Sonora, was a young woman of 28. And June 5 was to be her dad's 68th birthday. And Sonora remembered his self-sacrifice after the death of her mother. And this birthday, Sonora wanted him to know that she remembered. And so she appealed to the Spokane Ministerial Association. She sought help in organizing a citywide celebration. And on Sunday, June 5, all of the churches of Spokane and their congregations said happy birthday to Bill Smart by honoring fathers everywhere. And the idea spread from there. Bill Smart was an average fellow. He left no words, no deeds by which we remember him, and yet because he gave himself so selflessly to his children, each June, you remember your father. This Sunday, I hope you will remember Bill Smart and his daughter's gift on the occasion of his 68th birthday, for that was the first ever and the beginning of Father's Day. And now you know the rest of the story. Hello, I'm Ken Minyard. And I'm Bob Arthur. Did you know that L.A. County Sheriff's Department developed a program to teach children the hazards of drugs and help them cope with peer pressure to use drugs? It's Sane Substance Abuse Narcotics Education. Call 213-974-4216. Did you know that Out of Africa is an exhibition telling the story of the early black West African civilizations at the California Afro-American Museum from now to August 23rd? Call 213-744-7432. Did you know that there is a great need that Hispanic, black, and Native American children be placed in family environments? To become an adoptive or foster parent, call Plaza Family Support Center, 213-268-3219. Did you know that the KABC Talk Radio Ombudsman Service helps resolve such problems as automobile, mail order, government, or just getting a response when all else fails? Ombudsman, the consumer voice of Southern California, 213-557-7246. KABC thought you ought to know. KABC Talk Radio 790, the voice of Southern California. Southern California, see it once, you're here to stay. Living life in every way with KABC Talk Radio 79. Southern California, living where the living's fun in the Southern California sun. Dream. Hi, everyone. 
He started the uh, late-night talk format, both in radio and on television. He's written 28 books now. He's honored in the 1984 edition of the Guinness Book of World Records as the most prolific composer of modern times. And he's a very funny guy. Stick around. Our guest, Steve Allen. Steve and Edie and your song, Steve. And you discovered Steve and Edie. I discovered them in the backseat of a car, as I once said many years ago. Yeah, they uh, they are great today. They were great from the very first. I think they were born great. They never seemed to have to learn anything. But you, you were a matchmaker. You put these two birds together, didn't you? Yes, by accident, in that I hired uh, Stevie when we were first starting what later became called The Tonight Show. It was first just called The Steve Allen Show. And several months later, we were looking for a, a great girl singer. That's what they used to call them in those days, girl singers. And uh, Edie was uh, hired for that job, so they began to hang around together and led to a long and happy relationship. As, as you look at uh, the success of Johnny Carson, uh, do you, and before that Jack Parr, do you mm -hmm. look at uh, yourself and say, well, uh, I, uh, I paved the way, I taught him how. <laughs> I honestly never think of myself in those sort of third-person terms, so to speak. Uh, I guess that is, you know, what happened. But uh, it would be interesting. I, I think, well, obviously Jack and Johnny were already in show business, so they weren't working in grocery stores when I was doing The Tonight Show. I don't think it is all that difficult to host a show of that kind. Of course, uh, as regards to the first one, it had to be created in addition to hosted, and that, that was a little more work. But even that sort of fell off the tree. I didn't sit down and devise The Tonight Show uh, over a weekend the way you might create a game show or a new approach to a news documentary or something of that sort. It was all a matter of gradual evolution. The Steve Allen Show on Sunday night, you were neck and neck in the ratings with Ed Sullivan. I was always back and forth. I remember those days so mm -hmm. well, so do you. Uh, and you had this... This cast of loony characters, <laughs> yeah. Tom Post and Louie Nye and... Gabe Dell, Don yeah, Knotts, oh, Bill Don Damon, Knotts. Pat Are you nervous? No. Uh, <laughs> where did you pick up the, this, this loony set? Well, one at a time. <laughs> we uh, had, uh, as I said, been doing The Tonight Show for almost four years. And because that worked well, NBC asked me to do a primetime comedy show. And uh, they thought, and I thought in my ignorance, that I could do justice to both. But I quickly realized that I'd been mistaken in that. Uh, the Tonight Show I could have done in my sleep because, as I was saying, it's not that tough to host a talk show of that kind. But uh, the, uh, the Sunday night comedy show was like putting on a Broadway musical comedy in one week's time. And the, and the real Broadway ones take 12 months' time, you know. So we were doing it in one fifty-second of the time and for very little money. Uh, so I, I couldn't uh, continue with the Tonight Show, and that's why I had to walk away from it eventually. But uh, I brought in some people I'd used earlier on the Tonight Show, and that was, first of all, Louis Nye. Where did you find him? I had seen Louis on a local show in New York. The show was terrible, and he was the only funny thing on it. It's easy to look good when you're in a smash. You know, there are even people in the history of Hollywood who have won Academy Awards, never really were very talented, but had the great good fortune to land a good part in a good movie, and people thought they were good. 
but in the case of Louis, when you're looking good in a rotten movie, that's much more impressive, you know? And he was always funny every night. So uh, when I got the assignment to do that late night show, I just had seen him in a, in a, uh, an office building one day. And I said, oh, hi. I'm, you know, I introduced myself. I said, I'm about to start a new late night show. And if you're not busy, I'd like to, you know, have you jump in and do some of the shows. So finally, when we got to the Sunday Night Project, we brought uh, Louie and then, as I say, Don Knotts, who had done a couple of funny monologues. And the other fellas came in one at a time over the next three or four years. Is there uh, room in today's television arena for a variety funny show like you used to have? I think there is, and I miss it. I miss it terribly. Well, I think there is room for comedy variety. I don't honestly think that a straight variety show would work now. Um, the, the definitive variety show, the straight one, was, of course, the Ed Sullivan show. It was just pure vaudeville. He would hire seven or eight or ten acts and uh, just put on one after the other. It didn't matter if they produced that show backwards. It still would have been a good show because the acts were all good. So that could be done, but I don't think people would watch it now. As a matter of fact, Nick Vanoff, a producer, a friend of mine, uh, tried it uh, just a few years ago for NBC with something called The Big Show, which I believe was the best variety show of all time. But when there are two other major networks and 47 other channels now, people have that clicking equipment. All you have to do is put on something they don't like, and for 30 seconds, that, that, that's all they'll watch. So if it's opera and they don't dig opera, boom, half your audience is gone. You know. What do you say in your new book, How to Be Funny? I say that anybody can be funnier. I don't propose to turn all the readers into uh, Eddie Murphy or Donald Duck. But uh, I've never met a totally humorless person. There are people who aren't too darn funny. And there are other people who just, you know, you laugh when they walk in the room. They have a gift. But I think everybody has some little gift for that. And it's even evolutionarily evident. We all have those facial muscles that uh, do the thing called smiling and laughing. We have respiratory equipment with which we laugh. That proves that we can perceive the funniness in the usually tragic circumstances that we experience or witness. So starting from that modest uh, physical and uh, psychological basis, I reveal tricks of the trade, and I think anybody can indeed learn those tricks and become funnier. My guest, the one and only Steve Allen. You're walking along the street, or you're at a party, or else you're alone, and then you suddenly dig. You're looking in someone's eyes, you suddenly realize that this could be the start of something big. I'm Ray Brain. This is KBC Talk Radio, the voice of Southern California. Drugs and alcohol hurt. Drug addiction does hurt in many ways. When you're coming down, you have withdrawal systems, and it hurts because you want more. And then if you're trying to have a relationship going with someone and they don't do drugs, and you do, and you're trying to hide it from them, it hurts them if they find out. It hurts you when you want to be go straight and you can't. It also hurts in ways with your family because you're always arguing and fighting. And then when you find out that when you're off them that everything goes right, you know. Get the pain out of your life. Call the Narconon program now. It's drug-free and pressure-free. We care more and cost less. And best of all, it works. Call 213-733-2200 now. There's no obligation. Only help. 213-733-2200. The Narconon Program. Make your life painless. The three most popular mattress companies in America are joining forces for four days at the largest mattress showroom in Southern California. Sit and sleep. 
Over 50,000 square feet of showroom devoted to the lowest prices on mattresses anywhere. National brand names such as Simmons Beauty Rest Classic, the Sealy Posturepedic, or the Spring Airback Supporter. Queen sets on sale now for just $387 each. You save $600 off department store prices. And that's just three examples. Hundreds of brand name mattresses, sofa beds, day beds, and futons are in stock. That means you can buy it today and sleep on it tonight. Twin sets are $99, full sets $119. A queen is only $159, and a king is yours for just $199. Four days only, this Friday through Monday only, at Sit and Sleep's twin locations in the Culver Center, facing Overland between Venice and Washington. Don't miss it. Sit and Sleep. Drugs. It starts with a young. I started using when I was 13. I, I basically used everything. She was 13. Her parents' reaction? They themselves used, so they, they, didn't, they didn't want to be hypocrites. Like parent, like child. This week, every day and night, you'll hear special people and programs. Learn how to say no to drugs. Listen to KABC Talk Radio 790, the voice of Southern California. Talk Radio 79 numbers and in the word talk, T-A-L-K. South Bay Area, dial 679. Glendale and Pasadena, 244-990 for the San Fernando Valley. And in Orange County, the 714 area, 750. The 213 area of Orange County, 448. Los Angeles, it's 520 and then talk. That's Les Brown playing Steve Allen's Playing the Field. Great number. Oh, thank you very much, Ray. That's from the same musical score uh, called The Bachelor, from which came This Could Be the Start of Something and a ballad called Impossible. I love Impossible. We have it. I dubbed it off with Matt Cole, of course. Ah, thank you. Uh, it's out of his Very Thought of You album. Uh, how, how do you uh, create songs? Uh, I understand you don't read music. That's true. I'm a musical illiterate. I, uh, I wish I were <laughs> And you not. have over 4,000 songs. <laughs> <laughs> well, the gift for composition is just that. It's a gift. It, it can be learned, although then it isn't a gift. The, but the great composers, and I'm, God knows, not talking about myself. I mean, the Kearns and the Berlins and the Harry Warrens, as somebody mentioned a while ago, they had what I call the gift of melody. Uh, many Too of bad we don't have it today. I was just going to make that point. Many of today's composers do not have it. Now, you can. You could write a book called How to Write a Song, and various people have. There are, as every musician knows, uh, laws of the musical world. There are laws about harmonics and notation and so forth. And if you're an arranger and a well-schooled musician, you can, you can compose. You, you can't compose as well as Cole Porter, but you can compose. But... Uh, in the case of some uh, who are lucky, and, and I'm in the lucky category at least, the melodies just occur constantly. Uh, I understand this could be the start of something big came out of a dream. Yes, right? precisely. I may be more talented asleep than awake. <laughs> uh, another song, I was writing a score about a year ago for Irwin Allen's production for CBS uh, television of Alice in Wonderland, which we did this musical, and the strongest melody in that score came out of a dream. Uh, I dream more melodies than those two, but those are the only two I've ever been able to remember. Just Steve, not... does your mind ever stop, really? I mean, you carry a tape recorder around with you constantly. <laughs> yes. It, no, it doesn't, but then I don't think anyone's ever does. 
But I guess most of us are thinking things like, where are my car keys? And, oh, she's very pretty, and I must get back to Cleveland by Tuesday, and thoughts like that. Whereas my brain, uh, I also think, where are my car keys? And she's very pretty, and all that normal stuff. <clears throat> but about every eighth thought of mine is an idea for a joke, or a poem, or a song lyric, or a song title, or a movie, or something creative. I, I didn't ever decide to do that. I never went to a creativity class. It's all pretty much an automatic pilot. How about meeting of the minds? How how did that begin? What's the genesis of that? When I was about 10 years old, I, like all 10-year-old kids in this country, I read the funny papers. And I was interested not only in the funny ones, but the adventure ones, the action comics, as they were later called. And one day it occurred to me that Tarzan never lost a fight, Popeye never lost a fight, Joe Palooka never lost a fight. Wouldn't it be interesting, therefore, if we got the three of them together in one comic strip and who would win, you know, <laughs> who would beat the other two up or whatever. So uh, I had a scrapbook, and I cut out little figures of Popeye and Tarzan and Joe Palooka and pasted them in little rectangles I drew and made up some dumb dialogue for them. <clears throat> well, <clears throat> pardon me, that was the, the physical formula for meeting of minds, taking characters who could not have met in reality, or in fact did not, and nevertheless bringing them together. In the late 1950s, it occurred to me that television was... While on the one hand it had the potential for being the greatest educational medium ever, it was in fact weakening the intelligence of the American people for reasons we don't have to get into now. And I thought that was terrible. I still do. Everybody does, I guess, if they think of it. So I thought there should be some kind of a dramatic form in which ideas would be a, the primary uh, emphasis, uh, but it would have to be exciting and so forth. So I was doing the, the comedy variety show uh, Sunday nights at that time. And I decided to take about 19 minutes on a given Sunday coming up and do Meeting of Minds. So we brought together, I think, Freud and Clarence Darrow and, and Hegel and, uh, <laughs> I, I don't know, Dostoevsky, whoever the heck it was. And a fellow named Nat Hentoff, a jazz critic, and I put a script together. I realized I couldn't have a discussion Sunday night at, nine, at 8 o'clock about faith or religion or something, uh, uh, constitutional democracy. Those are great, important subjects, but people would turn away from them. So I thought, what is important and yet commercial? And I immediately answered my own question, crime and punishment. Happens all the major philosophers have been concerned with crime and punishment, and so has everyone on earth. So uh, that was the uh, the basis of the script, and I returned to the old Popeye, Tarzan, Palooka formula, brought together people who never, you know, could have met and constructed a conversation accurately representing the, the true ideas of those people when they were alive and thinking and writing. So that's how it started. Oddly enough, at that time, it was censored off the air. We never got it on the air that night, but uh, years later, I did it in... in uh, one-hour form, and then we created uh, 24 one-hour shows for the PBS network. That's Many where I saw it. And absolutely marvelous. Are, are they ever going to repeat those? Well, as you know, uh, all PBS shows are repeated rather more than, than commercial network shows mm -hmm. are, rather like cable. So they have been repeated uh, a few times. But uh, they can be repeated at any time anybody wants to, as far as I'm concerned. The Disney organization distributes six of them in video cassette form. Mm -hmm. Not very effectively, may I say, <laughs> but they are uh, at least on the market. And uh, a lot of people, uh, to my great pleasure, videotape them when they were on. And, and I've heard, gotten some lovely letters from families that now have intelligent children because the kids c see these cassettes that, you know, daddy or mommy play for them. You were literally born in a suitcase, weren't you? Pretty close to it, yeah. My mother and father were a vaudeville comedy team. 
Milton Berle was once kind enough to refer to my mother as the funniest woman in vaudeville, and I believe she was, so far as wit is concerned. There may have been others who had got bigger laughs in their act. But uh, as funny as she was on stage, and she had a great act, she was even funnier off. She had a sarcastic Irish wit, and whatever was the subject of the moment, she had something funny to say about it. In fact, all the members of her family were funny. We only had one square aunt, and, and uh, the others all had that sort of low-key, side-of-the-mouth wit. What does it take to be funny? Now, I, I know Milton Berle and others have said uh, there's a difference between a comic and a comedian. Mm -hmm. Well, that's a kind of a semantic point, and, and it might not even apply to all comics and all comedians. But uh, what Milton's uh, distinction means is that um, a comedian just is funny, whereas a comic may say funny things and even sometimes do funny things. It's not a scientific statement, but an interest, interesting way of looking at the phenomenon. Uh, comedy could never bore me just as something to, to uh, study, much less perform, if there are just, let's say, a ad lib number of thousand comedians on earth right now. Isn't it interesting that no two of them are alike? The reasons we laughed at Groucho have nothing whatever with the re to do with the reasons we laugh at Garrison Keillor or, or Eddie Murphy or whoever one laughs at. Each man and woman in the field does it his or her own way. There, there are areas of common ground. There are certain kinds of jokes that Henny uh, Youngman might do that a Dick Cabot would never do and so forth. But uh, you will never reach the bottom of that particular philosophical barrel. There's always something new to say about comedy. New comedians. Do you see any on the horizon you like? Oh, yeah. I like them. Of course, I'm uh, not the best person in the world, perhaps, to evaluate that because I'm a pushover. I think this whole universe <laughs> is ridiculous, and I, I laugh sometimes more than I should. So I laugh at about 90% of the uh, professionally funny people, old and young. The real mystery to me, Ray, is why I don't laugh at that other 10%. Because in, now, if they were the 10 lousiest percent, you'd think, well, great. Who should laugh at them? Nobody. But in that 10% are some of the major comedians of the century, and for whatever mysterious reason, they've just never struck me funny. You know, uh, One doesn't like to speak critically of the living, but uh, you can about the dead, because they, they don't give a damn anymore. But uh, when I was a kid, uh, Eddie Cantor was one of the major comedians of uh, you know that day. And uh, I, even at 10 years old, I never laughed at him, and I haven't in the meantime, you know. Whether those things mean I have better judgment about comedy than other folks, or I just had a blind spot to his gifts, I don't know. I always thought he was a marvelous song and dance man, and he was cute, and he had energy and vitality, and I would have cast him in some Broadway musicals myself, but I didn't laugh at him. That's a separate point. My guest, Steve Allen, his new book, How to Be Funny. I'm Ray Bream, the voice of Southern California KBC Talk Radio. There is a crisis facing America's aging veterans, and something needs to be done about it today, because many of them may not be here tomorrow. This year, more than a quarter million veterans will be turned away from VA hospitals, not because there aren't enough beds available or enough space. The VA simply doesn't have enough money for the medical staff and equipment needed to treat those disabled veterans who should occupy those beds. As more veterans reach the age of retirement, more and more need VA medical care, but are being denied it. For some, it may already be too late. We've made a promise to our veterans, and now we're turning the lights out on that promise. The disabled American veterans want you to know that we can't turn our backs on our disabled veterans. They need help now, because tomorrow may be too late.
If you want to help, contact the Disabled American Veterans, Box 23283, Washington, D.C., 20026. Ah, there's that beautiful music. Last time we talked, I told you about La Casa del Zorro, San Diego's own desert resort hotel in Borrego Springs, remember? Yards from your doors, the desert floor. Reach out and touch the stars. Well, La Casa del Zorro has just exceeded itself. Added some more glorious Spanish-style suites and rooms, two additional swimming pools, and a host of other lush features that you just have to see to experience. There's that wonderful restaurant, too, and the perfect new conference suite. I tell you, you've got to get out to La Casa del Zorro. The unbelievable peace and tranquility, the desert vistas, the isolated luxury of a 20th century oasis. And if you've never seen a desert sunset, well, come on out. Get to know La Casa del Zorro. Great things are planned for summer. La Casa del Zorro, Borrego Springs. For reservations, call 1-800-824-1884. That's 1-800-824-1884. Your old Oriental rug may be worth a lot of money. If you're thinking about selling or replacing your Oriental rugs, don't do anything until you've called Abraham Oriental Rugs Incorporated. Abraham Oriental Rugs would like to buy your Oriental or Persian rug at top market value and pay you immediate cash. You can sell your old rugs for top dollar even if your rug is a little worn or needs repair. They're now expanding their business and are now purchasing American Indian rugs for top dollar. And if you mention yours truly, Ray Brain, their representative will come to your home with no obligation. Just call 1-800-222-RUGS, 24 hours a day. Remember, your Oriental or Persian rugs are worth a lot more than you think. If you're considering selling your rug, call Abraham Oriental Rugs for a free consultation on their value. Toll free, 1-800-222-RUGS, 1-800-222-RUGS. KABC Talk Radio 790, the voice of Southern California. If you're calling from Los Angeles, dial 520, followed by the word TALK. T-A-L-K follows all of our numbers. For the San Fernando Valley, dial 990. For San Gabriel Valley, 448. In Burbank, 244. And in Compton, dial 639. And then TALK. Steve Arino is with us. Hi-ho, Steve. <laughs> that was Louie and I's line. Yeah. Perhaps I should just finish that little point. Yeah, we were talking about uh, I got the, the, the idea of, of uh, the, the question and the, the, the answer, answer reversed. In yeah, other words, right. you would, you'd start with the answer first. Yeah, we called it the question. man. Anyway, this fellow wrote to us, I, I hope I can think of his name before we go off the air, and he said, I love your show. I watch you every Sunday night, and it's a favorite here at our house. But I, he said, I, I don't want to cause any trouble, but he said, I, I have done that routine myself here in L.A. So I immediately wrote to him and said, thank you so much for telling me that. I said, I, I never heard of that, but thank you. I said, and I went to our writers. I said, you guys really make this up, or did somebody tell you? And they, they swore. They really dreamed it up. So I wrote back to him, and I said, my writers apparently did think of it independently. But if you did it first, you win that debate. I said, therefore, what do you want to do? I said, well, I will stop doing it now, because you would have first claim. I said, or, if you like, I can go on doing it and send you a check Every time I do it, and every time people ask me, I'll mention your name. What a great job I'm doing now with his name. <laughs> and he voted for Plan B because it put money in his pocket. And then when the book of the uh, those jokes was finally collected, I gave him full credit in the front of it. But um, 
Anyway, that's how that came about, and then uh, apparently years later, uh, Johnny decided to try it, and uh, I don't think he sends the fellow a check. <laughs> <laughs> but very funny routine. It is a good idea for yeah. jokes, yeah. Uh, you pioneered a lot of other ideas. The uh, little squeak box, uh, where, where you uh, mouth the, the sound of the... What do you call that? Well, on the old Tonight Show, somebody had sent me a toy, the name of which was the Goo Goo Doll. It had but a little... Listen. Uh, yeah. Uh, on your old uh, Columbia Square show in Los Angeles, you did it. Yeah, I've always had noisemakers. I don't know yeah. why. <clears throat> Some, I, sometimes, uh, you know, I do intelligent comedy, but I've also, also done silly and nonsense things. Yeah. Noises uh, amuse me. Everything amuses me. <laughs> <laughs> so we did have little noisemakers, but the Goo Goo Doll was a good one. And in recent years, I've just used the little rubber horns that you take from kids' bicycles. You don't have to take them from a kid's bicycle. But you mouth it. So it's uh, beautiful. It's yes, like it's yeah, right, right out of your mouth. Yeah, what I do is I, I hold the horn yeah. out of camera range yeah, and then yeah. uh, synchronize yeah. my... Yeah. Lip sync. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, it knocks me out every time you do it. <laughs> but yeah. uh, unusual. Now, where did that come from? I, that was probably just some childish thing that I, I used to do when I was a kid. Um... I don't really know where everything I, I, I do in the way of making people laugh came from, but some of it definitely did come from childhood. One of my school chums back in the school days in Chicago was Richard Kiley, the now very successful film and television actor. And Dick and I were the neighborhood nuts. We did a lot of silly stuff together. Certain kinds of wordplay, certain ways I, I still joke. We, I was doing it, you know, the age of 12 and 13 and 14 with Dick. After you came out of the service, uh, you went into radio. Mm -hmm. Started as a staff announcer at KOY in Phoenix, Arizona. Right. Those were great days. I think my days in local radio were, in a certain sense, even more fun than the later network activity. There's a looseness to radio compared to television, period, and then specifically local radio. It gives you a freedom. The whole world is not watching. Sometimes you don't even know if there are 19 people listening. You know, Gary Hart would do very well on radio. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you mean. But we used to do wild stunts at that station. Uh, one year when I was there, it was the time for the Democratic National Convention in Chicago to be aired, and it was before TV. And it was really boring on radio. At least with TV, they could keep taking close-ups of babies asleep in the fourth row or something visually to keep you interested. Or Walter Cronkite can tell us what it means that just happened. But on radio, it was very, very dull. There was many hours of just crowd noise and dull announcements saying, Maryland concurs, or whatever. <laughs> so uh, I would, uh, one day it occurred to me to liven things up. I said to the engineer, open the mic in Studio B, and I'm going to stand about 12 feet from it and yell stuff so people will think it's coming from <laughs> Chicago, you know? So there was a fellow named Ray, oh, I'll call him Smith. It wasn't his name. He was a local paint dealer, and I think he, for 20 minutes he was the mayor once, and a local politician, and he was a delegate to the convention. So I would uh, go in the booth, uh, and they'd open the mic, and the Chicago part was still on the air, but yeah. nobody was making yeah. a speech at that moment. So I would say... Attention, Delegate Ray Smith from Phoenix. Please report to the parking lot. Your car has been covered with whipped cream. <laughs> you know, things like that. And the weird part was, we never heard anything about it. Nobody ever called up and said, what was that last announcement? Or did you hear what they said in Chicago? Weird. But it was fun. My guest, Steve Allen, his book, How to Be Funny, Discovering the Comic in You. You're looking inside. This could be the start of something big. I'm Ray Brain. This is KBC 790, the voice of Southern California. Do you love to travel?
Well, if you're a mature traveler over the age of 50, you're going to want to listen to what I have to say. Magic Holiday Travel Club, now in its fifth year of business, offers a year-round program of motor coach tours to some of the most magnificent places in North America. For instance, on June 28th, the Magic Holiday Travel Club will take off for a 14-day adventure through the Canadian Rockies. This great tour includes stays in Victoria, Lake Louise, and Banff. The Magic Holiday Travel Club is designed to cater to every whim of the mature traveler. Their buses are luxury motor coaches and deluxe seats, stereo and restroom on board. If you've always dreamed of getting away but didn't think you could afford it, now's the time to act. Call Magic Holiday Travel Club tomorrow morning, area code 714-625-3938, and find out just how inexpensive the Canadian Rockies tour coming up on June 28th can be. That's area code 714-625-3938. Every 25 minutes, someone in Los Angeles dies of cancer. That's 57 people a day, many of whom may not have realized they even had cancer and who didn't know that early detection could have saved their lives. Hello, I'm Steve Allen, and thanks to early detection, I beat cancer last year. And for me, it was the start of something big, a cancer-free life. That's the reason you should call the nonprofit Cancer Detection Center and arrange for your low-cost cancer examination. At the clinic, caring medical professionals using state-of-the-art cancer detection equipment will give you the most complete examination available. They're at 3rd and Loma, 303 South Loma Drive, with plenty of free parking, and the bus stops right at their door. Fighting cancer means taking action now, even when you're in good health. Call the Cancer Detection Center at 483-3411 and arrange for an examination now. Stay comfortable and confident all day long with Depend Incontinent Undergarments. Sale priced in Thrifty's coupon book for just $13.99. A $6 savings on regular 36s or extra absorbent 30s. Also, there's a $2 mail-in rebate. Final cost after rebate, just $11.99. Thrifty's Coupon Book offers welcome savings on products designed with a woman's special needs in mind, like Gynecourt Feminine Hydrocortisone for fast, temporary relief of itching and skin irritations. Get the half-ounce size at Thrifty or Thrifty Junior for just $1.99 with Thrifty Coupon. It's the hottest show of the summer. It's Thrifty's World of Style and Beauty. July 11th and 12th at the Santa Monica Civic. Gifts, demos, samples, celebrities, and more. Free tickets at Thrifty's Cosmetic Counter. And Thrifty's coupon book is available in the mail or at your nearby Thrifty or Thrifty Junior. Young people from all walks of life have volunteered to take part in a frightening experiment. They are allowing their brains to be altered. Altered to induce paranoia, heart malfunction, memory loss, even early senility. Unfortunately, this is not an experiment. It's what slowly happens to you when you keep smoking pot. No one has to alter your brain. You've already volunteered to do it to yourself. Brought to you by the Partnership for a Drug-Free America. All right. <laughs> My guest is Steve Allen. His book is How to Be Funny. This is Talk Radio. KABC Talk Radio 790, the voice of Southern California. If you're calling from Los Angeles, dial 520, followed by the word talk. T-A-L-K follows all of our numbers. For the San Fernando Valley, dial 990. The San Gabriel Valley, 448. In Burbank, 244. And in Compton, dial 639. And then talk. 
You love to uh, parody newsmen and announcers as such. And this uh, must stem from your days when you were a staff announcer. You were telling us about uh, uh, what Forge, happened. Forging, forging commercials. commercials. Yes. Tell us about Where it. the first uh, four or five lines of a commercial I had written would be perfectly sensible. Mm -hmm. And, in fact, the guys had been reading it in that right way for a few weeks or months. And then I would, as I started to say, take a... Uh, copy of the stationery, type the commercial again, and gradually go into total nonsense and meaninglessness. Not jokes, which they would have detected, but, but Twilight Zone meaninglessness. And then I would rub the paper on the floor to make it look as if it had been, you know, coffee stained and everything for weeks, and put it in its proper place, schedule it for 6.02 in the morning, and set my alarm for 6.01, and lie in bed and listen to my fellow announcers make idiots of themselves. <laughs> they, sometimes they would get well into the nonsense before they realized what they were saying. And boy, it was funny when they began to slow down. We used to have an announcer that uh, read everything that was on a piece of paper, yeah. <laughs> including that in the parentheses, uh, announcer, read slowly and deliberately. <laughs> yeah. Well, those were great days, but uh, nothing could compare with a show that you, Wendell Noble, mm -hmm. and June Foray put together. Uh, mainly sustaining on the mutual broadcasting system back in 46 and 47. Right, two wild years. Called Smile Time. It was a 15-minute early morning show. Mm -hmm. And it went something like this. Do we have Smile Time opening? Let's oh, do it. Oh, wow. Do we, we don't have the Smile Time opening. We, we do have Smile Time. Uh, yeah, it's the tape. It's uh, on the tape, uh, the very first cut. Oh, Here we right. go. Let's try it. Can't think of what... No, Would that's not it. That's not it. That's that's a different one. Right. We have smile time somewhere. <laughs> you got In lost. the meantime, we'll keep yes. smiling. Yes, yes. Uh, how did smile time come about? In a nice way. Uh, I'll tell you what I mean by that. We've all had the feeling of sitting home and watching a, a TV show or listening to a radio show or seeing a show anywhere and saying... You know, I'm not terribly good, but by God, I'm better than that. You know? So uh, Wendell and I, Wendell, my, my former buddy from Phoenix, he was, we were announcers at KOI. We would hang out socially, and, and we would. he was a good singer, and I played piano, and we horsed around a little bit. We had a comedy act which used to play Phoenix nightclub. And we would say that. We're better than some people I hear in the air. And he was at the time working as a staff announcer for the mutual station here, KHJ. So I said, tell your boss, a guy named Tony Lafrano. So he went in. And he said, Tony, Steve Allen, my partner and I, blah, 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 we could do better shows than some you have on, and now comes the nice moment. Instead of saying, get out of here, you know, if I need you, I'll call you. Tony said, if that is true, then you should be on the air, and I should get rid of some of those other shows. He said, but you've got to prove it to me. I wish the world had more answers like that, you know? So, he was a uh, great guy. Tony yeah, yeah, he was a nice man and sensible. Anyway, we put together two shows, one called Wendell and Steve, which consisted mostly of singing and piano playing and very light banter, and the other called Smile Time, which was also singing and piano playing, but lots of jokes and sketches. And he bought Plan B and uh, put it on the air, and it was on the Mutual Network for two years. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll play a bit of a 19, early 1947 show and a very rare copy uh, of a show called Smile Time. I didn't even know those things were still around. We'll be right back with Steve Allen. I'm Ray Brain. This is KBC 790, the voice of Southern California. The three most popular mattress companies in America are joining forces for four days at the largest mattress showroom in Southern California. Sit and sleep. Over 50,000 square feet of showroom devoted to the lowest prices on mattresses anywhere. National brand names such as Simmons Beauty Rest Classic, the Sealy Posturepedic, or the Spring Air Back Supporter. 
queen sets on sale now for just $387 each. You save $600 off department store prices. And that's just three examples. Hundreds of brand name mattresses, sofa beds, day beds, and futons are in stock. That means you can buy it today and sleep on it tonight. Twin sets are $99, full sets $119. A queen is only $159, and a king is yours for just $199. Four days only, this Friday through Monday only, at Sit and Sleep's twin locations in the Culver Center, facing Overland between Venice and Washington. Don't miss it, Sit and Sleep. If you thought Hawaii was already paradise, Hilton has news for you. The entirely new Hilton Hawaiian Village, updated, refreshed, and magnificent. 22 acres of exotic adventure right on the best beach in Waikiki. With more Hawaii per acre than any other resort in the islands. Indeed, Hilton has redefined paradise forever. The new Hilton Hawaiian Village is a totally complete experience. Paradise within a paradise. With ocean view restaurants, terrific lounges, fabulous rainbow bazaar, even its own catamaran. And outside is Waikiki, where the beach is just the beginning. The entirely new Hilton Hawaiian Village. It's paradise. Soon your friends will be talking about it. You get there first. Call your travel agent or 1-800-HILTONS. You know, there are some pretty boring Sunday brunches in Southern California, I have to admit it, but there are some that are different and unusual. Hi, Omer Dill's here. This Sunday, we'll focus on Sunday brunches that are really special. Brunches with dancing, brunches with Thai entertainment, brunches with food flown in from Louisiana, why we even have a Chinese champagne brunch. Plus, we're going to take a look at Catalina, their new restaurants, some new bed and breakfast over there, new things to do and see. Join me Sunday right after the Dodgers, 4 to 7, here on KBC Radio, the voice of Southern California. Los Angeles, the number is 520, followed by Talk, T-A-L-K. All Talk Radio 79 numbers are followed by the word Talk. Orange County, 714 area, dial 750. And the 213 area, dial 448. The South Bay area, 679. And the San Fernando Valley, dial 990. And then Talk. Steve, I kid you not, that's one of my all-time favorite songs. I love that oh, song. Oh, my goodness. Thank Out you, Ray. Matt Cole's album, The Very Thought of You. It's a lovely recording. And I've never heard a bad recording of that song. The High Lows have done it, and Singers Unlimited, and... Uh, a number of women have sung it over the years, but Nat's record has a very sweet quality to it. It really does, with Gordy Jenkins. Yeah. All right, let's go back, uh, flip on uh, the Nitwit Network, <laughs> and to uh, April of 1947, and this is the way it began. Say, Wendell. Yes, Steve. Was that some panhandler you were talking to outside the studios a little while ago? Well, no, but I, I did feel awfully sorry for the fellow, though. He, he was evidently suffering from one of those morning after the night before headaches. Uh oh. Know? Came up to me and said, Say, buddy, is this, can you show me the way to Alcoholics Anonymous? Well, yes. Why? Do you want to join? Heck no. I want to resign. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, lady. If it doesn't make sense, it's the smile time, sir. <laughs> yes, folks, from our mutual studios in Hollywood, reminding you. Smile time now. 
Yes, sir, gang, here we go again with another 50-minute package of fun and frolic all wrapped up and addressed to you. And this is Wendell Noble. And Steve Allen. And Jenny, the girlfriend. Inviting you to pull up a chair and join the old jokes at home. <laughs> Say, Noble, why the long face today? I still dropped it, didn't I? Why the long face like yours? I mean, a face like yours should be as short as possible, you know? <laughs> oh, I don't know, Steve. I, I feel sort of run down lately. Maybe I need a spring tonic. Uh, what do you do? do you, what do you take when you're run down? Hmm? Well, the license number if I'm still conscious. Steve, <laughs> <laughs> what makes you so effervescent today? Well, I'll tell you, Junie. <laughs> I'll get up. You know, early this morning, a friend of mine with a private plane flew me in from San Fernando Valley, and all the way in, we zoomed right over Route 99. You mean Route 66. So we were flying upside down. <laughs> But now it's mail answering time again. Time to clear up a few little odds and ends. I have a letter here, first of all, from a lady in Des Moines, Iowa. She says, Dear Mr. Allen, heard you discussing foreign foods last week, and I, I wonder if you could tell me how to make beef a la stroganoff. Uh, yes, dear madam. Take two pounds of chopped beef, one large bottle of strogan. Pour all the strogan on the beef, let it simmer, then pour all the strogan off. <laughs> Those were pretty crummy jokes, Those but they were worse. <laughs> well, I was a kid. Give me a break. It, it's funny, I had not settled into what became my proper and more sensible style. Uh, all comedians in that day talk fast and, Hiya, folks, nice yeah. to see you. It's wonderful to be back in America. <laughs> I just got in time. Boy, are my arms tired. So I thought I should talk like that, too. I was wrong. I later learned how to speak more like a human being. But, but the, the comedy came out, and uh, the sketches that you did, uh, some of them were priceless. Yeah, some of the material was, was cute, but... Uh, One of them, out of that same show, was the sketch you did on... Uh, Little uh, Cinderella, that wrecked, that 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 filthy wretch of a, a girl, <laughs> and uh, her glad rags, as you call them. Ah, ah. So let's take a listen. Don't remember this at all. I see our old storyteller friend Uncle Walter out in the lobby. Just oh, you certainly did, June. We're, we're due for another visit from our bleary-eyed old friend any minute now. <laughs> yep. By golly, here he comes now. Well, I like your new voice, Walt, but what's your story for us today, Jack? The story of Cinderella, my boy. Well, swell. I'll just slip this towel around your neck so you can pull your script into focus and you go right ahead. Okay. Well, kiddies, once upon a time in a little village that's easy on the butter, <laughs> there lived a poor little beat-up kid named Cinderella. In school, Cinderella was both of the girls with the chin most likely to recede. <laughs> and she used to wear her hair up swept, too. In fact, she used to sweep it up every morning. <laughs> yes, poor Cinderella suffered from gaposis, gingivitis, and halitosis. <laughs> and although it was rumored around the town that she was really a general's daughter, she looked more like the officer's men. <laughs> and so as to have something to write on her social security card, Cindy had to take a position as kitchen maid for her evil stepmother and her three nasty stepsisters. But poor Cinderella went through all the early years of her life just itching and twitching to stop her pitching and stitching in the kitchen. <laughs> and then, one day, as Cindy was climbing down inside a coffee pot to take a little walk around the grounds, a little light suddenly shone through the window. And who do you suppose it was? Her agent? It, no, a little fairy. Well, sir, Cindy gazed in amazement at the little form. Who are you? I'm a fairy. But I didn't know there were any real fairies. Oh, sure. Now take me. <laughs> I'm a Staten Island fairy. <laughs> Please, madam, I've come to grant you one wish. Well, let's see. Oh, I know. Some of the local cats are holding a big blowout tonight in town. Boy, I'd sure like to go. But I don't have any glad rags. Well, Cindy, with one move of my magic wand, I can get you all the fine clothes you need. Except nylons, of course. <laughs> I see that pumpkin over there? With one touch of my wand, I'll turn it into a fine carriage. Watch! 
wouldn't allow me on this crate. <laughs> and now, Cindy, I'll wave my wand again at those mice over in the corner and transform them into six big horses. <laughs> Mr. Fairy, is all this stuff mine? That's right, honey, but only till midnight. That's the curfew. The what? Curfew, curfew. Gesundheit. <laughs> you must be back home before the clock strikes 12, because then your horses, carriage, and fine clothes will be gone with the wind. And now I too must go. Goodbye, Cinderella. Don't take any wooden with you. Well, Kitty, Cindy ran to the mirror and could hardly believe her eyes. On her dainty feet, to her amazement, she saw a pair of glass slippers. Beautiful glass slippers. Well, Cindy's first thought when she looked down at the glass slippers was... Gosh, everybody will be able to see my corn. <laughs> <laughs> but by manicuring her toes clear up to the second knuckle, she overcame this difficulty, left a note for her sisters, put some arsenic in their stew, and left for the ball. Just imagine her jogging along the road to town with her six white horses. Once, though, tragedy almost struck. One horse, forgetting he wasn't a mouse anymore, saw a cat by the side of the road and broke the speed limit for school zone. But at last, Cinderella's carriage pulled up to the ball. From inside came the stately rhythms of the music of the period. Once inside, Cindy was approached by the most eligible bachelor in town, the Prince of Piper Schultz. Hello. Would you care to dance? Oh, yeah. But first, let's have some refreshment, shall we? Perhaps some tea and a cookie or something? Not a cookie. A crumpet. Crumpet. Oh, my mouth's big enough to eat it without crumping it. You know something? Hmm? You're quite lovely. Would you consider leaving the party with me? Yes, but before we leave the party, I want it understood that I don't smoke, don't drink, don't hold hands, don't talk, or even stay out late. You're mistaken. You mean I do those things? Oh, you're mistaken if you think we're leaving the party. Uh -oh. <laughs> just then, the clock in the hall began striking twelve. Well, like a flash, Cindy was off, through the hall, into her carriage, and down the road. And just as she pulled up to her home, her wonderful clothes turned into rags, her horses scampered off into the woodwork, and her carriage turned into a pumpkin. I think the cleaning bill for scraping the pumpkin juice off came to about four dollars. <laughs> but in her haste to duck the joint, Cindy had left behind one of her glass slippers. And who should find it but the handsome prince? Shaking out the old corn plasters, he held a little slipper to his breast and sighed. Ah, oh, what a dainty slipper. I must find the girl to whom it belongs. I've always wanted to meet a girl with only four toes. Well, sir, the next six weeks, the countryside was all agog, whatever that is, over the prince's search for the owner of the glass slipper. From north to south, from east to Bunyan, the search went on. But, of course, the prince never suspected that poor, little, dirty, miserable, broken-down, grimy old filthy Cindy was the owner. <laughs> Suddenly, he got a brilliant idea. Consulting the toe print section of the nail files, the FBI, <laughs> he compared toe prints until the truth was known. And like the wind, he hastened Cindy's side. Flinging wide the door to her hovel, he said, Cinderella, you. Prince, you. Stanford Hugh, 1927. Texas Hugh, 1942. <laughs> ah, but now is not the time to jest, little one. I have searched for you for so long. Since the first moment I saw your supple athletic form gliding over the dance floor. 
From the moment I looked into your slipper, I knew I must come to you on my knees and offer you that which you so richly deserve. Offer you that which I feel you need. And as I look now at your little foot, I tell you to, to say but the word that it is yours, dear lady. It's all right, my prince. What is it? This bottle of Resorbine Junior. It's awfully good for athlete's foot. <laughs> That is classic, Steve. Well, I was learning my trade on the job, actually. Well, Some of the jokes were good. My favorite line yeah. from the sketch was, all agog, whatever that is. <laughs> I must look that up. <laughs> uh, great sketch. Uh, for those who uh, would never suspect, I know, tell us who was at the Council of the Oregon. That was Skitch Henderson. He, uh, earlier, we had a friend of mine named Eddie Truman, who I'd originally known in Des Moines when I went to Drake University there. And then after Eddie left, uh, Skitch had just gotten out of the Air Force, as I recall. Mm -hmm. And uh, he was in uniform for about the first two weeks on the job before he got enough money to buy some civilian clothes. Now, let's get back to the Nash Rambler. When I had June Foray on the show about a year ago, she said, Steve, it was an early morning show, and uh, Steve would wait to the last minute, hop in his car, and half the time that car would break down. Yes, and, and at the time, I think I was then living... I, it could have been when I was living out at uh, Marina del Rey, which now is a very lovely area, but it was the pits in those days. Were <laughs> the swamp. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and um, some days my car wouldn't start because of the fog. There was a slight hill, and my poor wife would be behind me in a chenille robe pushing the car down the street. It was a very classy arrangement we had at the time. One of the great things about uh, the Smile Time show was what happened after the network system cue. Now, let's take a listen. Listen very carefully, and you'll hear When the it. show went off the air, yeah, you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Let's take a listen. Until tomorrow, this is Wendell Noble, Steve Allen, and June Tracy. Keep them smiling outside. This is the Mutual Broadcasting They can do it to Hope and Skelton, but they can't do it to us. Now, a I lot no of states... what that meant. Maybe they'd just been canceled. Yeah, they had. Ah. Yeah. Now, or changed days and things yeah. like that. Uh, there were a lot of stations, and I worked at one of them, mm -hmm. where if they didn't have a commercial after the network queue, the, the network would keep that thing going for 20 seconds before they <laughs> turned it down. And we would just purposely, uh, you know, not put a commercial in there, and listen That's to what went on after that cue. You were living dangerously because oh, yes. to this minute I never knew we were on the air oh, then. I mean, or at least somebody oh, could hear some it. Some of the things that came <laughs> out. Something else. My guest, the one and only Steve Allen. I'm Ray Brain. This is KBC Talk Radio, the voice of Southern California. I think we ought to go to the phones. Let's say hello to Harry. Hello, Harry. You're on with Steve Allen. Hi, Steve. Hi, Harry. Uh, first of all, one of the frustrations of my young life, unfortunately, was that my father preferred uh, Ed Sullivan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when I came to California at 18, I was a bike boy for a messenger service, and mm. I once made a delivery to your office and got to walk within a couple feet of you. Ah. And unless my memory fails me completely, I think I delivered something to your mother at her apartment one time. That could well have been, yes. My mother lived in Hollywood, not terribly far away. Uh, what I mainly wanted to say was what I've always, I have a whole memory bank full of what I call Steve Allenisms. Mm. I've always liked your ability to make something funny out of the most unlikely material. <laughs> a few examples, uh, a fishbowl sitting on your desk and a little goldfish swimming around in it and you're saying that's a minnow. 
Newton minnow. Oh, yes, a minnow named Newton. Well, I hadn't thought of that since uh, at the time. The, a man named Newton Minnow, we should right. explain, was the head of the FCC. Right. Or standing up and, and reading the lyrics of a song called Papa Oo Mau Mau as if it was a serious poem. Yes, you have a good memory. And uh, reading items from uh, little country newspapers such <laughs> as... Uh, Mr. and Mrs. Smith just returned from a visit to their mother-in-law in... Uh, Cedar Rapids, yeah. <laughs> yeah, those were always real items. It was very funny. And uh, talking about the games, I always like the one where you fill in the blanks. You know, what I think it's called Mad Libs. Mad Libs, yes, Roger Price's uh, uh, books. And you had a game involving people's names. And the only thing I can remember is I remember the punchline one of them was something about Anime Wong. Harry, uh, I'm sorry, uh, uh, it's it's all long now. We, we have to we we have to get out of here. But thanks for the call. My guest, Steve Allen, the book "How to Be Funny: Discovering the Comic in You." This is Talk Radio. KABC Talk Radio 790, the voice of Southern California. She's a courageous woman. Oprah Winfrey wasn't afraid to go down to Forsyth County, Georgia, to find out why blacks are not welcome. She felt uncomfortable, but the show went on, and it was an exciting hour of television. But that's the way it's always been with Oprah. People open up to her, like her show on bisexual marriages. My urge for and desires for men mm -hmm. uh, was, was totally opposite and different than my urge and desire for a woman. Sensitive topics require sensitive handling, like the time Oprah interviewed women who had killed. You feel remorseful that you killed him? Shooting your children's father is not a nice thing to do. From the bizarre to the everyday, if it's something you wonder about, chances are Oprah will cover it. That's why the Oprah Winfrey Show is the hottest talk show in the Southland. L.A., you're the best. Thanks for making Oprah number one. There's lots to talk about, so don't miss the Oprah Winfrey Show. Weekdays at 3, only on Channel 7. KABC Los Angeles, Talk Radio 790, the voice of Southern California. ABC News, I'm Marty McNeely. A federal judge has dismissed charges against defense contractor General Dynamics and four top executives, including former NASA administrator James Beggs. They had been accused of overcharging the government more than $3 million in connection with the ill-fated Sergeant York anti-aircraft gun. Retired Rear Admiral Gene LaRock says he's not happy about the decision. I'm very disappointed to find that the government is going to let General Dynamics off the hook. And yet I can understand why a federal judge would be unable to uh, get to the bottom of the machinations which take place in this corporate finance and the ability of these major defense contractors to hide their profits and mix them up with all their other profits for their uh, systems that they're building other than weapons. James Beggs took a temporary leave from NASA almost two years ago to defend himself against the charges. I'll have more after this. Clint Eastwood is a little upset. It seems some misguided people are abusing our public lands. They've been vandalizing our public parks and playgrounds and destroying our wild areas. Real nice guys. Some clowns are even stealing things from historic sites. When I hear about things like this, it really bothers me. I find it unacceptable, and I know you do too. Because public lands are ours, they're yours and mine. Now I know what you're thinking, what can I do about it? Well, you can sit there and do nothing, or you can start by getting some information on how you can stop public land abuse. 
As I see it, the people who are abusing our public lands can either clean up their act or they can get out of town. Bad guys abuse public land. Good guys save it. If you want to help, write Take Pride in America. Post Office Box 1339, Jessup, Maryland, 20794. A public service message from the U.S. Department of the Interior and the Ad Council. More violence in South Korea for the 11th straight day. In Busan, police fought with Buddhist monks, punching and kicking anti-government demonstrators. Opposition leader Kim Jong-sam, responding to requests from the Reagan administration, has tried to arrange a meeting with President Chun Doo-hwan to try and bring an end to the violence. Meanwhile, Reagan administration officials have urged Americans visiting South Korea to exercise caution, particularly in areas where demonstrations are being held. Syria has intensified its efforts to negotiate the release of American journalist Charles Glass, who was kidnapped in Lebanon. A Syrian military source says the Syrians hope Glass and two other men seized Wednesday might be free during the weekend. A Muslim extremist group claims it's executed a Lebanese Jewish hostage in retaliation for recent Israeli raids into southern Lebanon. The extremists sent a letter to a Beirut newspaper, Am Nahar, claiming the Jewish hostage was an Israeli spy. Allegations of corruption have not stopped voters in the Bahamas from backing Prime Minister Lyndon Pindling. Unofficial election results give Pindling's party a clear majority in the Bahamas House of Assembly. Homeless people in the Los Angeles area are voicing objections to a camp city officials have provided for them. This after the city ordered them to get off the streets. ABC's Jane Platt has more on the story. The latest hassle started Tuesday night when homeless organizer Ted Hayes entered the campground. He was searched according to procedures set down by the city. But when Salvation Army personnel asked to search him again, Hayes refused. Hayes and two others were then arrested for trespassing. Now Hayes is filing a claim against the city of L.A., saying it was a case of false arrest. Hayes compares conditions at the camp to a concentration camp, saying it's dirty, inadequate, and degrading. He says it's very important that homeless people be given power and a sense of dignity to help ease them back into mainstream society. Jane Platt, ABC News, Los Angeles. A survey indicates Japanese car makers are still producing the most trouble-free cars. A survey and power report of the 20 most problem-free models for 1987 has nine Japanese cars, eight German and three U.S.-built cars. Two of the U.S. cars are transplant-type models. Officials say fire broke out on a Horizon air flight carrying 37 people shortly after takeoff from the Seattle-Tacoma airport. On a flight to Portland yesterday, nobody was injured. This is ABC News. The Commerce Department says the United States and the Soviet Union have agreed to step up cooperation in studying the ozone layer in the upper atmosphere. Scientists tell us the ozone layer protects the Earth from the sun's ultraviolet radiation, which can cause skin cancer. The U.S. has agreed to provide equipment to monitor upper atmosphere ozone levels from the Soviet Union's Antarctic station. Also, the U.S. will supply the Russians with atmospheric soundings from one of our satellites in orbit over Antarctica. Both nations scheduled to discuss the data next year. For the ABC Information Network, I'm Marty McNeely. A challenging task. Imagine trying to design a government. At the Philadelphia Convention in 1787, James Madison outlined the obstacles. How could the government be powerful enough to work and at the same time be democratically responsive to its citizens? How could power be shared by the central government and the states? How could different interests, like those of the large and small states, both be served? Lastly, how could delegates overcome the natural diversity of human opinions 
on all new and complicated subjects. Because his patience, perseverance, and political brilliance helped meet these challenges, James Madison is remembered as the father of the Constitution. Though we've modified his design over the last two centuries, we have not changed it. Presented by the Los Angeles County Bar Association and the Constitutional Rights Foundation, this is Gregory Peck. KABC Talk Radio 790, the voice of Southern California. This is Talk Radio. I'm Ray Braven. My guest, the one and only Steve Allen, a man certainly known as a comedian, known as a television personality, but uh, his primary gift, as far as I'm concerned, is the gift he has in the composition of music. The Guinness Book of Records in 1984 claimed that uh, he's the most prolific composer of modern times with over 4,000 songs. That's unbelievable. Yeah, well, I am now 65 years old, and I started writing when I was, I don't know, 10 or so, and I write two or three tunes a week. I never have figured it out, but uh, it's more than the world needs, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think we need a lot more. We need the mayor, that's for sure. Well, if there were justice in the music business, of course, or anywhere in human affairs, that would be nice. But uh, these days, the better music you write, the harder it is to get it recorded. That's not a grouse for me. I've been very well treated in the music business, but I've heard a lot of composers say this. And another factor is that in the old days, with rare exceptions, Bing Crosby did not write his own songs. Frank Sinatra did not write and record his own songs. Perry Como, whoever. Whereas now, a good many of the records that the rock groups and even individual singers make, it's material they created. And it is material because it's not songs as we knew them. Exactly. Uh, there are some good writers now. I like uh, Stevie Wonder's thing, some of them, but he's not as good as Duke Ellington was, you know, as a composer. And uh, the, that gift of melody is a thing of the past. There was a true golden age, as you know, of American music. Lasted roughly 30 years, the 20s, 30s, and 40s. And then right at, boom, 1950... The quality of American music went off a very steep cliff. And they, they, they don't write lyrics anymore, either. Well, not in the sense that Johnny Mercer did no. and Ira Gershwin did and Cole Porter Sammy did. Sammy Kahn. Yeah, right. You uh, play a pretty mean piano, and uh, I know that you sit in in jam sessions. Uh, what do you do? Well, Where? I, I play jazz clubs from time to time. Do I've, you? I've done three concerts in the last uh, about three years in Washington, D.C., there's a very good uh, club there, and then there was an, an even better one before that called Charlie's Georgetown. I was there twice. I played uh, the the uh, top jazz club, I can't, can't think of the name of it, in uh, New York City, down in the village with some fine players uh, about a year ago. I do jazz gigs around town, Los Angeles. Village Vanguard? Uh, no. Uh, the old Eddie Conley? The Blue Note. The Blue Note. Yeah, thank you. Mm -hmm. So uh, when, when I do those things, sometimes I'll just go in and be the piano player with somebody else's group. I sometimes play with Terry wow. Gibbs. No billing, no name outside, no money. I just do it for kicks. Who do you identify with uh, as far as piano players? My favorite is uh, Earl Garner. Oh, you just made Martha Glazer very happy. <laughs> <laughs> right. Hi, Martha, if you're out there. Yeah. She listens to a show I do in New York. Whenever I mention or, or play something by Earl, we, we hear, I have a nice letter from Martha. Yeah, I could be very happy if they sentenced me to solitary confinement for the rest of my life, as long as I could make the one request and they granted it. Let me hear Earl Garner morning, noon, and night. Even when I'm asleep, let me hear the man play. You know? Something else. It's like uh, he has a whole band with him. Yeah, he's uh, he was out on his own planet 
uh, many of the other great players, I'm not saying he's any better than an Oscar Peterson or an Art Tatum or Hank Jones or whoever you might mention, but he had his own, he was on his own planet. He was not really influenced by any of them. Mm -hmm. And he, in turn, has not influenced a lot of players. He, many of us who play do an impression of Earl at the piano, just in the sense that an impressionist might do uh, Jimmy Stewart or Jimmy Cagney or something of that sort. We do it in kind of a kidding, affectionate way. But um, he was just a music industry all by himself. He didn't need a rhythm section, didn't need a band. He was a fine composer, too. Yes, indeed. Such as Misty, Dreamy, and a few others. Yes. Uh, you, uh, of course, uh, had as a theme song at Columbia Square uh, a Boyd Rayburn record, the old Boyd Rayburn band. Boy, what called, a memory you have. Called Tonsillectomy. Right, that was Boyd's theme, I think, or else yeah. it was just one of his, just one of his great tracks, things. and yeah. I used it for a theme. Yeah, great. But do you know who used to play, at least I have a couple of sides that he played with Boyd Rayburn, none other than Errol Garner. That is fantastic information. I had never known that, and I'd love to hear some of that stuff if it's available. Yeah, I'll double it out for you. Thank you. All right, let's go to the phones. We have on the line Kent. Good morning, Kent. You're on with Steve Allen. Uh, good morning, Ray, and uh, good morning, Mr. Allen. Hi, Kent. Um, what are you doing up so late? <laughs> I wouldn't miss this for anything. <laughs> Uh, Mr. Allen, uh, I have a question I, that, that I've been wanting to ask uh, uh, for a long time. Mm -hmm. I think you might know the answer about the uh, uh, jazz scene and its future that's uh, developing now. Um, uh, when I first caught your show, I was in, back in 1954. I was in my senior year in high school and just getting together with some friends of mine to play jazz. And uh, we later worked out a combo that went a few a few years while we while I was in college Terrific. playing uh, parties and school dances and things mm -hmm. uh, and we I remember uh, graduation night uh, before we went to the party that night we stopped and watched your your television show for the music and the great humor yeah, thank you uh, today the uh, uh, the jazz one hears on television is in the commercials uh, which doesn't bother me I'm glad to see it somewhere yeah, but there isn't enough of it. You're absolutely right. On the old Tonight Show, I, I would never say I did it, that show better than anybody else, which is different. Other people can decide about good or bad. But jazz music was a very important part of it, and that was not calculated. It simply came from the fact that I love jazz. I love to play it, and I have great respect for all the fine players. So they were all on the show as guests, and they didn't get to play just one tune and then good night. They would come over and sit at the desk or play two and three tunes, and then maybe we'd go out with a ten-minute number, you know, the blues for a finish or something of that sort. Uh, the Tonight Show band has always been a great band. It's great now with Doc, but you hardly ever hear them unless there's a girl singer on and they back her up. You know, they play great if you're in the studio, but it's just leading in and out of the commercials at home. Well, that's true. Uh, uh, and one thing that I'm very concerned about are the uh, young students uh, today. Uh, I know for the last several years, uh, the uh, the schools, high schools and colleges, have developed all across the country uh, jazz programs, mm -hmm. which didn't exist back in my day. I would love to have studied jazz then. It's a wonderful idea because the young people now are so brainwashed with rock music, some of which is good, but most of which is terrible that there's a great danger of losing uh, this part of our cultural heritage. I'm even encountering evidence now that there are young blacks, young black kids, 10, 12, 15, 17, who have never heard of Duke Ellington, never heard of Louis Armstrong, never heard of Charlie Parker. These people are heroes of American music, much less black music, but a, a black person can take special pride in that. So isn't it sad that a black 15-year-old kid growing up in New York, all he knows about is, uh, you know, uh, D.C. run or something. It's, uh, it's that, bad. That, that would be a tragedy if that's all that there was. I think these programs... Uh 
can counter conflict something. I, uh, the kids that I have heard, some of the bands that I have heard, uh, these young students, and a uh, local uh, FM station here uh, had um, uh, an entire show on a, a uh, high school and college jazz band festival at Long Beach State uh, Terrific. Uh, a few months ago. And there were 180 of those bands, and they had they played on that show uh, quite a number of the records that these kids have made, mm -hmm. and they're just terrific. Uh, yeah, the young people do somehow. Certain of them come along and, and get into jazz. That's wonderful. Thank you, Kent. My uh, guest is Steve Allen. His new book, uh, his 28th to be exact, "How to Be Funny: Discovering the Comic You." Your lunch in at 'm Ray Brain, the voice of Southern California KBC Talk Radio. If you need new contact lenses or ever thought of wearing contacts, see Dr. Collins, optometrist in North Hollywood, as he's offering KBC listeners a special package. $89 for Bosch and Loam Soft Spin Daily Wear contact lenses. $89 is an exceptional buy just for the contacts. But Dr. Collins doesn't stop there. You see, he also includes in this an eye exam and a test for cataracts and glaucoma. Training, fitting, deluxe care kit, and follow-up care. All for just $89. Now, you can have your new contacts on your first visit. No waiting weeks to get your lenses. Dr. Collins prides himself on the personal care he gives each and every patient. In business for over 20 years, call Dr. Collins' optometrist first thing in the morning. That's 1-800-634-LENS. 1-800-634-LENS. Once again, that number is 1-800-634-LENS. Ah, uh, there's that beautiful music. Last time we talked, I told you about La Casa del Zorro, San Diego's own desert resort hotel in Borrego Springs, remember? Yards from your doors, the desert floor. Reach out and touch the stars. Well, La Casa del Zorro has just exceeded itself. Added some more glorious Spanish-style suites and rooms, two additional swimming pools, and a host of other lush features that you just have to see to experience. There's that wonderful restaurant, too, and the perfect new conference suite. I tell you, you've got to get out to La Casa del Zorro. The unbelievable peace and tranquility. The desert vistas, the isolated luxury of a 20th century oasis. And if you've never seen a desert sunset, well, come on out. Get to know La Casa del Zorro. Great things are planned for summer. La Casa del Zorro, Borrego Springs. For reservations, call 1-800-824-1884. That's 1-800-824-1884. Hi, this is Jackie Oldham, and our weekly Saturday visit is coming up. After post-game Dodger Talk Saturday until 7 p.m., we'll talk about a subject near and dear to everyone's heart, food. Besides, even if the kitchen isn't your favorite room in the house, some very friendly and wonderful folks meet in mind every week. Eavesdrop, if you like. We always have a good time that Saturday after post-game Dodger Talk with me, Jackie Oldham, here on KABC, the voice of Southern California. T-A-L-K, South Bay Area, dial 679, Glendale and Pasadena, 244-990 for the San Fernando Valley, and in Orange County, the 714 area, 750, the 213 area of Orange County, 448. Los Angeles, it's 520, and then talk.
My guest, Steve Allen, let's go to the phones and say hello to Craig in Phoenix. Hello, Craig. Hi, good morning. Howdy. I'd like to talk to Mr. Steve Allen. Mm-hmm. Hi there. Um, my question is two parts for Mr. Allen. I'd like to know, first of all, has writing for television changed over the years since he was writing? And secondly, how does a young writer get past the uh, barriers that I'm finding now in my career? It depends on what kind of writing you do. What do you write? Jokes or dramas or news? What? Sitcoms. Ah, sitcoms. Well, single out uh, maybe three or four of the shows that you like, that you think you could write for, and then pay careful attention to the closing credits at the end of those shows. Get the name of the producer, the executive producer, the writers, whatever, and just to send them some notes. Tell them that you think you can do that thing that they are doing and ask under what circumstances you might be permitted to submit material. They will send you a legal document that you have to sign, you know. And uh, that's really the best way to do it. Do they really take the time to, to read that kind of stuff? If you write a letter about it first, it's the same tough problem as getting something into a magazine. Uh, if it's just over the transom these days, it doesn't have much of a chance. But if you write first and inquire, you know, about uh, the methods of submission, at least you have a chance. And if you don't do that, then, uh, you know, you'll never know how it's going to work out, because it won't if you don't try it. All right, Craig, good luck. Let's go to Milwaukee, Oregon, and say hello to Elsa. Good morning, Elsa. You're on with Steve Allen. Hey, Steve. Uh, I go back to 18, uh, 19, <laughs> 1949. <laughs> uh, you were down in Los Angeles? Yes. Uh -huh. now, and what station was that? It was KNX, a CBS yeah. station, although we were heard in many parts of the country because of the lateness of the hour. Uh, yeah, right. And we used to listen to you from like 1 to 3 in the morning or something like that. And where were you listening at the time? On in Portland, Oregon. No, it was uh, 11 o'clock. Yeah, if well, you were in Portland, it would be. 12, 11 o'clock. Or whatever. Yeah. yeah, right. And uh, hey, we just loved you. And were you married to your the one, the wife you're married to now? Uh, no, Jane and I were married in, I think, 1952 or three. So yeah, I was not married to her then. That's what I thought. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. And hey, you were just terrific. <laughs> well, thank you. And one of the first talk shows I ever listened to. Uh, and didn't you like the way he played chords on the piano and talked? And when he'd come out of a record, he would be in the same key and uh, match the notes. It would just blend from the end of the record into the piano. Oh, I know. It was just, it was just, uh, you know, one of those things that you never forget. And ever since then, I've just listened to him. And well, you're very sweet. Thank you for your kind thoughts. Well, Thank you very much, also. Uh, what do you call what you do on the piano playing those chords? Doodling? Uh... Noodling, tinkling. <laughs> <laughs> Not on the piano, please. <laughs> uh, let's say hello to Bill. Hello, Bill. Yes, uh, Ray, good evening. Good evening. You're on with Steve Allen. Howdy. Steve, hi. Mm -hmm. You uh, are one of my heroes. Mm, my you, as a matter of fact, uh, caused me to learn how to play the piano. Oh, terrific. And my favorite song of all time was The Gravy Waltz. Ah, well, Ray Brown deserves credit for that wonderful melody. I provided the lyric for that, but you have good taste. Oh, that was wonderful. Um, did I hear you correctly that you don't read music? That's right. I'm ashamed of that. I hope I no don't... children, uh, you know, do the wrong thing about that, but I, I don't. Oh, and I and I can play it. And I every time I, I sit down and play something and somebody will hum something and I'll play.
play it, I'm thinking, by God, Steve Allen can do that. <laughs> yeah, you have that ability then apparently to play by ear. And we were talking earlier about Earl Garner. Earl, too, was a musical illiterate. Great player, great composer, but he could not Isn't read it. that right? Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. And Arctatum, of course, being sightless, could not read. <laughs> Uh, Steve, it, mm -hmm. it is so nice to talk to you, and I've enjoyed you and, and your work for so many years. I'm going to let somebody get else on, on right. line here, but... Uh, well, it's nice to hear from you. Thank oh, you for your okay. good thoughts. And thank you for very much for your inspiration to help me to learn how to play the piano. Ah, keep swinging. All right. All right bye. Later. Bye. You uh, have had a couple of albums, or at least one I know of, uh, called Funny Phone Calls. Yeah, there were... Where did they come from? They came from a specific show I did, Ray, in... Uh, 1962, 63, 64. It was a comedy talk show, or a talk show that concentrated on comedy, very much like what David Letterman does now. And it was all off the cuff, and a lot of ad-libbing, a lot of spontaneity. And one of the things we used to do was go across the street to the Hollywood Ranch Market and look at their bulletin board and just arbitrarily take off one or two of the announcements, then later we'd thumbtack them back up there. Uh, ride wanted two girls leaving for Seattle by the weekend or whatever. And we would just uh, answer the phone numbers and, uh, you know, ad-lib. Speaking of Seattle, we have Tim on the line from Seattle. Good morning, Tim. The one I remember was I see the ad uh, girl wanted to share rent with two nice working girls. Oh, yes, you remember those calls, <laughs> huh? Oh, no, I remember your, the voice imitation you did. Ah, yes. Just, uh, uh, was there just one album of those, or was there... No, there were two albums. One is called Funny Phone Calls, and the other is called More Funny Phone Calls. They were originally brought out uh, in the 60s, but they've, within the, the last year, been reissued by the Polygram uh, Company. I'm going to have to look into that, because I have a much, much used phone call. That's probably one of the funniest records in my collection. I love it, it is really funny. Ordinarily, that would sound conceited, but I'm not just talking about myself. Mel Brooks is on those albums. Jerry Lewis, Louis Nye, Carl Reiner, a lot of funny people. Bill Dana. Very good, Tim. Thanks for the call. My guest, Steve Allen. I'm Ray Brain. This is KBC 790, the voice of Southern California. Do we have a, a funny phone call? Let, let's play a piece of a funny phone call here. All right. All right, let's do it. One of our fellows happened to notice in uh, Daily Variety today an ad, just a little ad down here. I'm not making this up. It says, singing piano player needed for piano bar. <coughs> Experienced valley location. That would be out here in the San Fernando Valley. Called such and such a phone number. And coincidentally, it, the last words are, ask for Steve. I don't know who Steve is or anything about this, but uh, we'll call now. And Louie, would you like to offer your services as a uh, singer and piano player? Whatever. All right, we'll give him a buzz out there and see what happens. Remind me to tell you later, by the way, about... Uh... Public bullpen. What's the name of the place there? Public bullpen. Bookend? That's right. The oh, the restaurant. Oh, the bullpen. Yes, what did you want? Well, I seen your ad here in the paper, and I'm an agent, and I got to find the singer of the piano oh, player. Oh, you want to see Kitty? I want to, he says here, ask for Steve in the ad. Uh, for oh. Well, ask for Steve. Well, he's in the, in the bar. I'll connect you with the bar. All right. Okay. Thank you, ma'am. <laughs> he's in there lying out cold on the floor, I guess. Okay. Good evening, Sit Hello, is this Steve? Yeah. 
I seen your ad in the, uh, in the Daily Variety here. Yeah. And uh, I've got a, a very fine young singer and piano player. I'm an agent. Oh, uh-huh. Charlie Craven's my name. I want to put the boy on. He speaks very good for himself. He's just a young kid. He's 17 years old. Yeah. And uh, I think you like his uh, style. Here he is. Hi, Steve. Yeah, hi. I'm, I'm not 17. I'm 19. And, uh, I'm 19. Yeah. He's always trying to make me younger. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I sing. I play the piano. I play pop. I play cocktail time. I play a little classic if it's pop. You know, if you need that sometimes. Yeah. Or wedding groups or emotional people want certain kind of music and yeah. like that. Yeah. So, uh... Uh, what's, uh, what's, this, uh, what's this recording that's going on? The recording? Yeah, who's recording this? Oh, that's, uh, my agent. We're, we're playing. Who was who that on? And you're recording this playing in the room. We just, no, I hear somebody taping this. We just, no, no, no. Nobody's taping this because... We're just uh, using yeah. our recorder. All right, listen, what's your name? Yeah, Fred Fezzo. What is it? Fezzo. Uh, F-E-Z-Z-O, Fezzo. What's your first name? Fred. Fred. F-R-E-D-D. We'll hold it right there. We'll be right back. This is Talk Radio. I'm Ray Brain. KABC Talk Radio 790, the voice of Southern California. We were talking about a, uh, well, we were playing a funny phone call. I get a lot of funny phone calls on this program, but not quite like this one. (laughs) And these were not staged. No, nothing was ever set up. Sometimes we would just say to the audience, who should we call tonight? And somebody would yell out the, you know, number of his grandmother, and we'd call her up. Let's continue here. So I'd like to come out there and sit in on a, on a session. Yeah. Sing. Yeah. Uh, Listen, uh, what show are you on? I'm not on a show. What are you, a wise guy, sir? I can hear the people laughing in the background. Yeah, well, it's my relatives. My relatives are here, and they want me to get a job, that's all. It's embarrassing right. to me, too. How long do you have to talk to win the money? Uh, <laughs> just a minute. I'll talk to my managers. <laughs> Listen, fella, you got the wrong idea. Why don't you let the kids sing? There's a bunch of us here. We're all laughing, drinking, have a good time. He's oh. been on for an hour. He's just wonderful. Do it. Give him a break and let him sure. over the phone. Be, be delighted to. Go on. I'll audition him right now. Good for you. All right. I'll, I'll sit down at the piano here. we got somebody to play for. Good. Very good. Give me where I went. Where I went. Where See you, Bob the Major. It seems we didn't talk like this before. We looked at each other and we sang with him. But I can't remember where. You're wearing and a clothes you wore. A smile, you're smiling. You're smiling then, but who can remember what? Listen, uh, Fred. Hello? Fred. Listen. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, I know what I can do for you. I have a couple of competitors around here that I'd like to hire you to play at their place. Take it away. Listen, hello. Hello. Yeah, listen, would you do one thing? What's that? Would you tell all your listeners to come on down and catch Kitty Cover at the sitting bull room? Kitty, 
Culver at the Sitting Bull Room. At Culver's Bullpen, Ventura Boulevard, Sherman Oaks. She's the greatest one-girl show in show business. The one-girl show. Right. Well, that's good. Listen, this is Steve Allen calling. Oh, you're kidding. <laughs> Do you believe me? Yes, I do, Steve, and I'm awful sorry to have given you such a rough time, but I kind of thought it was a recording because I heard the beep. Yeah, well, that's that's all right. That's what we call them, the beep. <laughs> One of the voice, the body, this is the beep. No, this, the, the fellow that was singing for you and auditioning was Louis Nye. Oh, no kidding. Yes. Well, you tell Louis he can come down to work any time. <laughs> Very, very funny. You know, one thing that made those calls so funny was we had 300 people sitting there laughing. If we had done that yeah. in an empty room, it wouldn't yeah. have been nearly as funny. That's true. Well, uh, they're available, I guess, in the, in the stores now mm -hmm. again, right? Polygram label, funny phone calls, and more funny phone calls. Yeah, that's great. Let's take another call. R.C. from Salt Lake City. Go ahead, R.C. Hello, Ray. Oh, that's a funny bit, Steve. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, that's beautiful. Regarding a Chicagoland background, I can just envision some native saying to you in the early years in the vernacular, Hey, Alan, get out of that radio racket. There's <laughs> in other fields of endeavor. <laughs> uh, uh, Steve, I didn't realize that you went to Drake. Wasn't that school a little bit on the boring side for a guy with your kind of intellect? Believe it or not, it was, well, my intellect, such as it is, was dormant, I think, at that point. I didn't, I didn't wake up intellectually until I was about 30. But that was one of the greatest years of my life at Drake. First of all, I was out in the world for the first time alone on my own. And the school let me do everything I was competent to do. I was writing a humor column for the paper. I was acting in school plays, playing dance band, I mean, playing piano with the college dance bands. And there were a lot of pretty girls on campus, and it was just a... Uh, sort of a year's vacation, as far as I was concerned. Well, I'm glad there was some pretty girls because <laughs> it's sure a boring campus. I thought you, uh, your alma mater was um, Northwestern or University of Illinois, like New Hearts. Uh, no, I didn't have that uh, that pleasure. In my second year, I was going to Arizona State Teachers College in uh, Tempe, Arizona, near Phoenix, but I, I quit school to take a job in radio after a while. Steve, I, I want to, I got a couple things here I want to ask you about Letterman mm -hmm. and Joan Rivers. Sure. You know, you're just so great in every area of comedy. You've got an outstanding perception, a human psyche. That's what makes you good. Well, thank you now, for thinking, man. After that little intro, <laughs> <laughs> which I truly believe, uh, on David Letterman, uh, you know, Johnny Carson gave him a heck of a break. It just seemed to me he was terribly boring in the beginning. He's, he's pretty good now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they do a lot of clever things on the show. But... Again, you know, turning to perception, Joan Rivers, true enough, you know, she might be a little rude and crude at times, but she's so quick and bright-minded and uh, extremely unique. Yes. Uh, if I could just put you in charge of Fox for a couple of minutes, uh, no, for longer than that, let's do it. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't you uh, give her the same break that Carson gave to Letterman, and don't you think? Well, she's, I don't, maybe I misunderstand your question, but she's already had that break, and uh, in my view, it, it made no sense for Fox to hire her for that kind of duty in the first place. Joan is a very funny woman, that the, the jury already voted on that, but hosting a, a talk show is quite another matter. For one thing, you don't have to have talent at all. Some of the most successful uh, talk show hosts have done very well and have had no talent, and many very talented people 
have tried it and been wrong for it. Jerry Lewis is as funny as a comedian can get, but he, he's too busy, too hyper to have, you know, have in your ears 90 minutes a night. And I think the same thing is true of Joan. I think she made a lot of audiences nervous and enough already. Don't keep yelling questions. She didn't know how to just talk to people. She yelled at them. You know, She said a lot of funny things. We're not talking about her talent. We're saying her talent was not relevant to hosting a talk show. All right, Arzy, thank you. My guest, Steve Allen. His book, How to Be Funny, Discovering the Comic You. This is Talk Radio. I'm Ray Brain. I'm Ray Brain. This is KBC 790, the voice of Southern California. The three most popular mattress companies in America are joining forces for four days at the largest mattress showroom in Southern California. Sit and sleep. Over 50,000 square feet of showroom devoted to the lowest prices on mattresses anywhere. National brand names such as Simmons Beauty Rest Classic, the Sealy Posture Pedic, or the Spring Air Back Supporter. Queen sets on sale now for just $387 each. You save $600 off department store prices. And that's just three examples. Hundreds of brand name mattresses, sofa beds, day beds, and futons are in stock. That means you can buy it today and sleep on it tonight. Twin sets are $99, full sets $119. A queen is only $159, and a king is yours for just $199. Four days only, this Friday through Monday only, at Sit and Sleep's twin locations in the Culver Center, facing Overland between Venice and Washington. Don't miss it. Sit and Sleep. Good night, dear. Good night. Sleep well. Eleven, twelve, thirteen. Fred. Oh, sorry, dear. Honey, you're counting sheep again. Yeah, I know. I can't sleep. Nineteen, twenty, twenty-one. What are you worrying 22. about now? Our stocks? No, all the different interest rates. Forty-six, forty-seven. Oh, this has got to stop, Fred. There must be an easier way to invest our money. Poor Fred. He doesn't know that U.S. savings bonds have changed and that they're the answer to his investment problems. U.S. savings bonds now pay competitive rates, just like money market accounts. So whatever the market does, you keep up with it without even trying. And bonds are still free from state and local income tax. If only Fred knew bonds had changed. 10,051, 10,052, U.S. savings bonds, the great American investment. For more information on the current rate, call anytime, 1-800-US-BONDS. Every 25 minutes, someone in Los Angeles dies of cancer. That's 57 people a day, many of whom may not have realized they even had cancer and who didn't know that early detection could have saved their lives. Hello, I'm Steve Allen, and thanks to early detection, I beat cancer last year. And for me, it was the start of something big, a cancer-free life. That's the reason you should call the nonprofit Cancer Detection Center and arrange for your low-cost cancer examination. At the clinic, caring medical professionals using state-of-the-art cancer detection equipment will give you the most complete examination available. They're at 3rd and Loma, 303 South Loma Drive, with plenty of free parking, and the bus stops right at their door. Fighting cancer means taking action now, even when you're in good health. Call the Cancer Detection Center at 483-3411 and arrange for an examination now. Young people from all walks of life have volunteered to take part in a frightening experiment. They are allowing their brains to be altered. Altered to induce paranoia, heart malfunction, memory loss, even early senility. Unfortunately, 
This is not an experiment. It's what slowly happens to you when you keep smoking pot. No one has to alter your brain. You've already volunteered to do it to yourself. Brought to you by the Partnership for a Drug-Free America. KABC Talk Radio 790, the voice of Southern California. If you're calling from Los Angeles, dial 520, followed by the word TALK. T-A-L-K follows all of our numbers. For the San Fernando Valley, dial 990. The San Gabriel Valley, 448. In Burbank, 244. And in Compton, dial 639. And then TALK. My guest is Steve Allen. His book, How to Be Funny, Discovering the Comic You. Uh, Steve, you began uh, in radio as a disc jockey, among other things. Mm -hmm. uh, you're doing disc jockey work again in New York City on the Make Believe Ballroom. The, well, I was the, the show that, uh, of course, Martin Block originated and then uh, William B. Williams. Right. I was hired to do that um, along with comedy, but the show, uh, as of about uh, six weeks ago, is no longer called Make Believe Ballroom, Ray. They now just call it Steve Allen Show. Because the same thing is occurring that did back in uh, the late 40s here in uh, Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. I started playing records and pretty soon wasn't playing any records and was doing all comedy. That's what we're doing now. Occasionally, if a, if a guest comes in who's just recorded something, mm -hmm. I'll play one of his records. But it's now uh, comedy and talk. You like radio, don't you? It's wonderfully comfortable, yes. Uh, I do the show most days from my offices in Los Angeles. I just uh, step away from my desk, go across the driveway to another building, and there's our studio with a grand piano, and guests come in. It's just and, as, and you sit there and do the chord bit? Yeah, and... just as I did back in the 40s. And as I say, the emphasis now is on comedy. But the radio is very comfortable. There's nothing we rehearsed. You don't have to have your hair done or put on makeup. I could sit there in my underwear and do the show for all people <laughs> would know. As a matter of fact, I'm in my underwear right now, and I guess we should let the American people know that. Let's go to Portland, Oregon, and Don. Hello, Don. You're on with Steve Allen. Hi, Ray. Steve, it's a pleasure to talk to you. Well, thank you very much. Both your albums, The Funny Phone Calls, and they're really funny. Uh. Got a couple questions and a comment to you. Number one, I'm originally from New York. What station are you on in New York? It's WNEW. Oh, for heaven's sake, the AM, yeah. Yes. Is uh, Jonathan Schwartz still on there with it, too? Yes, Jonathan is on uh, different uh, times of the day. Yes, our show at present is heard from 10 in the morning till 2 in the afternoon oh, in New York. That's fantastic. That's great. <clears throat> okay, Steve, you did in the 50s uh, a lot of uh, parodies, I believe, also similar to Stan Freeberg on rock and roll. Is that true? I'm not sure what you mean by parodies on rock and roll. Uh, what I do, I've been doing a routine since the late 40s where I simply recite the actual lyric of same, some famous rock and roll song with no jokes, just the actual lyric, and it gets screams of laughter because when you don't hear the music, you realize the inanity, the stupidity, in fact, of some of these lyrics. Well, you did that in the um, in the history of rock and roll with uh, Little Star by the Elegance, and that was really funny. Ah, thank you. <laughs> I really enjoyed that. That was that was really uh, great. But uh, do you have other albums, old albums, uh, that you can get besides Funny Phone Calls? Oh yes, I've I've done about forty albums over the years. But uh, even when you're talking about major recording artists, take a oh, a giant like Bing Crosby, you can't go into a store today and buy most of his albums. Albums are like books. If they're not selling right now, they put them in the back of the store and eventually send them away uh, to make room for merchandise that'll sell big. And you would, too, if you were in that business. All right, Don, thank you. 
Boy, we're getting a lot of calls from Phoenix tonight. Back mm. to Phoenix and Julie. Hello, Julie. You're on with Steve Allen. Hello, Mr. Allen. This is a real pleasure to get to talk with you. My pleasure. I um, I think you are such a talent. I, You know, listening to that tape brought back years. <laughs> I remember as a kid, I used to watch you and just laugh my, my socks up. I mean, you know, <laughs> to, be, to be able to talk to people on a phone and be so funny... And uh, that's just a, it's such a, a talent, such a, a gift. Well, thank you. And, and some of the secrets of how to do that are related in the book here. I'm going to get that book for <laughs> sure. But I would like to know, how does one get hold of any of those tapes? Well, your timing is good because a um, company called Media Home Entertainment is just now releasing either one or two. That's not clear yet. Uh, shows in video cassette form consisting of some cream of the crop material from my old Sunday night comedy show. Not some of the skits with Louie and I, Don yeah. Knotts, and, and yeah, and Tom Post Mad Men. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, right. We have uh, Tim Conway and uh, Johnny Carson. Does I love shot. the North Pole Weather Station. Oh yes, oh. yeah. Weren't they great? That oh. was Pat Harrington yes, and Don yes, Knotts. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, if you love that old stuff, uh, you'll be interested in this uh, video cassette. I think the title of it is All the Best. Steve Allen, and the other one is called Steve Allen, The Golden Years, something like that. Is there any chance of, of you coming back on television, say, once weekly and doing something like that? Well, uh, yes, there is always a chance. Uh, of course, you'll have to check back 12 years into the future and see how the chance panned out. Oh, I don't... There's, uh, one of the networks now is, is uh, talking to me about uh, doing a show on a regular basis, but if it happens, underline if, really... it, it would not happen until uh, the next year. We really years. need good comedy. I, I I'm so tired of all these dumb situation comedies. We need some real brilliance in, a, in our in our entertainment, and you certainly have it. Well, very kind of you to think that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Julie. We have Howard on the line. Good morning, Howard. You're on with Steve Allen. Hi, Ray. Hi, Howard. You just missed Julie, but go ahead. <laughs> uh, Steve, I have on videotape uh, a comedy skit with you, Imogene Coca, uh, Annie Griffith. And, and Elvis Presley. Elvis Presley, right. I want to ask you, what was your first impression? Uh, how, first of all, how did you get that cassette? <laughs> <laughs> I don't want you, you know, if your parole officer is listening, <laughs> don't feel trapped about that. But can you tell us without putting yourself in trouble? I've had it for about three years. It's, uh, do you want the label? Uh, yeah. Is it commercially sold? Uh, well, I got mine through the mail, but there is a catalog of, uh, of old TV uh, kinescopes. Huh. Yeah. Uh, could you send me, uh, you can just write in care of Ray here, uh, his well, radio address. It's called Video Yesteryear. Ah, uh, yes. I don't even know if, if it's still in print, I mean, because I've ha had it for three or four years. Some stores sell those, the, the label. Yes, it, it, they're breaking the law in doing that, by the way. Not, not, it wasn't your fault. I mean, if I saw that, I would have bought it myself. Yeah. But uh, the people that's have copyrighted no, material. Yeah, this copyrighted material. So some of these Great people way. occasionally get arrested and go to jail. And that would be particularly the case with uh, a, a show with Elvis Presley on it. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of me around, but there's not that much of him around from TV, you know. Yeah. So that's pure gold. Yeah, that was a funny sketch. I wrote that okay. sketch for Elvis and myself and Andy and Imogene. Yeah. Um, but uh, I want to know, what was your first impression on, on meeting him, though? I liked Elvis. I had seen him before. I booked him on a summer show that Jimmy and Tommy Dorsey did, a replacement for the Jackie Gleason show. And uh, he was never, in my opinion, a great singer, but that, uh, that has no relevance in the sense that Sinatra is a great singer or Bing Crosby or Perry Como. A beautiful voice Elvis never had. But he had something quite unique. He had charisma. He had star quality. He had a funny 
crazy country boy glamour to him. So he was deservedly a star. He was much more important than his material. Uh, Crosby and Sinatra and singers like that recorded, for the most part, very classy material. He recorded more garbage than anybody in the world and made hits of all of them because he made the songs hits. They didn't make him a hit. All right, Howard, thank you very much. My guest is Steve Allen. How to Be Funny is the name of the book, Discovering the Comic You. When we come back, we'll be talking with Susan from Summit, New Jersey. Stay with us. How sweet a kiss could be said impossible, impossible for me. I'm Ray Brain. This is KABC Talk Radio, the voice of Southern California. If you're experiencing blurry or cloudy vision, dull colors, and your glasses don't seem to help anymore, chances are you've developed cataracts. The fact is there's no medicine or method known that can prevent this natural occurrence. Fortunately, though, there is a way to correct the problem. Let me tell you about Dr. Ronald P. Jensen in Glendale. Since 1974, Dr. Jensen has helped hundreds of people just like you back to normal vision. They watch television, drive cars, go to movies. They play golf and tennis and enjoy the beauty of the world. And they enjoy life without glasses or contact lenses. Call Dr. Ronald P. Jensen in Glendale. Area code 818-240-3813. You really don't have to suffer from this debilitating condition. It takes only about 15 minutes and is performed on an outpatient basis. You'll resume most of your normal activities the day after treatment. Dr. Jensen's phone number again, area code 818-240-3813. 818-240-3813. Are you over the age of 50 with a flair for adventure? Then this tour is made especially for you. On July 1st, Magic Holiday Travel Club will depart Los Angeles on a 27-day tour to the majestic land of Alaska. See the midnight sun cruise through the inland passage and experience the misty fjords. Motor coach to Dawson City, watch bald eagles soar overhead and see Mother Nature in all her splendor. Magic Holiday Travel Club is designed to cater to every whim. Their buses are luxury motor coaches with deluxe seats, stereo, and restrooms on board. So get out of the house and meet new people and make new friends. To become part of this adventure, call Magic Holiday, area code 714-625-3938. That's area code 714-625-3938. Get all the details on this Alaskan adventure and a free brochure. Don't miss out. Call area code 714-625-3938. Drugs. It can happen to your kids. I got arrested for assault and battery. I was under the influence. It was like in the morning, and I, I just, I beat her up because she told me something I didn't want to hear. Assault and battery, under the influence, and she's only 13 years old. This week, listen and learn on how to say no to drugs. Listen to special people and programs on KABC, Talk Radio 790, the voice of Southern California. If you're calling from Los Angeles, dial 520, followed by the word talk. T-A-L-K follows all of our numbers. For the San Fernando Valley, dial 990. For San Gabriel Valley, 448. 
in Burbank, 244. And in Compton, dial 639. And then, talk. That was Steve and Edie singing your song. Of mm -hmm. course, uh, it's great to have Steve and Edie singing again, isn't it? Yes, yes. They weren't working for a while after the tragic death of their son, but... Uh, it's good to see them out performing. Star again. talent. And the oh, yes. shows they put on. Yeah, Baffo, as they say. Amazing. All right, let's say hello to Susan in Summit, New Jersey. Hello, Susan. You're on with Steve Allen. Hi, Ray. How are you? I'm fine. Good morning, Mr. Allen. Hello, Susan. How are you? None of your business. <laughs> if I tell you, you'll blab it all over Summit. <laughs> You're probably right. Um, I just, I'm young. I'm 30. Mm -hmm. I remember when I was a kid, I would sit in front of the television set and I would watch a show and just marvel at the comedy and think, thinking I was doing something horrible because... <laughs> no, I was doing something horrible and you were laughing at it. Well, I thought that I was watching this very adult comedy <laughs> and that I really shouldn't be understanding it and, and, and this and that. Right. And, I, and I just remember um, this, this, this set and some of the people. I remember you introducing me to, to just people like Louie Nye and yes. people that I remember. And right you know, now I live in, a, in an area where I can get to New York and see the new comics. Mm -hmm. I remember the classic people. And, and you know, I could... I mean, you certainly are in that category. Very kind of you. Well, I just, you know, it's funny because I, I speak to my mother about things because she, you know, certainly remember more mm -hmm. older time because she wouldn't be very happy if I said that. But well, on that radio show that Ray and I were talking about earlier, the one I do now in New York from um, 10 in the morning to 2 in the afternoon, we have a lot of the old-time comics and a lot of the new guys and women on, too. Yes. Yes, I, I I work then, so I have to miss that. I Well, to David's credit, he mentions that himself quite often. Yes, yes, he does. Mm -hmm. Yes, he does. But it's just wonderful speaking to you, and I'm enjoying the show this Thank morning. Thank you so much for calling. Thank you, Susan. Uh, back to Portland, Oregon, and Mark. Good morning, Mark. You're on with Steve Allen. Steve Allen. Mm-hmm. How are you? Fine. Well, listen, I just want to say that, uh, first off, uh, there's not too many people as far as comics or anybody else that has just made me... Uh, made me cry, you know, I mean, I've laughed so hard that I've, I've had to cry, you know? it's that kind of a thing. Thank you. Uh, and I mean that. Uh, my, my real question is uh, with regard to, I can't remember the name of the program, but it was on uh, PBS. Meeting of Minds. Pardon? Yes, the Meeting of Minds with all the historical figures. Yes. Uh, when did you come up with that kind of a thing, and is there anything in the future for us to... Uh, well, I don't think we will be getting back into production on that particular series any time in the near future, but the 24 one-hour shows will always exist. They're available on videotape, and if you bug your local PBS station enough, you and your friends, they will repeat them, and then you can tape your own copies if you'd like, or you can rent or purchase some of them, even now, at video cassette stores. The Disney people distribute them. All right. Uh, good luck, Mark. Thank you. In one of uh, your shows uh, back in the uh, in the seventies, and I forgot the name of it. What was it? Flash? It wasn't flashback. What, what Laughback. Laughback. Yeah. Um, you did a lot of the uh, routines you've done throughout the years, taking the part of the sports announcer or the news announcer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, the the thing thing that uh, is funniest to me is uh, you get so engrossed in the character 
and then you break yourself up. <laughs> that that happened once, yes, and they keep running that, that film and tape over the years. I was on, that was the Sunday night show, and there were 40 million people watching, and you know what they call the laughing in church syndrome, where you laugh at some mm -hmm. little thing, it's mm -hmm. no big deal, and then suddenly you laugh because you realize you shouldn't be laughing in church, and that makes you laugh all the more. I realized I was embarrassing myself in front of half a nation, and that made me go on laughing more. I laughed for about four minutes like a jerk. Herb, you're on with Steve Allen. Good morning, Ray. Good morning, Steve. Howdy. Uh, I wonder if I could ask you a question about something I heard you do 25, 30 years ago. About anything. It was the uh, funniest bit you ever did, and it had nothing to do with your voice, your jokes, your storytelling, or anything. Hmm. Can you guess what it was? I have the slightest idea. Got out of bed, maybe that was it, but you wouldn't have been there, so that couldn't be it. <laughs> I hope I'm right on this, but you were playing jazz trumpet, and you broke up. Doing oh, yeah. <laughs> it was either Stardust or Can't Get Started. or. Uh, yeah, well, I was playing my own song, Impossible. Yeah, there's a recording of that. We it's call it the Trumpet Laughing Record. Yeah, it's for sale. It's hard to find, though, because it went out of print some years ago. But I'm going to put out another comedy album, and I think we'll make that one of the tracks in it, because so many people keep trying to buy that. That was the funniest thing I ever heard. Yeah, uh, Bobby Rosengarten, later known as Dick Cavett's um, conductor and a very good drummer and band leader, was playing the piano on that date, and he played funny, and everything struck me funny that day, so I laughed like a jerk again. Do you have uh, some days that are funnier than others? Oh, yes, yes. The, I I, uh, am, I analyze everything. I'm a student of everything. An expert, not on too much, but a student of everything. And I marvel at the fact that uh, as a piano player, some days, whatever my chops are capable of, I've got it. I can play great on that day. The next day, not so hot. I, I miss notes and stuff. Same thing with comedy. Some nights I can think of 400 comedy answers to everything. Other nights I tend to resort to old stuff and slog through. It's weird. All right, we have Helen on the line from Bessemer, Alabama. Good morning, Helen. Good. I remember the song about your uh, wonderful town, Bessemer, Bessemer Mucho. It's a wonderful <laughs> town and a great song. <laughs> Good morning. <laughs> I just wanted to thank you, Mr. Allen, for the, all of the laughs and all of the wonderful entertainment you give me over the years. You're very sweet. And I love your voice. Isn't that a nice, rich voice? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you. <laughs> and you tell Jane I love her, too. All right, I'll do that. Bye-bye. Thanks for calling. Thank you. Steve, uh, if you were coaching a, a young comic today, mm -hmm. what, what would you tell him? Oh, different things. I would say maybe item three on the list might be see how funny you are without doing any dirty stuff. Uh, first of all, you'll go farther, although it would be hard to go farther than Eddie Murphy has, and he does a lot of filth, so this is not one of the Ten Commandments. But it's still good advice for most comics. Most of them are as funny as Eddie Murphy. A lot of wonderfully clever young people don't do dirt at all. I think one of the funniest of the young comics in recent years is Stephen Wright. Brilliant. Writes his own material. Does not do any dirty stuff. Hooray for him. So that would be one important thing. Then uh, try to talk in as natural a manner as possible. I mentioned earlier when we played that old 1946 stuff of mine, I was young and I was not speaking in a natural manner. I sounded like my impression of a nightclub comic putting himself on or something. It's much better, especially today, when the world itself is more natural, more realistic. Not always better, but at least better in that way. It doesn't make any sense to go back and talk like a nightclub comic of 1942. Very natural manner. Now, if you're working in a rock concert and the audience has 100,000 people, then that'll affect your style. But most club, you'll be working 174 people. So take that into consideration. My guest, Steve Allen. His book, How to Be Funny, Discovering the Comic You.
I'm Ray Brame, the voice of Southern California KBC Talk Radio. All right, our last call. Vincent on the line. Go ahead, Vincent. You're on with Steve Allen. Yes, hello, Mr. Bream. Hi. Hi, Vincent. Hi, host, Steve Bream. <laughs> Steve, uh, I, I, uh, I, I want to make this, uh, I can't be in too long here, but I used to have a sister that worked for you some years back. Hmm. Go see your show at the ranch market. Do you remember Zena? Yes, yes. Yeah, and uh, she lives in Seattle now, and ah. we're both big fans of yours. And she, well, give her my regards. Oh, I, I will do that, and I always wanted to, uh, and I remember, uh, she, uh, uh, I'm a little bit nervous here, <laughs> it's all right. but I remember uh, one of the funniest, the funny bits she used to do was "Where Are They Now?" And my sister and I w- were watching it. Yes, those were great sketches. And I remember Don Knotts as General General Jack, and that was a takeoff on Johnny we- Johnny Weissmuller's character of General Jim. Yes, right. Yeah, and one more thing I wanted to ask you. I, I understand when when my sister was working for you. I think, that, and I was reading about this at the time, that you were actually outrating Johnny Carson in some markets. Yes, that that was the case. I did a uh, th- that show that Letterman used to watch was on late at night in some cities, and other cities it was on at four in the afternoon or eleven in the morning. It was a syndicated show. That was no Westing, yeah, Westinghouse. The Westinghouse show, yeah, yeah early sixties. Well, you, but you just didn't have enough affiliates. Uh, I can't recall what the arrangement was. When you're syndicated, you're on some great stations, and then in some cities you're on channel 198, and it doesn't work <laughs> out too well, you know? Yeah, and I, by the way, I have a couple of those funny phone call albums. My sister Yeah, they're great. Vincent, we're out of time. Oh, Sorry about that. Thanks for One calling. of the things about that Westinghouse show, used to take the cameras outside and do things on the street. Yes, we have the uh, videotapes of that series. Really? A lot of other stuff is gone, but we have that, and I think within the next two years it's going to be remarketed. Hey, I can't wait. Steve Allen, I can't tell you how great it's been. Thanks for being here. Thank you, Ray. It's a great pleasure, and thanks for your kind treatment and that of your nice listeners. We'll have to do it with your next book. Okay. This is book number 28, How to Be Funny, Discovering the Comic You. Thanks again, Steve. My pleasure. This is Talk Radio. I'm Ray Brain. KABC Talk Radio 790, the voice of Southern California. She's a courageous woman. Oprah Winfrey wasn't afraid to go down to Forsyth County, Georgia to find out why blacks are not welcome. She felt uncomfortable, but the show went on, and it was an exciting hour of television. But that's the way it's always been with Oprah. People open up to her, like her show on bisexual marriages. My urge for and desires for men mm-hmm. uh, was, was totally opposite and different than my urge and desire for a woman. Sensitive topics require sensitive handling, like the time Oprah interviewed women who had killed. You feel remorseful that you killed him? Shooting your children's father is not a nice thing to do. From the bizarre to the everyday, if it's something you wonder about, chances are Oprah will cover it. That's why the Oprah Winfrey Show is the hottest talk show in the Southland. L.A., you're the best. Thanks for making Oprah number one. There's lots to talk about, so don't miss the Oprah Winfrey Show. Weekdays at 3, only on Channel 7. KABC Los Angeles, Talk Radio 790, the voice of Southern California. KABC Los Angeles, Talk Radio 790, the voice of Southern California. Hello, Americans. I'm Paul Harvey. You know what the news is. In a minute, you're going to hear the rest of the story. 
10 to 20% of all hospital admissions are for people who combine a medication with alcohol or another drug that causes a bad reaction. But dangerous drug interactions are easy to prevent. Just be sure your doctor and pharmacist know about all medicines you are taking and ask whether to avoid alcohol or other drugs or foods while taking a new prescription. Help your medicines to help you by treating them with care. This is Tom Bosley for the Will Rogers Institute, White Plains, New York. What is the very best exercise in the world? Well, it's one of two things, either swimming or schwinning. The Schwinn Airdyne is something very special. The Schwinn Company makes fine bicycles, of course, including stationary bicycles for indoor exercise. But the Schwinn Airdyne is different. A fitness machine for the entire family. 20 minutes on an Airdyne three days a week and you're going to walk taller and look better and feel great. It's expensive until you realize that it'll serve the whole family. And staying well is a lot less costly than getting sick. The Schwinn Airdyne. Andy was reared by an aunt and an uncle, a kindly couple, who early grew determined that the boy should have music lessons. There was a violin teacher in the neighborhood, a man named Rivera. Mr. Rivera was a small fish in a smaller pond who compensated for this indignity by pretentiousness. And the imposing image paid off, for local parents implicitly trusted this man with their children, as did Andy's uncle. Well, Andy himself from the beginning was unconvinced. He was not quite six when the youngster was taken to Mr. Rivera for violin lessons. Teacher said he would do what he could with the boy, but that turned out to be not much. For both Andy and his haughty new instructor, the lessons were torture. Andy would miss a note or make a faulty intonation. The frustrated taskmaster would respond immediately by poking the child in the ribs with a steely finger or pinching him so hard he would cry out. After nobody knows how many weeks and what seemed like forever, an exasperated maestro Rivera dismissed Andy from his tutelage, and with him the boy took home a note for his uncle in his former teacher's handwriting, and the note said, in effect, that Andy had no ear, no musical memory, no sense of rhythm. In short, he was, as a prospective musician, utterly without promise, would always be, in matters musical, completely inept. Then one day a drifter came through town. This one was a ragged vagabond with a beat-up old guitar strapped to his back, and he asked around if anyone were in the mood for a song, and somebody mentioned Andy's uncle. Somebody remarked that the old man enjoyed that sort of folk music, might even pay to hear some, so the drifter walked over to Andy's house. Greeted warmly, the traveler asked for a drink before he performed. He was given a glass of wine. Now, <laughs> that glass of wine may or may not explain the incredible the awful sound which was yet to be heard. For this vagabond produced his cracked and patched instrument. He flashed a tipsy smile. He raised his right hand and he strummed the most hideous explosion in the history of stringed instruments. Andy seated nearby was blown backward off his chair by the sonic surprise. Actually blown off his chair. And the terrible so-called music continued. The battered guitar blasted and blared and bleated like a goat. What do you know, Andy loved it. Andy loved it. What an accomplished violinist had been unable to achieve in weeks of tutoring 
had been accomplished in minutes by a bumbling, incompetent, half-drunken vagrant. This guitar-thumping drifter made Andy adore music. In fact, the vagabond even stayed on with Andy's family for a month and a half so he could teach the boy how to play the guitar. Now, how would you imagine such lessons would turn out? The bellowing, ostentatious violin master produced only a child who hated the violin. The likable, if untalented, flamenco guitar-playing vagrant, he gave us Andre Segovia. And now you know the rest of the story. I remember the day I got my acceptance letter to college. Oh, I didn't see anything. Just whipped it into one of Mama's old picture frames and waited for her to notice. She was so proud. By keeping tuitions down at 43 predominantly black colleges, the United Negro College Fund has helped thousands of deserving students. But if you think the job's done, think again. I guess most people remember graduation, not the day they got accepted. People keep diplomas, not acceptance letters. But this letter was as close as I got. See, I never got to college. We just didn't have the money. The hard fact is, for each one we reach, there's one we can. Not without the fun. And if we can't reach them, chances are nobody can. So support the United Negro College Fund. A mind is a terrible thing to waste. A message from the Ad Council. KABC Talk Radio 790, the voice of Southern California. Southern California, if it all comes true, let's share it all with you on KABC Talk Radio 79, Southern California. everyone. Well, he uh, wrote 10 million words for one man's family, and he wasn't satisfied. He then wrote a half million words for 50 I Love a Mystery shows, and still wasn't satisfied. So he decided to start writing books, and the first of which is called Killer at the Wheel. Stay tuned, because our guest is Carlton E. Morse. Is one man's family. One man's family is dedicated to the mothers and fathers of the younger generation and to their bewildering offspring. Today, transcribed, we present Chapter 12, Book 72, entitled A Touch of Christmas Spirit. Carlton E. Morse, once again, welcome to those. Thank you, Ray. Those it's wonderful so... radio days. Yes, indeed. It brings me back 50 years. <laughs> uh, Carlton, uh, the, uh, the the longest-running show on radio had to be... The One Man's One Family. One Man's Family. Yeah. What, 30 years? 27 years. 27 yeah. years. Yeah. Uh -huh. Yes, uh, <clears throat> uh, it was uh, a beautiful, beautiful uh, thing. And, you know, I haven't been on the... 
participating in radio for 26 years. In 1960s, when the family went off the air, uh, since that day, uh, I've done nothing appeared uh, except on your show about three years ago. And you know, people talk about I love a mystery in one man's family as though they were still on the air. I just can't get away from it. Well, uh, they were part of the uh, heritage of a whole generation or two. Uh, we, and how can you get away from it? Uh, well, it's wonderful. It's lovely. The people that were uh, very young <clears throat> when I began to write in 1932 are now 50, 60, 70. I, uh, it's the same they're just as much my audience as they were 50 years ago. Just a month or so ago, you celebrated a birthday. That's right, I did. And it's still, though, a 30-year-old spirit in this 86-year-old barrel. Well, you don't, you don't look 86, I'll tell you that. Uh, with us this morning is uh, a man that I've known for some time. Used to be with ABC and he's, as an executive, and he doesn't know it, but I once applied for a job and he turned me down. <laughs> None other than Dresser Dahlstedt, who was the announcer on I Love a Mystery. Yes, do you realize I've known Dresser Dahlstedt over 50 years? This doesn't seem possible. <laughs> Dresser, uh, tell us something about I Love a Mystery. Uh, how did that begin and why did it originate out of San Francisco? Everything seemed to come out of Chicago or New York. No, the mystery actually started in Los Angeles. Yes, it did. It was after we had moved down from San Francisco. The family came down, and it was after that that uh, the that Carlton came up with the idea of I Love a Mystery, and it started in 1939. But it started in San Francisco. No, not no. the mystery. No, uh-uh. Not, no? not the mystery. Oh, that, that was from Los Angeles. That started yeah. in L.A., right, uh-huh. Oh. Uh -huh. We were but, all transferred down... Well, uh, one man's family was in San Francisco. Right. Oh, yes. That yeah. started in 1932 mm. in San Francisco. Why San Francisco? Because that's where we all worked. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good enough... Uh, that was right. the headquarters of uh, NBC on the West Coast at that time. And at that, at that point, uh, San Francisco was the big radio town. Oh, I'll say. Yeah. Oh, my goodness, yes. And... Yeah. Uh, as a young announcer, I had an absolutely smashing time in San Francisco because all we did was run around town doing dance band remotes and the studio. We had Meredith Wilson and big bands and, oh gosh, you know, no way you could beat that. It was sensational. Carlton, how did you come up with the idea of uh, the Barber family? Well, uh, are you familiar with the Foresight Saga, the English... Uh, uh, John Galsworthy's I'm aware of it, but not that. I li <clears throat> I practically lived with the Galsworthy uh, books uh, uh, at the time I was working in a newspaper. And uh, <clears throat> it was so in my mind that when I got on the radio and discovered that they did nothing but uh, westerns and mysteries and uh, uh, that type of thing, I... I thought and hoped that uh, uh, that maybe a family story would be just as uh, uh, would be just as uh, popular as it was in the book form, and he really was a tops. Galsworthy's uh, uh, books were the very tops during the early 1900s. Why was uh, the Barber family so? Um, Lasting, so enduring, so lovable, so 
you, identifiable? You know, I didn't know, <clears throat> I didn't realize until in the last few years I've been getting many, many letters from uh, old radio people. And one in particular stuck in my mind. It was a Texas family, and he says, we were practically starving to death down there. Uh, there was no money, no jobs, no anything. And he said, the only thing that we had in our life was one man's family. Uh, here was a, uh, we knew that someplace in the United States there was a family that was living well and enjoying each other and, uh, and having a, a good life. And it was our hope that, uh, that one day this would happen to us. And he said it brought us through the depression. And, and I think this was what happened to him. And you know, the, uh, the, uh, our story of one man's family, it was broken up into books of about 13 weeks each. <clears throat> and each uh, 13 weeks, I began with a little editorial to the point that as long as the American family was as it was in the early days, uh, this would be a, a great uh, country and uh, never be changed in any way. But if, they, if, one went, if the American family ever broke up, uh, then the, we would be no different than any other country in the world. You were rather prophetic, were you not? <laughs> Indeed, yes. You know, some of the uh, stars that uh, you hired who were not really stars in those days, but became stars mm -hmm. through your program and later on, Hans Conried, Dick Crenna, Rosemary DeCamp, Elliot Lewis, Hal Perry, Les yeah. Tremaine, Lorene Tuttle, yeah. Marvin Miller. Yeah. Uh, Marvin Miller played more roles than any other actor in the series. That's right. That's right. He he was just great. He he was good for anything. <laughs> and, and, whatever, whatever voice you needed, he was there. Him. I, yeah, I just loved him. Uh, just as Mercedes McCabridge was uh, uh, great in I Love a Mystery, she did the girl roles in there. Didn't make any difference whether they were 80 years old or 16. And, and you use some of these same people over in I Love a Mystery. That's right. That's right. We'll talk about it and your book, Killer at the Wheel, here in just a moment. My guest, Carlton E. Morse. I'm Ray Bream, and this is KBC Talk Radio, AM 790. Years ago, a stroke signaled the end of a productive life. Few sufferers returned to work and fewer still were able to regain the strength and skills for the activities they enjoyed before the stroke. Families who suffered from the strain of caring for a stroke patient resigned to an unchanging or worsening condition. Patients and their families held little hope for the future. The Stroke Recovery Center at Granada Hills Community Hospital helps people who have suffered a stroke regain their independence. The center offers intensive, individualized treatment to improve strength, stamina, and sense of self-worth. The Stroke Recovery Center provides physical reconditioning and sensitive support and guidance. Regain your independence. Call the Stroke Recovery Center, area code 818-368-2657. That's area code 818-368-2657. That's the Granada Hills Stroke Recovery Center. A challenging task. Imagine trying to design a government. At the Philadelphia Convention in 1787, James Madison outlined the obstacles. 
How could the government be powerful enough to work and at the same time be democratically responsive to its citizens? How could power be shared by the central government and the states? How could different interests, like those of the large and small states, both be served? Lastly, how could delegates overcome the natural diversity of human opinions on all new and complicated subjects? Because his patience, perseverance, and political brilliance helped meet these challenges, James Madison is remembered as the father of the Constitution. Though we've modified his design over the last two centuries, we have not changed it. Presented by the Los Angeles County Bar Association and the Constitutional Rights Foundation, this is Gregory Peck. Imagine my surprise when the doc said, your father, triplets. Boy, was I proud. But what I'm really excited about is Stu on Sports Talk. Get excited yourself. Stu Nahan on Sports Talk, weekday afternoons from 4 until 7. He's fun, he's informative, he knows what he's talking about. Or at least he says he does. Make bumper-to-bumper -bumper traffic on your ride home easier with Stu Nahan on Sports Talk, weekday afternoons, 4 to 7 on KABC. Anybody over 50 certainly remembers that theme, to I Love a Mystery. Uh, you always came up with uh, haunting themes. How did you pick Balch Triest? Uh, well, as a matter of fact, my wife picked it. <laughs> uh, Paul Carson was our organist, and uh, um, between her and Paul, uh, they selected this theme. And uh, then Paul took it apart and put it together again. And uh, we got the wonderful, weird effects that Paul was able to give us in the theme. He was, he was irresponsible. Speaking uh, of uh, Paul Carson, uh, uh, the, the organ was a pipe organ originally. That's and right. and uh, uh, I Love a Mystery and uh, One Man's Family had the pipe organ. Dresser, tell us about that pipe organ. That organ was in uh, Studio B in NBC in San Francisco, which the studios at the time were on the top floor of 111 Sutter. Mm -hmm. So when they were moving everybody and everything to Hollywood, they took that organ all apart and shipped it down piece by piece and installed it in Studio G at Sunset and Vine. And it took a long, long time to get that thing tuned and operating successfully. And that, that was a permanent fixture in oh, that yeah. studio. Yeah, it was a that's, big, big pipe organ, beautiful right. pipe organ. Uh, yeah. You can't go wrong with a pipe organ. I love pipe organs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Paul was really just remarkable in being able to sense the moods that Carlton wanted, and uh, it just, those things were unforgettable. Carlton, I've, I've got to tell you something. Uh, I was a very young man. I guess I was about uh, 10 or something like that, 12, yeah. when, uh, well, I was about 10, when, when I Love a Mystery was yeah. going. And... Uh, I, I fell in love with Balch Triest. 
And so I went down to the record shop humming this song. <laughs> I didn't know what it was. <laughs> humming this song. And, and it took me two or three trips to the yeah. to the shop to know what the heck I was humming. She uh, says, oh, well, that's Sibelius, Balch Trees. Yeah. And that's how I got hooked on classical music. I yeah. want you to know that. Oh, is that so? That was my introduction <laughs> to classical music, the old RCA Red Seals. <laughs> well, that's something you didn't know, Carl. You know, <laughs> that's another plus. <laughs> Well, I wonder how many others like that. Well, uh, there's a, there's a uh, man in Bangladesh now uh, uh, with the American government over there. And uh, he, uh, before he went over, he got in touch with me and came and saw me. And he said, you know, uh, I have been all over the world and every place that uh, eight or ten Americans gather in conversation, sooner or later, I Love a Mystery comes up. <laughs> and he says, if you can just get me records that I can take with me uh, uh, abroad, uh, uh, I would please thousands of people that he came in time. Well, he left before I could do anything about it, and he's over there now. I sent him my new book, uh, <clears throat> because I, I couldn't get the records to him. Now, the original cast, Jack Packard, Doc Long, and Reggie. Jack, Doc, and Reggie. Jack Packard was uh, Michael Raffetto, right? Michael Raffetto. He's still living up in Berkeley. Really? Yeah. Doc Long was Barton Yarborough. Yes, and he's left us many years ago. And uh, the original Reggie? He's gone, too. Uh, yeah. Tony Randall then took that part, didn't he? Tony uh, Randall. Tony Randall then took it when we went mm -hmm. to New York. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, of course, you had uh, Kathy Lewis, Elliot Lewis, Barbara Jean Wong, and Mercedes McCambridge, yeah. uh -huh. and Luis Van Ruten. That's right. <laughs> they were all part of our lives. And uh, three of those came, uh, well, four of them, including Mercedes, uh, well, most of them came from, because there was Elliot Lewis, too, and Kathy mm -hmm. Lewis, they yeah. came over from the cast of One Man's Family, right? Yes. Uh-huh. We've, uh, we've had... Apparently made good selections in our uh, in our early cast because they've all grown up into something pretty. Popular. Not only did you Beautiful. write this show, but you directed this show. That's right. That's right. Uh -huh. uh, now we're going to talk about uh, Killer at the Wheel. So let's talk about your book for a second. <laughs> uh, when did you decide you're going to write novels? Well. Uh, during the last years, uh, you see, uh, when you are working on a show for 27 years, it begins to uh, uh, become a fixture in your life. <clears throat> and writing One Man's Family and I Love a Mystery together, I'd had no possible time for, for writing any novels. And I've always wanted to... Uh, I. Uh, I was very conscious at the time, all during radio, that I was uh, writing for the air, uh, and uh, everything had to be uh, imagination, people's imaginations. And uh, I knew that uh, to writing for a book, you had to write for the eye, and I didn't realize until I got into it uh, what a difference writing for the eye is. Uh, because the eye has to uh, uh, translate into the imagination too, but it's a different uh, it's a different format entirely. It uh, it has a different feel to it, 
And I spent about 10 years after I left radio in 1960s and 1970, I I was writing and rewriting and rewriting. Everything went into the wastebasket <laughs> until I began to get the feel uh, of the eye. And I think now that with uh, Killer at the Wheel that we've captured a good story that will be interesting to people to for people to read. My two guests, Carlton E. Morse, the legendary Carlton E. Morse. Uh, 86 years old, with a brand new novel called Killer at the Wheel, and Dresser Dahlstedt, the announcer of I Love a Mystery. I also got to put in a plug here, chairman of the nominating committee of Pacific Pioneer Broadcasters. Yes. Thank you, sir. <laughs> I'm Ray Bream, and this is KBC Talk Radio AM 790. She's a courageous woman. Oprah Winfrey wasn't afraid to go down to Forsyth County, Georgia, to find out why blacks are not welcome. She felt uncomfortable, but the show went on, and it was an exciting hour of television. But that's the way it's always been with Oprah. People open up to her, like her show on bisexual marriages. My urge for and desires for men mm -hmm. uh, was, is totally opposite and different than my urge and desire for a woman. Sensitive topics require sensitive handling, like the time Oprah interviewed women who had killed. You feel remorseful that you killed him? Shooting your children's father is not a nice thing to do. From the bizarre to the everyday, if it's something you wonder about, chances are Oprah will cover it. That's why the Oprah Winfrey Show is the hottest talk show in the Southland. L.A., you're the best. Thanks for making Oprah number one. There's lots to talk about, so don't miss the Oprah Winfrey Show. Weekdays at 3, only on Channel 7. If you're 65 or older and have fair skin, this message might just save your life. The Skin Cancer Institute is offering free examinations to anyone 65 or older, or to individuals of any age with a history of skin cancer. While once a fatal epidemic, skin cancer can now be easily cured when diagnosed early. That's the key, early diagnosis. Now, if you have a growth that you're not sure of, you qualify for this free exam. This special examination has been made available through the Skin Cancer Institute, with five convenient locations to serve you in Beverly Hills, Encino, Glendale, Long Beach, and Laguna Hills. You're at risk if you have fair skin, blue or green eyes, or a history of skin cancer. Call the Skin Cancer Institute Monday through Friday between 9 a.m. and 5 p.m. at 1-800-445-EXAM. That number again is 1-800-445-EXAM. That's 1-800-445-EXAM. Do you love to travel? Well, if you're a mature traveler over the age of 50, Magic Holiday Travel Club, now in its fifth year of business, offers a year-round program of motor coach tours to some of the most magnificent places in North America. For instance, on July 30th, the Magic Holiday Travel Club will take off for a 14-day adventure through the Canadian Rockies. This great tour includes stays in Victoria, Lake Louise, and Banff. The Magic Holiday Travel Club is designed to cater to every whim of the mature traveler. Their buses are luxury motor coaches with deluxe seats, stereo, and restroom on board. Now, if you've always dreamed of getting away, but you didn't think you could afford it, now's the time to act. Call Magic Holiday Travel Club this morning. Area code 714-625-3938. The Canadian Rockies Tour is coming up on July 30th, so make reservations now. Call area code 714 625 3938. That's 714-625-3938.
KABC Talk Radio 790, the voice of Southern California. This is One Man's Family. One Man's Family is dedicated to the mothers and fathers of the younger generation and to their bewildering offspring. Today transcribed, we present Chapter 12, Book 72, entitled, A Touch of Christmas Spirit. Book 72. How many books were there altogether, Carlton? 119, I think. <laughs> <laughs> and 27 years. If you want to talk with Carlton E. Morris and Dresser Dahlstedt, here's how. In Los Angeles, the number is 520, followed by TALK, T-A-L-K. All TALK Radio 79 numbers are followed by the word TALK. Orange County, 714 area, dial 750. And the 213 area, dial 448. The South Bay Area, 679, and the San Fernando Valley, dial 990, and then talk. Hello, Ruth. You're on with Carlton E. Morse. Oh, thank you. Carlton, this is Ruth Caton, C-A-T-O-N. You will not remember me, but my husband did your sound effects for 20 years. Oh, yes. I do remember very well. Remember Floyd? He was one of the goodies. Yes, he was. And one of my proudest possessions, Carlton, is yes. a lovely dish or plate that you gave all of us at the 20th anniversary party for oh, the man's family. Yes. Remember that beautiful party? I do indeed. I have a picture of it. Uh, and we all have an honorary plate from there, uh -huh. which will go to my daughter because she remembers it so well. And I want to congratulate you. I'm so proud of you writing a book. It's also exciting. <laughs> I hope you'll be able to get a hold of it. Oh, I'm sure that I will. All right. And I was so I was sleepy, Carlton, and now I'm wide awake. I'm well, I, I must admit I haven't read the book yet, but I know some people who have, and they say it's a great novel. Oh, I'm looking forward to it. I'm really, and Dresser, I remember, and then Tony, who was Father Barber. And it's just so good to hear all these names again. <laughs> Floyd has passed away. I wondered. I wasn't sure the, whether he had or not, but he just was one of the best sound men that ever got into radio, believe me. He was, and I don't know whether you remember that Tony, Father Barber, used to go down to Carlsbad on his vacations or so many times when he could get away. Yes. And he, oh, he enjoyed the races. And yeah. he employed would bet a penny. And the letters cost more than that, you know, just to mail them. But they had the most fun. <laughs> <laughs> wonderful to hear you speak. And I thank you for many beautiful hours. And his, well, I do want to tell you this. His mother had six children. She is still alive. She's 97. And many, many times her family was compared to one man's family. Well. She did a good job. Yes. That's <laughs> so, wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. Good night. Good night. I, I was thinking the other day, uh, who were the uh, children? Uh, now, I have it in front of me, so I can uh, go forth with it if I have to. But I, I th thought I would ask you, um, after all these years, can you tell me uh, the uh, the five children of the Barber family? Yeah, you made uh, <laughs> uh, Paul was the eldest son, then Hazel was the eldest daughter. Uh, she was father's girl. Claudia and Clifford were... Uh, uh, twins, uh, about college age in the show, yeah. and then Jack was uh, he was the baby. Was the baby came along uh -huh. later, uh -huh. and became <laughs> grew up on the family to become the father of six beautiful daughters. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's take a call from Sue in San Antonio. Hello, Sue. Hi there. You're on with Carlton E. Morris and Dresser Dahlstedt. Well, Mr. Morris and Ray, both of you, I just wanted to tell you how many hours of pleasure you gave me here in San Antonio back 
in the early 40s. I was about nine years old, and uh, I listened every night to I Love a Mystery uh, at 10 o'clock at night. Oh. Right. 10 o'clock? 10 o'clock at night. Uh, For a young girl. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> and uh, one morning, uh, the principal of our elementary made the rounds of every room in the school. And she asked why, who listened to I Love a Mystery. And every hand in the room went up. Now, this went on all <laughs> over the school. And the reason she was doing this was because all of these little kids were sleeping <laughs> with their heads on their desks every day. <laughs> <laughs> very, very good. Well, you know, uh, teachers and uh, ministers all over the United States uh, did great things for one man's family. They, uh, they believed in... Uh, the American family, and that's what the show was all about. Well, as far as I Love a Mystery is concerned, that was a little late for nine-year-olds to be listening, but we all listened at this entire school, and this is a pretty big school. This whole school was going to sleep every morning. <laughs> Great. Right, and it's my a... favorite episode, and I, you know, I don't even remember what it was about, but the title... The title has stayed with me all these years, The Decapitation of Jefferson. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And when I would come home in the afternoon, there was an old white silver tone that sat on top of the refrigerator. <laughs> and my mother could not fix supper unless one man's family was on while she was cooking supper. I see. Well, it's just wonderful. <laughs> That's a great memories you have. Oh, Thank I you so much. It all. Thank you so much for what you've given me. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. I'm Ray Bream, and this is KBC Talk Radio AM 790. You've heard the saying, seeing is believing. Well, I couldn't believe there was any non-surgical hair replacement system available for men that could look so good and so natural until I saw for myself the one by Edward Katz International Hair Design. I was impressed with the techniques used to achieve such a great-looking, quality hair replacement product. Man, your lifestyle doesn't have to be altered. It becomes enhanced with an Edward Katz hair replacement system. Shower, shampoo, swim, do sports activities. Your hair replacement is a part of you 24 hours a day, every day. And take it from this believer. If your appearance means a lot, then you owe it to yourself to call Edward Katz International Hair Design for your free personal consultation. Do it today, and you tell them that Ray Bream sent you. Dial area code 213-276-3322, or in the Valley, area code 818-760-7373. Worn-out, stained, or loose-fitting dentures can be uncomfortable and embarrassing, but you can do something about it. Long Beach dentist Dr. Stephen Adams can help. Dr. Adams offers custom-made dentures at very comfortable prices. Dr. Adams has his own full-service denture lab right in his office, and he can produce a complete set of high-quality dentures in just one day. At a low price, you can afford $230 each, or $450 per set. 
Dr. Adams can also reline or repair your old dentures while you wait. Dr. Adams' dental office is not a clinic. All fittings and adjustments are done by Dr. Adams himself, and he'll personally see to it that you're completely satisfied with the fit and treatment you receive. As a holiday gift to you, now through the end of the year, just mention yours truly, Ray Bream, and receive a 10% additional discount off the regular low price for dentures. Most insurance, Medi-Cal, Visa, and MasterCards accepted. Call Dr. Stephan Adams in Long Beach, area code 213-595-9131. My brother and I have shared good times and bad. Oh, we love each other a lot. Anytime I had a problem, I'd turn to him for advice and support, and he was always there for me. Oh, he's still caught up in the big brother role and wouldn't dream of burdening me with his problems. I know he needs help now, but what can I do when my strong, silent brother can't open up to me? Sometimes telling a loved one about Solution Source is the way to help. When living in a decade that some call the anxiety age, there are bound to be problems. But answering the who, what, where, and how of getting help can be tough. At Solution Source, we confidentially and objectively evaluate your emotional problems and determine whether you need to see a professional. We find the help that fits your needs, and it's only $40. Call Solution Source now, 1-800-356-3933. In Long Beach, Fullerton, and locations near you, call Solution Source, 1-800-356-3933 for an appointment. Hello, I'm Ben Love, Chief Scout Executive for the Boy Scouts of America. Successful scouting programs depend on active, concerned volunteers. For more than 2,000 scout units, those volunteers are also members of the American Legion. These veterans are concerned about the future leaders of our nation, and scouting is an excellent way to help these young people establish lifelong values. The Boy Scouts of America and the American Legion working together for the future of our nation. KABC Talk Radio 790, the voice of Southern California. Talk Radio 79 numbers and in the word talk, T-A-L-K. South Bay Area, dial 679. Glendale and Pasadena, 244-990 for the San Fernando Valley. And in Orange County, the 714 area, 750. The 213 area of Orange County, 448. Los Angeles, it's 520 and then talk. Boy, if that theme doesn't bring out the Mysterioso. <laughs> <laughs> um, some of the other uh, episodes of, of the A1 Detective Agency, uh, Doc, Reggie, and Jack, uh, one had to do with the sun. What was that? With what? The sun. The going, sun. Going to the sun? What was that? Oh, Stairway to the Sun. Stairway yeah. to the Sun. So, yeah. I'll never forget that. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Where yeah. did you come up with these ideas? What a fertile mind you have. <clears throat> I was raised on a dairy ranch in southern Oregon and as a boy, and I had nothing but my imagination all my life. I was always a loner, sort of. And I think uh, uh, the first uh, 20 years of my life was uh, uh, building up uh, imaginative things that were packed away in my mind and when I had the chance to uh, turn them loose they just flowed out forever and ever. They, they just seemed to be no end to them. How did you pick the radio actors and actresses? Well, is I started in uh, NBC in San Francisco in 1929. I had from 1929 to 1932 to uh, 
practice learning to write for radio, mm -hmm. and I was directing at the same time. And uh, so when uh, we got ready for One Man's Family, I had had about three, four years of uh, radio writing, and you can't do things for that long a time without learning something. Mm -hmm. And that's uh, so you had your eye on these different. Actors, oh, on these people, uh, I was using. Yes, there must have been 50, uh, 75 uh, excellent actors uh, around S San Francisco. And in those days, you know, uh, the theater was dying. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, during the Depression, everything, there was no jobs for anybody. So all these good people flocked to radio, and you just had your choice uh, of the very best. All right, let's go to Springfield, Illinois. We have Kirk on the line. Good morning, Kirk. You're on with Carlton E. Morse. Good morning, Mr. Morse. Good uh, morning. I was wondering, uh, I have managed to find uh, five uh, of the uh, New York run stories of I Love a Mystery. And I was wondering, are there any transcripts or tapes or anything of the earlier uh, episodes? There are episodes around. <clears throat> Some of them are not uh, as complete as the New York stories, but uh, uh, there are, I, every once in a while, I've heard of them. Do you know anything about that, uh, Dresser? Well, I would guess that maybe Spurdback probably has as good a collection as anybody. That's a uh, radio uh, uh, organization that goes, collects old radio uh, tapes and discs and all that, and they probably have about as good a collection as anyone, I would think. Uh-huh. Uh -huh. Yes, I'm a member of their club. Oh, you are? Oh, well, then you know it. Then the Pioneers also have Yeah, a few. the Pacific Pioneer Broadcasters yeah. have a big vault. I don't know how many they have of I Love a Mystery. Well, I gave, in the old days, I gave all a one man's family to uh, uh, the uh, deaf organizations that uh, puts out records mm -hmm. for mm -hmm. for the deaf and uh, uh, for uh, and the blind. And uh, then I sent all of my uh, uh, I Love Mysteries down to... Uh, uh, Pacific Pioneers. Oh, so, uh, so they have them there in the vault. They've got most of them uh, that I had, and I didn't have a complete set mm -hmm. uh, myself. Uh, the, the, the reason being is that uh, things were done live in those days. Yes, there was no such thing. I mean, uh, the reason I got rid of uh, everything I had because a great many of mine were on glass records. Yeah, now these great big 16-inch glass discs. Every, every time I go down to look for one more, one of them would get broken. <laughs> so finally I got turned them all over to mm -hmm. experts. Yeah. And they've all been dubbed off on the tape. Yeah. Uh, are those available to the uh, general public? No, they're not. No, they're not. Not with the Pacific Pioneer Broadcasters. We just have our own ar artifacts and archives, but we don't uh, in any way let them out to the general public. So then, uh, for the most part, uh, most of it is not available to the general public. <laughs> That's right. Other than what, I, I again, you belong to Spurdback, so you probably have their catalog and know what they have. Yes, unfortunately, they do not have. Uh, not much, I I know. Yeah. How about the uh, manuscripts? Uh, are any of those uh, still around? Uh, they are. <laughs> There's a few of them around, but uh, mostly uh, <clears throat> those are pretty well tied up now. Uh-huh. It's... Uh, 
I'm, uh, by the way, I, I'm writing, I have written a, a book and published a book, uh, and uh, we're going to put out a series of uh, I Love a Mystery translated into novels. Uh-huh. So uh, in a very... In uh, with around the first of the year, we're going to start publishing these new books. That should be a bestseller, I would think. Yeah. All right. Thank you very much, Kurt. Uh, Killer at the Wheel is uh, put out by Seven Stones Press, and um, if, if they can't find that in their bookstore, what do they do? Then they, if they will write me direct, uh, to uh, Seven Seven Stones uh, Seven Press. Seven Stones Press. Star Root Box 50. Star Root? Yeah. Box 50. Uh, Woodside, California. Now, where is Woodside? 94062. 94062? Yeah, it's uh, it's on the outer edge of San Francisco on the peninsula. Oh, oh yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that's, uh, give the address again. That is Star Root. Star Box. Root. Box 50. Woodside, uh, California. Woods, Woodside, 94062. All right. Uh, the book is called Killer at the Wheel, and uh, if they go to the bookstore, I'm sure they can order it from the, from the store from Books and Print. Yeah, well, try that first, and if right. you don't get it, and we will send you information about all the uh, past and future efforts of uh, Seven Stones Press, too. All right, very good. My guests, Carlton E. Morse and the announcer on I Love a Mystery, Dresser Dahlstead. I'm Ray Bream, and this is KBC Talk Radio, AM 790. When Bob Morris says all the world is your oyster, he means it. And now all the oysters you can eat are at Gladstone's. At Gladstone's for Fish, every Wednesday night is all-you-can-eat oyster night. What a deal. And they're all prepared and served in that very special Gladstone's tradition. Feast on freshly shucked oysters on the half shell, golden fried oysters, or Bob's favorite, Oysters Rockefeller. They're fresh, and they're all you can eat. Every Wednesday night, come out of your shell and head to Gladstone's for all-you-can-eat oysters. And, of course, their regular full menu is also available. Call for reservations today. Dial area code 213-GL4-FISH. That's GL4-FISH, Gladstone's for Fish. On the beach where Sunset Boulevard meets the beautiful blue Pacific. At 17300 Pacific Coast Highway in Malibu. Open every day of the year at 7 a.m. for breakfast, lunch, dinner, and beautiful sunsets. Gladstone's for Fish, Southern California's proudly American restaurant. You know, your eyesight is a very precious gift. If you have blurred or hazy vision and don't know why, it could be cataracts. Cataracts are a natural part of the eye's aging process. Yet left untreated, cataracts can rob you of your precious gift of sight. Pacific Eye Center in Huntington Beach, and now with a new office in Fountain Valley, has a patient caring staff who will make sure you receive the most modern diagnostic and treatment techniques available. No hospitalization is necessary for cataract treatment. Pacifica Eye Center is under the medical direction of Dr. Richard Klotz, nationally renowned cataract and lens implant surgeon. Medicare assignment is accepted, as well as most insurance plans. So if you've been diagnosed as having cataracts, or you've noticed your eyesight getting blurry or cloudy, give Pacific Eye Center a call later this morning. Area code 714-847-5900. That's area code 714-847-5900.
Jackson at 11, it's a must. Tuesday, artificial organs. Have we made medical miracles or manufactured mechanical men? Wednesday, is flying becoming a risk? Pilots speak out on flight safety. I'm Michael Jackson. Join me all week for Jackson at 11. You'll be in for some real surprises right here on KABC Talk Radio AM 790. If you're calling from Los Angeles, dial 520, followed by the word TALK. T-A-L-K follows all of our numbers. For the San Fernando Valley, dial 990. The San Gabriel Valley, 448. In Burbank, 244. And in Compton, dial 639. And then, TALK. My guest, Carlton E. Morse, his new book, Killer at the Wheel, along with Dresser Dahlstedt, who was the announcer on Isle of a Mystery. Uh... Carlton, I was just thinking, in today's television fair, if you don't make it on the first episode or two, sometimes only one, mm -hmm. you're through. <laughs> yes, that's, that's right. You're gone. That's You'll right. never be heard from yeah. again. That's right. Uh, it was a little different in those days in radio, I guess. Uh, well, uh, with one man's family, when we, uh, it was quite a job getting it on the air to start with because I wrote three episodes, presented them to, my, uh, to our production department, and they said, Morse, you're written out. <laughs> Who in the hell wants to listen to? They they live with a family all day or evening. Who wants to go home and turn on their radio and listen to more one man's family, more somebody else's family? We're having enough trouble in our own families. So uh, uh, it was rejected. And I took it to uh, then Don Gilman, who was in... Uh, vice president of the West Coast of NBC, and he kept it for several weeks, and he says, well, they weren't doing anything in those days except uh, bang, bang, climb the ceiling and uh, yelling around uh, westerns and all that sort of thing. And this was a quiet show, and he said, I don't know whether the public will accept this or not, but we might try it uh, for six weeks. <laughs> Uh, could we end it then if uh, if it isn't uh, go? So I said, of course. And uh, so we went on April 1932. And you uh, ended when? In 1960. Uh, end in 1959, actually. But it was... Uh, it was about 27 years. From 1932 to 1959. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And... Uh, what a run. Yeah. So, so... Uh, it's just like any other show. I mean, the Crosby show on television. I mean, there's still a lot of people think, well, it's just a, a family show and it isn't a true family picture. But millions of people love it. It's it's mm -hmm. beautiful. It's a, it's a hopeful thing. I mean, to look at a group of people who can live together happily and when so many families are breaking up and so forth, it's a, it's a real important thing in the country today. Hello, Martha. You're on with Carlton E. Morris. Thank you. Ray, I talked to you once before, uh, but I thought it'd be nice if I talked to you while Carlton Morris was there. I was the last organist on one man's family. Oh, yes. Do you remember when I talked to you? Oh, Ray, am I talking to Carlton? You're yes. talking to Carlton Morris. I'm Martha Green. 
What's that? My, my name is Martha Green. Oh, yes. And I was your last organist here, uh, down here at Sunset and Vine, uh-huh. Studio G. And uh, Sybil uh, Chisholm was your organist for so many years. Yes. And when she left the show, uh, that's when I came on. I wasn't on too long because then the show went off. The yeah. year, uh, Did you enjoy playing that pipe organ? Oh, boy. <laughs> I haven't played a pipe organ for a long, long time now. Yeah. I played the electric organ. Yeah, well, that's so nice to hear from you. Thank, Thank you. you. And uh, do you have a copy of of uh, Paul Carson's uh, music? Would you like to have it? I have the original script, and he he gave me a beautiful hand-scribed copy of the thing, which I hold very precious. And by the way, uh, I'm sending it to... Uh, uh, Smithsonian Institute. They have uh, asked if they could have some material from uh-huh. uh, from my old shows, and uh, uh, so they're go- I'm sending it back to them. Well, my copy is autographed by Paul Carson. Oh yes. And I uh, was thinking, oh, just recently, that I was going to contact you and see if you wanted it. Oh, uh-huh. bless your heart. Well, I have several copies. Uh-huh. And also, uh-huh. I do want to tell you that I'm a. Uh, a charter member of the Pacific Pioneer Broadcast. Oh, yes. Uh-huh. Well, it's so am I. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> it was nice to talk to you, and I wish you had the show again, and I could play for you again. <laughs> thank, so young- thank you very thank you, much. Thank you, Martha. Let's go to Atlanta. We have Jerry on the line. Good morning, Jerry. You're on with Carlton E. Morris. Good morning, Ray. Good morning. I think it's fantastic to be able to talk to Mr. Morris. I grew up with one man's family on WSB. I would have been about the same age as uh, Hank and Pinky. Yes, yes. Uh, Mr. Morris, we had, when I was uh, a youngster, a picture book of all of the characters in the story. I think it came from Tenderleaf Tea. That's right. Do you remember that book? The, oh, we put one out every year. Yes, we had one, and I was... It, yes. It's coincidental that I was just thinking this weekend and rummaging through some old things. I wish we still had that book. I can still picture it in my mind. Yes. Uh-huh. And, uh, of course, uh, <clears throat> I love a mystery, too. Well, they're getting very scarce. I I had several copies, but uh, over the years, people have gotten them away from me one way or another. Yes, there was uh, six, I think, six years in a row that they put out this book, mm-hmm. a family book. Mm-hmm. It really made things real, and I want to thank you for having created a wonderful family uh, that I grew up with. Thank you. Well, i got to tell you something. If you thought he wrote well all those 27 years for One Man's Family, wait till you read his new novel, Killer at the Wheel. I have not read it yet, but I know some people who have, and they rave by it. I've got the information. I'm going to try to get it here. If I can't, I'll order it direct from you. Will you do that? Yes. Uh, I try try first at the bookstore. Yes. yes. Always, always do that. Yes. Okay. Well, thanks so much. You really made uh, growing up uh, a nice experience. Well, thank you so much. That's wonderful. Well, thank you, Jerry. Isn't that great to hear from people the, like that? That is. That is. And they do it all the time. Oh, I, yeah. Let's uh, go to Portland, Oregon. We have Don on the line. Good morning, Don. You're on with Carlton E. Morrison, Dresser Dahlstedt. Well, good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. It's a pleasure. uh, I'm only about 35. I don't remember them, but I collect the I Love a Mystery series from the New York on tape. Yes. And I enjoy it very, very much. 
Um, dresser, I have a question to ask you. Are you the dresser Dolstead that used to be in Truth or Consequences with Bob Barker? I certainly am for 20 years. <laughs> you are. Yes, sir. Okay. Uh, back to you, uh, Carlton. Yes. Have you produced another show besides I Love a Mystery? I'll tell you the character. It was uh, Captain Friday. And his partner. Oh, yes. Uh, uh, Mysteries by Morris, I think there was. That's right. Uh, Adventures by Morris. Adventures by Morris, yeah. Uh-huh. Yes, we uh, we made those uh, outside of the network and uh, sold them to uh, individual stations uh, throughout the country. Uh, it was competition for I Love a Mystery. Professor, <laughs> one more question to you, sir. If you don't, could you, uh, gentlemen, give me the name of that catalog uh, organization you were just mentioning? I, 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 I like to get the name of that down. It's Spurdvac. Could you spell that? Uh, Spurdvac? Yes. Society for the Preservation and Encouragement, <laughs> encouragement for Radio. Radio. Drama, whatever. Drama, yeah, yeah. Spurdvac, yes. S-P-E-R-V-A-C. Where are they based? They're based in Los Angeles. I don't have their address. Well, okay. I'm going to have Spurred back on something. Keep listening because I want to have them on one of these nights. Well, it's a pleasure talking to you, Carlton. I really enjoy your material. There's just one. I have to leave you. You have to leave me. Yeah, thank you, Don. Bye-bye. I'm Ray Bream, and this is KBC Talk Radio AM 790. Hello, Blanche. You're on with Carlton E. Morse. Thank you. Oh, Mr. Morse, I just wanted to say thank you, thank you, thank you for all the years of wonderful radio. Well, bless your heart. My husband and I enjoyed. What do the children of today do with their imaginations? Well. <laughs> it's just too bad. They sit in front of the box and vegetate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it, didn't Doc, wasn't he the original partner of Jack Webb on Dragnet? Uh, no, no part, no. no part at all. Oh, I thought he was. I thought that was the original man that played Doc. Oh no, uh, oh you oh. mean? Uh, well, Doc was on the first show, and then uh, he died yeah. very shortly afterwards. Oh, I thought. But he but Bart, are you talking Barton Yarborough? Yes, Barton he Yarborough. was on Dragnet. Yeah, that's yes. right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, and I remember he died, and they just played it just like it really happened. Uh -huh. That's yeah. right. Uh huh. Uh -huh. Yeah, well, thank you very much, and I'm looking forward to reading your book. Thank you so very, very much. I do hope you'll enjoy it. I'm sure I will. Thank you. <laughs> if you use your imagination, I'll love it. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Bye. Uh, of all the uh, shows you did uh, on um, One Man's Family, was there any particular one you enjoyed more than any? Well, <clears throat> to me, one of the greatest things was that Paige Gilman, who played Jack was just the right age so that the government got him in the army uh, and he had to leave the show and uh, we followed him through the whole uh, through the uh, whole three years that he was in the army and then brought him back into the show alive my guest the one and only carlton e moores along with dresser dalstead this is talk radio ABC Talk Radio 790, the voice of Southern California. Impotence is one of those subjects that you just don't talk about. Yet did you know that impotence affects one out of every eight men over 40 years of age? And contrary to what most people think, impotence is often a medical problem, and there is a medical solution. 
The Potency Recovery Center helps men recover from impotence in a confidential environment. The board-certified physicians at the Potency Recovery Center use the most advanced diagnostic and treatment techniques. The doctors at the Potency Recovery Center have over 20 years' experience in this field. For more information and a free educational brochure, call the Potency Recovery Center at area code 818-988-3000. That's Potency Recovery Center, 818-988-3000. Help is available. Call 818-988-3000. KABC Los Angeles, Talk Radio 790, the voice of Southern California. From ABC News, I'm Joe Vaughn. Former National Security Advisor John Poindexter is nearing the end of his testimony for the Congressional Iran-Contra panels. Morning will bring what's expected to be his final day, a fifth day, before the committees. In Washington, ABC's Vic Ratner tells us about day four of those hearings. It was John Poindexter's toughest day when the former National Security Advisor came under fire by both Republicans and Democrats such as Jack Brooks of Texas. And I find it incredible, really, that a presidential staff thinks it can provide him with selective, edited knowledge of the facts and somehow insulate him from responsibility for the government's actions. But Poindexter insisted his decision to approve the diversion of funds to the Contras on his own was no big deal, and that it's just overreaction by the news media that has made it seem that way. Vic Ratner, ABC News, at the Iran-Contra hearings. I'll have more after this. We all share the same sun And we share the same moon we share the air that we breathe, but we all share much more. Every soul at its core knows what every other person hopes and needs. Every heart wants to grow, every mind needs to know, every voice wants a chance to be service believes that being self-reliant is a joy everyone should share. So around the block or around the world, share the joy. A public service message from Church World Service. Any minute now, the order could come from Washington for the U.S. Navy to begin escorting Kuwaiti tankers through the Persian Gulf with an easy reach of Iranian missile batteries. At the Pentagon, ABC's Bob Zelnick told us about the U.S. flotilla that's available for escort duty. The Navy Escort Force has been in place since early July. It includes eight combatants in the Gulf or immediately near the Gulf, plus another seven ships and a carrier task force in the uh, northern Arabian Sea. There will be one other big ship moving in, and that's the battleship Missouri to possibly handle the silkworm missiles of Iran. The Kuwaiti supertanker, redubbed the Bridgeton, will be the first ship to receive the U.S. flag protection. It's three football fields long and capable of carrying three full days of production from Kuwaiti's oil fields. In an almost unheard of development, all 15 members of the U.N. Security Council have voted for a resolution calling for an end to the seven-year-old Persian Gulf War between Iran and Iraq. 
Secretary of State George Shultz joined with the Soviet Union in voting for the French-sponsored resolution, which calls for a negotiated settlement of the conflict. Wyoming is the latest state to approve a plan for the prepayment of college expenses. The plan outlined in Cheyenne calls for the payment of $5,000 into a special fund that will grow over a 10-year period to cover a student's expenses at least 10 years in the future. University of Wyoming President Terry Rourke says that's all four years. Full payment for four years at the University of Wyoming for tuition, fees, room, and board uh, when that child reaches college age. That $5,000 payment will provide for students who are residents of Wyoming. For non-residents, the payment would be $8,806. Michigan already has approved a statewide prepaid tuition program, and a similar program is being studied in 28 other states. But the program in Wyoming is the only one announced so far that would cover all expenses, including room and board. A small plane crashed shortly after taking off last night from Chicago's Midway Airport. Officials say the plane was used to deliver papers to outstate Illinois terminals. The pilot was killed and three garages were destroyed, but there were no casualties on the ground. This is ABC News. Couch potatoes have to pay a price. A study reported in the magazine Psychology Today shows teenagers who watch a lot of television perform far below their peers who are more active and shun the tube. Larry Tucker, professor of health at Auburn University, said that accounting for age, year in school, race, and income, those who watch TV infrequently did significantly better on an overall index of fitness. The reason, says Tucker, is frequent TV viewers are learning poor eating habits from advertisers and remain inactive for hours at a time. For the ABC Information Network, I'm Joe Vaughn. Hi, this is Jim Davis. I draw a cat known as Garfield. That's me. Yes. Uh, are you sitting on the fence? You bet. I'm a world-class fence-sitter. <laughs> We're not talking about that kind of fence-sitting. No? No. If you're sitting on the fence and can't decide whether to go to college or not, listen to this. Okay. Today, a college education is not only affordable, it's a smart investment in your future. Future? Huh. I'd settle for a decent pass. Investigate your state colleges and universities. They're strong on liberal arts and tend to be career-oriented. They're an excellent value because they can help you move up to a more interesting, better-paying job. Right. You'll be rolling in dough. Me? I'd rather be rolling in catnip. For a brochure called 10 Secrets for Getting a Great College Education, write Secrets, P.O. Box 2155, Washington, D.C., 20013, and enclose $1 for postage and handling. This message brought to you by this station and the American Association of State Colleges and Universities. KABC Talk Radio 790, the voice of Southern California. This is Talk Radio. I'm Ray Brame. My guest wrote 10 million words for one man's family, and he wasn't satisfied, so he wrote a half million words for 50 I Love a Mystery episodes, and he still wasn't satisfied, so now he's writing novels. His latest called Killer at the Wheel. This is One Man's Family. One Man's Family is dedicated to the mothers and fathers of the younger generation and to their bewildering offspring. Today transcribed, we present Chapter 12, Book 72, entitled A Touch of Christmas Spirit. 
none other than Carlton E. Morse, who wrote it and who directed it. Carlton, it's so great to have you with us. And, Thank uh, you. Who would have thought that at age 86, you would turn out to be a novelist? <laughs> well, I'm as surprised as anyone. <laughs> but this has been a wonderful <clears throat> release for me. Uh, uh, when I, uh, about uh, three years ago, Patricia, my wife, passed away and uh, we had been together for 60 years and it just seemed that that was the end of the world well uh, for a few months it it was and then s suddenly it came to me well you feel young you're not you're a 30 year old spirit in a 83 year old barrel at that day time uh, but uh, I felt good. I felt good uh, that I needed to do something. I needed to do something badly. And so I organized uh, <clears throat> my own publishing company, uh, the Seven Stones Press. And uh, I had been writing for about uh, 10 years, uh, learning the difference between writing for the ear, which is radio, and writing for the eye, which is a novel. And it took me about that long to make the changeover. And now I come up with uh, my first novel, which is uh, Killer at the Wheel. And uh, it's being received beautifully by people that mean a great deal to me. And uh, I hope that the whole general public will join in the... Uh, well, I hear that it's a great book. And, and I, I'm going to read it. So help me, I am. Uh, uh, along with Carlton Morse is the announcer that you heard on I Love a Mystery, Dresser Dahlstead. Dresser, I don't know if I ever told you or not, but uh, uh, we both got our starts, I believe, at the same radio station in different time frames. Um, does uh, Ogden, Utah mean anything uh, to you? Well, I should say it does. That's where it all began for me, Ray. <laughs> I never knew you were there. That's where... Really? I'm, I'm an Ogden youth. Yes. I grew up there, and uh, I started there at the Hotel Ben Lomond. Ben Lomond, oh my goodness, yes. KLO Radio. <laughs> <laughs> I, I once went, when I first went to San Francisco, you'll love this, I was working for a station called KFWI, I think, and it was late one night, uh -huh. and it came time to make an announcement, and the next thing I did, I made a station break and the whole thing, the transmitter man called up and he said, uh, well, he said, um, it's interesting to know that we're changed our location. And I said, what are you talking about? And he said, you just identified us as being KLO in Ogden, Utah. <laughs> <laughs> Those things do happen. Listen, if you want to talk to Carlton E. Morse, you better hurry because he's only going to be here for another 20 or 25 minutes. And here's how. If you're calling from Los Angeles, dial 520, followed by the word TALK. T-A-L-K follows all of our numbers. For the San Fernando Valley, dial 990. The San Gabriel Valley, 448. In Burbank, 244. And in Compton, dial 639. And then, TALK. If you um, love Dial of a Mystery, you'll always remember the theme. Waltz Triste. And I told you, that's how I got my start in classical music, age 10 or 12, something like that. It's a beautiful story. You isn't, that a, isn't that a, yeah. you know, and I've had a great love for classical music. But yeah. I came from a family that 
was musically illiterate yeah. as far as the classics were concerned, yeah. really. Yeah. yeah. And um, I've had a love for them ever since, but I went down to the record shop, not once or twice, but three times humming this song. <laughs> I went to the old uh, Victor Red Seal 12-inch record, and there was Sibelius's Waltz okay. Trees. Yeah, well, I think that uh, uh, you had it within you all the time. And you know, and this is a, uh, this is the reason I believe that you say your family was illiterate uh, musically. Uh, uh, so was mine. Uh, how do you suppose uh, this came to you? I, I believe that uh, you probably lived uh, many, many lives before <laughs> in a musical world, probably, and uh, so you just naturally were we're Shirley McLean, where are you? Yeah. <laughs> now that we need you. Let's take a call. We have Marvin on the line. Good morning, Marvin. You're on with Carlton E. Morris. Good morning, Ray. This morning. is Marvin of the Movies. Hey, Marvin of the Movies. <laughs> and radio. <laughs> and radio. Okay. Uh, it's such a pleasure to hear you, Mr. Morris. Well, it's, it's so pleasure to, It's such a great pleasure to hear from all you people who have been so nice to me all these years. Before I mention a couple of things to you about the Isle of a Mystery, Ray, I have located some audio tapes from uh, AFR. AFRS? Yeah. Really? Of, of Ray Breen. Oh? Yeah, and I'm uh, making arrangements to get those sent to me so I can get them to you. My, where did you get those? Uh, what, what are they? One-night stands? I Dance remotes? I really don't know. I really hmm. don't know, but a, a felon in Syracuse has got them, and I've been in touch with them, and I will get them to you. I'll be doggone. Okay. Hmm. Uh, Mr. Just Morris. never know. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Morris? Yes. Uh, the I Love a Myth, well, first of all, I'm a one-man's family. You know, it goes without saying, absolutely fantastic, because as, as you well know, those were real tough years in the 30s. Thank you. And... Uh, we used to sit around the radio and listen to One Man's Family and also I Love a Mystery. Do you remember the series, uh, the, the part of the series I Love a Mystery, where the, where the girl was always talking about them? About what? Them. T-H-E-M. It, it, the, the series ran for a week, ten days, and as it turns out, the them were... The implants on the wallpaper. Do you remember that one? Oh yes. Huh. Oh that, uh, yes. I, great, great series. The name, the name was. Uh, <clears throat> well, I'm sorry. At 86 years old, my memory is terrible. Your memory is fine. <laughs> yeah. As bad as uh, Poindexter's. Yeah, 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 it was. Uh, <laughs> and also, uh, besides uh, listening to the radio, uh, I love movies as Ray knows. Yeah. And I have uh, the three I Love a Mysteries on videotape. Oh, you do? Decapitation of Jefferson Monk. Yes. Uh, the Unknown. Yes. And The Devil's Mask. Yes. And every once in a while, I just pull them out of my collection, and I just watch them. And what Yeah, but I want Stairway to the Sun. Uh, <laughs> that one I don't have, right? But I can start looking for it. You know if anyone's going to find a movie. I'm going to find it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you are, Marvin. Thanks for the call. Thank you. All right. Take care. My guest, Carlton E. Morse, his book, Killer at the Wheel, along with Dresser Dahlstedt, the announcer on I Love a Mystery. I'm Ray Bream, and this is KBC Talk Radio, AM 790. If you're 65 or older, grab a pencil. This message could save your life. 
It's a fact that one-third of all cancer deaths can be prevented through early diagnosis. Skin cancer can be fatal, but if detected early, it's easily curable. A free skin cancer examination is available at any of five locations by calling this toll-free number, 1-800-445-EXAM, between 9 a.m. and 5 p.m. This medical program is sponsored by the Skin Cancer Institute, one of the only medical facilities in California specializing exclusively in the early diagnosis of skin cancer. You're at risk if you have fair skin, blue or green eyes, or a history of skin cancer. If you have a growth that you're not sure of, you qualify for this free examination. Call 1-800-445-EXAM now. That's 1-800-445-EXAM. Do it now. 1-800-445-EXAM. Oh, Bob, look at that Aegean village. Just like Leisure Village Ocean Hills. And that great architecture. Just like the Ocean Hills Country Club. Bob, can't you forget Leisure Village Ocean Hills and enjoy the cruise? I am, but that's where we won this cruise. I know, and that's where we're going to live. Uh -huh. Beautiful homes, everything from golf to art studios and concerts to tennis. And the flavor of the Aegean in Southern California. Visit Leisure Village Ocean Hills today, and you could win an all-expense-paid cruise for two to the Aegean. If you're 55 or older, you could be the winner. Leisure Village Ocean Hills and Oceanside. For information, call 1-800-331-8888. That's 1-800-331-8888. Hey, look at that red tile roof. <laughs> Just like Leisure, Leisure Village, Village Ocean, Ocean Hills. <laughs> Do you like what you see when you look in the mirror? Take a chance. Listen to me. I'll make you like you better. I'm Dr. Sonia Friedman. Monday and Tuesday afternoon from 2 until 4, it's our chance to visit. Think of it as phoning a friend. And don't forget, Wednesday through Friday, it's Dr. David Viscott helping you. Helping you be the best that you can be on AM 790, KABC, the voice of Southern California. Los Angeles, the number is 520, followed by TALK, T-A-L-K. All TALK Radio 79 numbers are followed by the word TALK. Orange County, 714 area, dial 750. And the 213 area, dial 448. The South Bay area, 679. And the San Fernando Valley, dial 990. And then TALK. In the studio, the legendary Carlton E. Morse, author of I Love a Mystery and writer of... Uh, one Man's Family directed both, and uh, One Man's Family had the longest run for any drama show on radio, 27 years. In the studio also, Dresser Dahlstead, the announcer on I Love a Mystery. Let's go to Carthage, Missouri, and Troy. Good morning, Troy. Thank you, Ray, for the opportunity of speaking to these gentlemen. Uh, Mr. Dahlstead, you just spoke of being on the 15 Minutes. Uh, I guess that's when it was for Alcazar or on NBC. But what I remember you best is when it went next to ABC. It was actually a half hour on Tuesday at 7 o'clock. I lived in St. Louis then, where you'd advertise the Fleischmann yeast. That's right. It, you, you'd, you'd chop this, uh, these Fleischmann yeast up in, in this glass of tomato juice. <laughs> <laughs> and drink it down and go, 
I used to love to hear you do that. Isn't that funny? My gosh, to remember that, that's really something. Yeah, what do we say? To your health. <laughs> We'd clink the glass. I'd call it a health cocktail. <laughs> right. That was really good. And Mr. Morris, uh, yes. one, one man's family goes without question is one of the greats of all time. Uh, my mother wouldn't let us, any of us kids say a word while that was on. <laughs> I'll bet that was pleasant. <laughs> Sunday evening, of course, you know. Yeah. Sunday evening for the half hour. And these uh, these introductions you keep playing is when it went to 15 minutes. Yeah. Of course, I remember it best back in the old days of uh, when uh, Ken Carpenter brought it on, you know. That's, that's right. And uh, Michael Raffetto, uh, who was Paul on One Man's Family and Jack on I Love Mystery, I remember when his voice started getting hoarser and hoarser. That's and right. He, he lost his voice entirely for for several years and then came back very strong again. Okay, I was afraid he might have, uh, you know, passed because of that, but not so, huh? No. He got no, over it okay. No, he's still alive. Oh, well, good. Well, yes. I'm glad to know that. Uh-huh. And you talk about individual episodes. Now, the one I remember the best is the Temple of the Aztecs, uh, where Jack, Doc, and Reggie had to go from this balcony over to this other balcony. Yeah. If they fell, they'd fall a couple hundred yeah. to their death. Yeah. They'd crawl along this rope and get over there. That's right. <laughs> Listen, you, you have a fantastic memory. Well, I'm an old radio buff. And, you know, Out of a Mystery is one of the only shows that were, were on all four networks, too, see? It was on NBC. It went to ABC when Dresser announced. They went to CBS for Ivory Soap. And then it went to the later years uh, when uh, Tony Randall saw it. It was mutual. mutual yeah. Yeah. Mutual. But, uh, all right. Now, look, you're so good. Can you tell me the, the motto of the A1 Detective Agency? Yeah, that goes back to when it was called uh, uh, Adventures. Uh, I love adventure. I love adventure. No, uh, uh, the A1 Detective Agency uh, yeah, of, of I Love a Mystery. It, it, well, it was actually called I Love Adventure first, wasn't it, Carlton, before I Love a Mystery? No, no, no. that was a different uh, series. No. Oh. No. Can you think of the motto? Uh, not just offhand. The motto was, no job too tough. No mystery too baffling. <laughs> <laughs> right. oh, I can talk about these programs the rest of the evening, but I know I have to go. But I'm sure it's been a great pleasure. And Dresser, drink that health cocktail. <laughs> That's why I'm still around. <laughs> Thank you, Troy. How, how's that for a memory? That's marvelous. I couldn't believe that. <laughs> Hello, Betty. You're on with Carlton E. Morris and Dresser Dahlstedt. Thank you so much. Mr. Morris, I Ye- don't know if you remember this. I'm, I'm sure you do, but you have brought back so many happy moments to me. Uh, I've wept, but my father, Abe Silk, was going to produce One Man's Family as a film. Oh, yes. And uh, I tell you this, it has been such a thrill to hear you again. And God bless you. Well, thank you so very, very much. What an interesting thing. I know Abe would have loved Hmm. to be alive now to be able to have done it because he loved your show like you wouldn't believe. Well. He believes in family. Yes, indeed. So thank you again for bringing back beautiful memories instead of sad ones. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Betty. Let's go to, uh, oh, we have to take a break. We'll be right back. I'm Ray Bream, and this is KBC Talk Radio, AM 790. Impotence is one of those subjects that you just don't talk about. Yet did you know that impotence affects one out of every eight men over 40 years of age? And contrary to what most people think, impotence is often a medical problem, and there is a medical solution. 
The Potency Recovery Center helps men recover from impotence in a confidential environment. The board-certified physicians at the Potency Recovery Center use the most advanced diagnostic and treatment techniques. The doctors at the Potency Recovery Center have over 20 years' experience in this field. For more information and a free educational brochure, call the Potency Recovery Center at area code 818-988-3000. That's Potency Recovery Center, 818-988-3000. Help is available. Call 818-988-3000. Worn out, stained, or loose-fitting dentures can be uncomfortable and embarrassing, but you can do something about it. Long Beach dentist Dr. Stephen Adams can help. Dr. Adams offers custom-made dentures at very comfortable prices. Dr. Adams has his own full-service denture lab right in his office, and he can produce a complete set of high-quality dentures in just one day. At a low price, you can afford $230 each, or $450 per set. Dr. Adams can also reline or repair your old dentures while you wait. Dr. Adams' dental office is not a clinic. All fittings and adjustments are done by Dr. Adams himself, and he'll personally see to it that you're completely satisfied with the fit and treatment you receive. As a holiday gift to you, now through the end of the year, just mention yours truly, Ray Bream, and receive a 10% additional discount off the regular low price for dentures. Most insurance, Medi-Cal, Visa, and MasterCards accepted. Call Dr. Stephan Adams in Long Beach, area code 213-595-9131. Do you love to travel? Well, if you're a mature traveler over the age of 50, Magic Holiday Travel Club, now in its fifth year of business, offers a year-round program of motor coach tours to some of the most magnificent places in North America. For instance, on July 30th, the Magic Holiday Travel Club will take off for a 14-day adventure through the Canadian Rockies. This great tour includes stays in Victoria, Lake Louise, and Banff. The Magic Holiday Travel Club is designed to cater to every whim of the mature traveler. Their buses are luxury motor coaches with deluxe seats, stereo, and restroom on board. Now, if you've always dreamed of getting away, but you didn't think you could afford it, now's the time to act. Call Magic Holiday Travel Club this morning. Area code 714-625-3938. The Canadian Rockies tour is coming up on July 30th, so make reservations now. Call area code 714-625-3938. That's 714-625-3938. KABC Talk Radio 790, the voice of Southern California. My guest, Carlton E. Morse, along with Dresser Dahlstedt. Carlton has written a book called Killer at the Wheel. It's a novel. And uh, it took him 10 years, you said, to uh, go from uh, writing for radio to writing for the eye. That's right. It's a lot different, isn't it? It's a, it's a great difference, and uh, I am uh, waiting <coughs> the results of the public's uh, reaction. I hope that they will love my uh, books as much as they did my radio show, and I do thank them so very, very much. All right, let's go back to the Twin Cities. We have Ruth on the line from St. Paul. Good morning, uh, Ruth. You're on with Carl and E. Morris. Good morning. Good morning, Mr. Morris. Good morning. Good morning. I'm 84 years old, and I, I've grown up in St. Paul, Minnesota. Yes. My family uh, consisted of two sisters, a brother and a mother and family and father. Yes. And we sat every Sunday. We sat 
That's wonderful. I, you're just one of uh, of many thousands that have uh, have told me that. I know, and I I want to tell you, I fell in love with Paul. <laughs> yes, <laughs> a lot of people did. <laughs> My favorite character. <laughs> thank you very much for many hours of, of happy listening. Well, thank you so much for calling. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Uh, we have Renee on the line. Good morning, Renee. You're on with Carlton E. Morris and Dresser Dahlstedt. Good morning, Ray. And Good morning. thank you for having such wonderful guests on your program and giving us the opportunity to thank Mr. Morris in person for uh, the wonderful times he's given us through the years. I, too, grew up with one man's family, and I was in Chicago at the time and followed it through uh, all the years, and it... it there's just not, not another program like it. Well, thank you so very, very much. And Do you realize it's been uh, over 25 years I've, since the show's been on the air? And here you are talking about it. I think that's wonderful. I was 12 years old when it started. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And one thing that I was trying to recall is the words from the song my great-great-grandfather oh, yes. America. <clears throat> Is there anywhere that we can get the words and the music for that? I uh, I have copies of it, but uh, I don't think it's uh, commercially out at all. You, uh, if you write me a letter, uh, I'll be very happy to uh, see if I can get you a copy. All right, Renee, thank you very much. You know, uh, listening to uh, One Man's Family and I Love a Mystery, uh, always at the end it would be, I Love a Mystery is a Carlton E. Morse production. Right. <laughs> and I always used to think, gee, this Carlton E. Morse, he must be something else. Boy, if I ever got to meet him someday. <laughs> Let's say hello to uh, Gloria. Hello, Gloria. Oh, I'm so glad I got on before you get off. I want to say, Mr. Morris, we love Christmas in our family, and I can still, just as vivid as it was yesterday, Christmas with the Barber family, putting the presents under the tree, yes. turning out the lights, and then everybody going, ah. Yes. You know, and Father Barber's sigh. Yes. Uh, you know, I, it's just like it was yesterday. Yes, well, uh, that's, it's just, uh, it's just fabulous to me. Do you know some of that? Uh, it's gone back 50 years in my life, and uh, the uh, people talk about things that uh, uh, happened so long ago that I have even forgotten about them. But uh, it's just been wonderful. It's just been uh, it's thrilling to, the, uh, to know that so many people are remem remembering kindly about the show. You know, sir, how many programs today, after all these years, but people remember all the characters like Teddy and Paul and Clifford and Claudia and rattle them off. I know. Just like their own <laughs> Well, uh, we had some awfully, awfully good actors working with me. Well, one of our directors, uh, I've forgotten her title right now, uh, Barbara Fuller, of course, was with you for many, many years. Yes. Oh, she was. She... What's Barbara's title? Treasure? She's treasurer of treasurer. the Finder Broadcaster. Yes. That's right. Uh -huh. yeah. Yeah. This great. This great. Well, thank you very much for many, many pleasant listening hours. And thank you. I just love you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take one more quick call. Doris in Oceanside, California. Hello, Doris. You're on with Carlton E. Morse. Oh, hi. I remember years ago I wanted to see 
the, the people on the show, and I lived about four blocks from Melrose, and you were broadcasting from Melrose. Yes. And I jumped in my car just before the program was over, and I ran over there and stood outside. <laughs> the car, you know, the people come down. I never said anything to anybody. Oh. Got a big kick out of doing that. Well, bless your heart. I hope you saw them. I did. <laughs> Good. <laughs> well, that's wonderful. Thank you very much. Thank uh, you. Thank you. Well, let's take one more. Victor. Good morning, Victor. We don't have much time. Okay, I'd like to ask if you remember that uh, outstanding uh, World War II espionage uh, story, The Twenty Traitors of Timbuktu. Yes, I do. I was looking over the, uh, the script on that. You know, Africa has changed so much since I wrote that script that it couldn't possibly use it as a, as a story today. Mm-hmm. It took place in Sierra Leone and the Ivory Coast when they were both yes. colonies. Yes. Magnificent story. I still remember it. We still talk about it all the time. Uh, wonderful. Okay. Thank you. Thank, well, thank you so very much. Thank you. And Carlton E. Morse and Dresser Dahlstead, uh, thanks for being with us. And Carlton, thank you for all that you've done for so many people for so many years. They'll never forget it. I know my family won't forget it. Well, may I say the same to you? Thank you for all you're doing for so many people. I think it's just wonderful that you you have such a beautiful show, and it just goes on forever, and it should. Carlton E. Morse, creator, writer, director of One Man's Family, and of course, I Love a Mystery. And, of course, the announcer for I Love a Mystery, Dresser Dahlstedt. Dresser, thanks for being with us. It's been a great pleasure, Ray. Thanks. Take care. And this is KBC Talk Radio, AM 790. Years ago, a stroke signaled the end of a productive life. Few sufferers returned to work. Well, we're going to take it back to the automation system, everybody. And join me later tonight. And Perry Huntoon will continue with the Audi Shaw series. So with that, may the good Lord Jesus Christ bless you. And this is Yesterday USA. Good morning. Jaws Professional Saturday Night 31 Alt Tab Items V Alt Tab MSN Alt Tab MSN Alt Tab MSN Alt Tab 1 Ray Bream Saturday Night 3 Alt Tab Sound Forge Pro 11 Point Escape 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 Enter Enter Menu File A Leaving Menus Sound 1 Star Save as Dialog File Name Sound 1 Edit S A T U R D A Y N I G A T S E O N D P C 3-17-18 W-I-T-8 P-A 
T-R-I-C-I-A. Save as type. Save button. Enter. JAWS Professional Apple Software Update Dialog Alt F4 Alt Tab Skype Trademark 35 Walt Alt Page Down Welcome Alt Tab Replay Radio Alt Tab Sound Forge Pro 11.0